ancient land of China, schools and the martial arts were a way of life, but none were as lethal as the one we are about to reveal. Five deadly venoms. A secret society, each man unknown to the other, identified only by a mass, representing one of nature's deadly assassins, the centipede, the snake, the scorpion, the lizard, and the toad. Five deadly venoms, five masters in the martial arts, each man pitted against the other in savage combat, and each trained in their own vicious method of killing. They practiced a special kind of kung fu, killing by instinct, with machine-like precision, lightning speed, and ruthless power, as ferocious and deadly as the venomous creatures from which it took its name, and whose stings were always fatal. Kill or be killed. Five deadly venoms. No mercy asked, none given, in a kung fu epic as brutal as nature itself. Five deadly venoms, survival of the fittest and kung fu action at its very best in the most spectacular martial arts program of the year. Five deadly venoms, five stinging ways to die. Pick your poison, you'll be stung to your seats. Don't miss Five Deadly Venoms, a Shaw Brothers presentation. Theirs was a mission of certain death. Outnumbered and unarmed, they must get to the tyrant that enslaves their people. No weapon, no matter how lethal, can match their Kung Fu. Alexander Fusheng stars as the young martial arts expert pitted against a murderous warlord with a deadly Kung Fu skill. They live to fight and fight to live in a whirlwind of Kung Fu action. Four men sworn to battle to the death against these lawless legions of the damned. The Four Assassins.
destiny await the ultimate challenge. Death and destruction were the Manchu order. They murdered their way to victory. Nothing could stop them until they met the five masters of death. Five new men of destiny. Five new deadly ministers of kung fu justice. Five new kung fu killing techniques. The whipping triple jointed stick, an avenging reaper of justice. The piercing pole, driving its way to victory. The deadly tiger stork, no one escapes. The crushing crossed fists, pounding up revenge on Manchu murderers. See the five kung fu masters of death defeat the Manchu warlords. See the five masters of death. When you're the best, you do things with style. J.J. McQuaid is the best. He's a lone wolf lawman in the Lone Star State. Even a wolf has his weaknesses. And a powerful enemy. The final showdown belongs to McQuaid. Lone Wolf McQuaid, starring Chuck Norris, David Carradine, Barbara Carrera, and Leon Isaac Kennedy. Or forgive them, because they killed his wife, they raped his daughter. And they deserve to die. So he's doing it again. His way. Charles Bronson. He's the best there is at getting even. Goodbye. Death Wish 2. Rated R. Now playing at the Sacramento Drive-In, Dome 24, Birdcage Walk, and the State in Woodland. Friday the 13th, Part 3 in Super 3D. The all-new process that puts you in the picture. Whether you want to be there or not it will scare you count on it friday the 13th part three in super 3d rated r now playing in sacramento check newspapers for theaters and showtime this is the movie that rex reed called the most horrifying motion picture i have ever seen this film is positively ruthless in its attempt to drive you right out of your mind. Sally, I hear something. Stop! Stop! The Texas Chainsaw Massacre. From New Line Cinema. Rated R. There are killers on the loose, dressed like cops, and they always use a magnet. There's only one cop around who can crack this case. They call him Dirty Harry. In 24 hours, Harry stops a robbery, covers a stakeout, and prevents a hijacking. Clint Eastwood is back, and this time his world is dirtier than ever. Magnum Force, rated R.
opening Christmas Day at selected theaters around the country. theaters.
知道你还是会喜欢我的。Pleasure doing business with you. I 本来想推荐你上去，但你上头唔批准。点解？呢、這个人你应该好熟嘅。我听日要走，后日去台湾嗰单嘢，咪带埋阿成咯，俾个机会啲后生仔啊嘛。
。一朝做贼，想做好人不容易。我已经冇咗个细佬，我唔想连你呢个朋友都冇埋。阿杰，唔再叫我做阿杰，叫阿 Sir。而家大把世界，有好多旧客要靠豪哥你拉翻嚟噶。我哥系产值唔系我啊！呢度已经唔系我同你嘅世界。你一喐手，即刻转翻转头。Chuck Norris returns in Missing in Action 2: The Beginning. American MIAs imprisoned and tortured. He's a soldier they couldn't hold. None of you have ever escaped, and none of you will. We're going in. He's breaking out, leading his men, and fighting back. An American hero story continues. Chuck Norris, Missing in Action 2: The Beginning. Opens Friday, March 1st, at a theater near you. Charles Bronson, Death Wish 3. First, they took the streets, then they took it all. But their next target may be their last victim. Charles Bronson, where there is no justice, there can only be vengeance. Charles Bronson, Death Wish 3. Now playing. Consult your listings. Fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty, twenty-one, twenty-two, twenty-three. The day you count on for terror is not over. Friday, the thirteenth, part two, rated R. Starts Friday at the Sacramento Drive-In. Forty. One of the ten best films of the year, a high octane mixture of outlandishly stylized camp and outrageously sensational shootouts. A 
Outrageously exhilarating. Guaranteed to tingle the most jaded moviegoer's palate. A film concocted with nitroglycerin. The combined energy of the Road Warrior, Robocop, and the Terminator. Killer is great cinema. The Killer, a thriller comedy that will leave you breathless. a movie that will leave you breathless. Christian Slater, Patricia Arquette, Dennis Hopper, Val Kilmer, Gary Oldman, Brad Pitt, Christopher Walken, in a Tony Scott film that critics are calling a Bonnie and Clyde for the 90s. True Romance, rated R, starts Friday, September 10th at a theater near you. Follow my instructions and we all walk away clean. Domino, you're with me on the side. Shepard, you cover the rear. What do you want me to do? All we want is the money. This is an inside job. Ten million in cash. Let's go home right now. I've seen you two. We're celebrity hostages. dogs before pulp fiction the original men in black shook the world of action cinema in the original a better tomorrow Proudly presents the explosive bullet-ridden sequel, A Better Tomorrow 2. Hong Kong action mavericks John Woo and Troy Hark take the heroic bloodshed genre to the next level and beyond in a violent symphony of destruction that is often imitated but never better. Chow Yun Fat, Leslie Chung, and T Long. A better tomorrow, too.
He practiced the lizard style. Chameleon. The lizard is a very agile and nimble style. That equals a man to climb like a lizard. David Rockefeller's money couldn't save him. Despite all of the hard work he did for safety. But he's behind the latest accusations. If you disagree, then you must be a Russian agent. That's a bunch of gobbledygook. Peddling that has got to be spooked. There's not an angle I couldn't possibly juice. And if it's coming out of my mouth, it's gotta be truth. Let's keep it all cerebral. If I run for mayor, I won't be mayor. I leave it to the people. Consider this a shot across the bow. The sheeple are awakened. We gon' shake them up now. Make them well aware you are extreme liars. You create smoke, then you're like the screen fire. Like we can't see who lit it. It shows like a Saturday Night Live skit. Okay, I get it. None of these federal projectors ever want to speak, even though I come and visit them like once a week, not a single thing I say is tongue in cheek, the NYPD just sprung a leak, not one of these pedal protectors they want to speak, even though I come and visit them like once a week, not a single thing I say is tongue in cheek, the NYPD just sprung a leak, bastard, you did it again, you a real hard bastard, when will it end? Say bastard, you did it again. You a real hard bastard. Now tell me when will it end? Alright, welcome to the show. I am the hard bastard, and before we get into the absolute shit show that took place with ass willis first of all when nathan wade testified it was a goddamn nightmare for ass willis it was already a nightmare it was already absolutely bombshell disqualifying information then she completely loses composure and makes the decision to get up there and testify and has a total meltdown and makes it even worse than it was before. Uh, but anyway, before we get into that, I'm going to start off with some polling. Donald Trump leads Biden in Michigan, North Carolina in two-way race and with a deeper field. Former President Trump leads the pedophile-in-chief Joe Biden in Michigan and North Carolina in hypothetical head-to-head matchups and in a deeper field. According to a pair of Fox News polls published Thursday, the Michigan poll conducted under the direction of Beacon Research and Shaw and Company Research found that 47% of registered voters back Trump in a hypothetical head-to-head with Biden, who garners 45% of the response. The two-point lead for Trump falls within the polls, plus or minus a margin of error of 3%. This marks an 11-point swing toward Trump compared to a July 2020 Fox News Beacon Research and Shaw Company poll that had Biden ahead of him at 49 to 40. 1% of respondents would back someone else, 3% would not vote, and 4% are undecided in the latest poll. When the fields expanded to include RFK and Green Party candidate Jill Stein and independent Cornell West, Trump's lead over Biden and the rest of the pack expands to five points. Of the respondents, 42% would back Trump, 37 Biden. Kennedy comes in third with 11%. 
and then uh, Stein at three and West at two. In a hypothetical two-way race between Biden and big teeth Nikki Haley, Trump's last opponent of relevance in the race, really, uh, I, I don't think she's relevant, but, you know, anyway. Um, Haley leads 43 to 42%. 3% would back someone else, 5% would not vote, and 7% are unsure. So the problem with that poll is with the Nikki Haley part is there's no way for them to put Nikki Haley in unless they do some sort of ridiculous gay op at the convention, which would piss off the majority, if not all of the Trump voters who would then either write Trump in or uh, regardless would not vote for Nikki Haley. I don't see how a Republican can win in that scenario. So it's not really the, the, the instance in which even if I'm taking that part at face value, the instance in which Haley ekes out a win over Biden would have to be an organic win over Donald Trump, which is simply not possible at this juncture. So anyway, it's fascinating to watch. Um, so yeah, there we go. Bottom line is Trump's doing well in the polls. Biden is not doing well. People thought that there was going to be a, a possible uh, spoiler with RFK, but it doesn't look like that's uh, turning out to be the case, at least when it comes to Trump. All right, so um, we have uh, uh, some basketball Americans uh, doing uh, what they do, at least some of them, a disproportionate amount of them, not all of them, but some of them. They are, you know, they like to shoot. Um, fortunately, uh, they shoot like stormtroopers. Um, not that they never hit anyone, but they do. They they, they shoot like stormtroopers or like uh, people uh, in an episode of the A Team. They're not great shots. Uh, more people could have died, but we had a KC shooting. Um, no nexus to terrorism. It appeared to be a dispute between several people. Oh, people! Several people. The shooting at the Kansas City Chiefs Super Bowl parade on Wednesday that killed one person and injured more than 20 others appeared to stem from a personal dispute and had no connection to terrorism. Gunfire erupted near Union Station downtown during the parade, causing mass panic as people ran and ducked for cover. KC Police Chief Stacy Graves said at a news conference on Thursdays that initial findings have shown there was no nexus to terrorism or homegrown violent extremism. Uh, this appeared to be a dispute between several people that ended in gunfire. Graves added that authorities learned overnight that there were 23 victims of Wednesday's shooting. The police chief also confirms 43-year-old Lisa Lopez Galvin died from gunshot wounds. We're still learning about her, but she was beloved by many, Graves said. At least half of the shooting victims were under 16 years old, with the youngest being eight. As mentioned yesterday, we have subjects detained, two of which are juveniles, teens, if you will, we are working to determine the involvement of others. The victims include nine children who were treated for gunshot wounds at Children's Mercy Hospital and all are, all are expected to recover. Again, the one positive here is that they shoot like stormtroopers. So uh, fortunately, this could have been, if, if, if these people could shoot, this would have been a massacre. So uh, anyway, but it is what it is. And uh, now it will disappear from the headlines. It got coverage. They did get an initial, um, they did get an initial anti-Second Amendment narrative out of it. The uh, I'll call them the Rwanda radio class. 
which is the conglomerate of political people, sports people. Rich Eisen, who I used to like Rich Eisen. He is a, supposed to be a sports guy. Uh, now he's completely filled with AIDS. But he was, uh, you know, he hosted the NFL Network, was, was an ESPN guy, a legend, really. Comes out and starts to uh, blame law-abiding gun owners for the violence. So uh, that's sick. That's, uh, it's not only sick, it's completely illogical. It doesn't make any sense that people who will not shoot innocent people have to give their guns up because a bunch of niggers went hog wild. See, that's just un unreasonable. That's unreasonable, in my opinion. It's just unreasonable. Anyway, it is what it is. What are you going to do? But, uh, yeah, it's, um, it's a hell of a thing. All right, let's get into... <laughs> this is like... This... You know, I, I, I shouldn't say it. You know, I'm wrong when I say this couldn't go any worse. No, it can. It can, though. That's the thing. It can. It's just it's, it's just so surprising. I, why am I surprised? I don't know why I'm surprised. I mean, part of this, I'm not surprised. When you have seven IQ retards, uh, you know, it's one thing when you're doing a gay op, okay? When you have seven IQ retards in charge of your gay op, you, you got big problems. And that's what's going on in Fulton County. They got absolute retards in charge of their gay op against Donald Trump. And it is absolutely falling apart. Um, now, what I, I and, and this has happened before. It doesn't happen often. But sometimes you can catch the corporate media uh, right before the talking points go out. Once the talking points go out, they're all in unison. Now, this was, understand, this was before Fannie Willis took the stand. This was when Nathan Way took the stand. And so what happens is, once in a while, there will be a news event that they're covering live and something unexpected will happen. And that's when you get a quick organic opinion by some of the news people. Uh, and that's what happened here. Um, an MSNBC analyst, after Nathan Way testified, said, game over, the case against Trump is dead. This was an MSNBC analyst. Now, of course, once they had time to, and this was in the later shows, once they had time to regroup and get the talking points, now they're back on narrative. Uh, two hours later, during the Ass Willis testimony, they were completely like, oh, this is fine. Oh, no, the reason that she took campaign money and kept it, and the reason she had stacks of cash in her house was just because she's black and black people don't trust the banks. They really made this argument. It was like, it was like a stunning and brave thing. By the way, I see black people at the bank all the time, all the time, no matter where I go, okay? Black people are in the bank. They have bank accounts. They go, so this idea that black people don't trust banks. But now, first of all, I want to be clear. You shouldn't trust the bank, okay? But that, that does not make it a thing. Look, there's stereotypes, okay? But first, black people not trust in the bank. Black people go to the bank all the time. So anyway, it is a good idea not to trust the bank. But... What they're doing is they're trying to make a virtue out of the fact that this pig is so corrupt that she admits on the stand that, yeah, I, t I took some campaign money and kept it. Holy shit. Like I said, the Nathan, what we have mostly here is the Nathan Wade thing because she just testified. And so I'm setting the stream up. I'm watching Viva Fry. I like Viva Fry. He's earnest. Anyway, at least, you know, that's my impression of him. But anyway... 
and and I'm watching the Nathan Wade thing, and I'm like, man, this is good. And I'm, and and the, and the articles, because that was a few hours ago. So the articles come out, and I'm like, okay, here we go. This is what a bad day for Ask Willis. And then she takes the stand, and I remember, and I'm like, wait, she's taking the stand? It's it's like a hundred times worse. She is so stupid. She has no emotional control. It she's ratchet. It is how do you possibly defend this? They will. They already are. But I don't see how. I think now it looks like they're and and they're 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 already and there's going to be um, info about this shortly. It looks like now things are going so badly with all these cases. They're going to go back to Alvin Bragg. Uh, okay. <laughs> anyway, an MSNBC analyst, before they were able to get the talking points out, because it had just happened, said it was game over for Fannie, excuse me, ass Willis. The case against Trump is dead. Yeah, the case against Trump. What if I don't see how and, and I, I'm watching legal people that I think are credible. But from my understanding, what would probably happen is this the venue would get changed. So all they got to do is change it to a place where the prosecutor is going to do the right thing and say, this is obvious bullshit, and we're dropping all the charges. And man, wouldn't that be glorious? Can you imagine if they were able to do that, how glorious that would be? The tears and the gnashing of the teeth. Oh my God, that'd be great. But one thing at a time. MSNBC legal analyst Caroline Polsey, she's probably going to get fired declared on Thursday that Fulton County District Attorney S. Willis' case against Donald Trump is effectively dead in the water. Pulsey tied her assessment to a bombshell revelation that came out Thursday morning, namely that S. was romantically involved with her hand-selected special prosecutor, Nathan Wade, much earlier than she admitted to in court. So this fat pig, this corrupt fat pig, lied to the court. Lied to the court. Oh, defend that bald fuck face. I can't wait. He will. He will. She says, don't let the legalese fool you. This is epic. This is monumental. And again, I want to be clear. This was before she testified. It, it, it was this bad. If things are going in the direction we think, ask Willis lied to the court. It's game over for her. She will be disqualified. Now, I will tell you, I'll believe all that when I see it. Do I think it's possible she gets disqualified? I think there's a good chance she gets disqualified. But make no mistake, if the powers that be on the Democrat side dis decide to protect her, they will protect her and nothing will happen. Okay? Because they, they will pr protect anything and everything if it's time. Now, if it's not time, this fat pig goes right to slaughter. Okay? She's going right under the bus. But if it if it's... If for some reason they decide to protect her, oh, they're going to be like, oh, well, she's, she didn't do anything wrong. Who doesn't have stacks of cash in their house? If they had a relationship prior to when they presented truth to the court, it's a huge deal I can't overstate. Um, Palsy laid out a similar, if more succinct, feelings on Twitter, saying Fannie Willis' case is over. She lied to the court. Case closed. Now, now, just wait until... Um, the, the talking points go out. If the talking points change, she's probably going to be forced to retract her analysis uh, or be fired. Um, and you can see they're closing ranks right now. They're getting ready for the election. As an example, CBS. Now, I, I, I was kind of Catherine Herridge neutral. You know this woman, Catherine Herridge? She's kind of a smash. She's like a, an older woman, but a pretty good journalist. 
But I was kind of neutral because I'm like, I don't trust anybody that works at CBS. But she's not bad. She's not bad. It's you know she is. She's like Jonathan Turley. Jonathan Turley is kind of this neutral guy, kind of. He's kind of a blue-pilled normie, but he's not completely corrupt. He's not a corrupt... He hasn't thrown his entire um, um, industry uh, and expertise under the bus. He will give his honest opinion, and even if it displeases the regime, and then he'll do that. And and he, he somehow is able to maintain his quote-unquote integrity uh, to the degree that you, you know, like, I don't even know if that's the right way to put it, but like he hasn't sold out, but he's also kind of a blue pilled normie and, and he is, um, he's considered an expert. Like he's more of an expert than any of the fucking homosexuals that they put in front of us. Uh, I think Turley is decent. Uh, usually if there's an article about something Turley said, I read it cause I'm interested now, you know, there's other people like this too. Uh, like, Oh, I hate to say it, but Dershowitz now Dershowitz, I think is an absolute pedophile. That's a big problem. Okay. He should be buried under a jail. Um, he is good on constitution shit. So when he gives legal analysis, especially related to Trump cases, I read it because it's very informative, but he does need to go to jail. Fuck that guy. I don't believe for a second that he just had his underwear on. Okay, first of all, what kind of what kind of answer is that? First of all, the answer should be I was never on that island, okay? But his answer was I was on Epstein's island and I got massages from the girls that were trafficked, but I kept my underwear on. What are you crazy? Also, if you go back, I'm not going to go on a whole thing now. He's always written about uh, you know, wanting to lower the age of consent. The obvious pedophile. Obvious pedophile. Uh, but whatever. Now, Turley is not a pedophile, as far as I'm aware. Turley is a uh, lawyer. I mean, of course, would I put anything past any of these people? Absolutely not. But there's no allegations that I'm aware of that Turley is anything like that. Um, but also, like, he says normie shit sometimes. He, he still thinks, I still think he believes that, like, the institutions are somewhat credible. Uh, I don't share that belief at all. The institutions need to be completely dismantled. They have no credibility. They are corrupt. They are counterproductive at this point. But anyway, so um, she said, this other analyst says, Willis will be disqualified, which means her entire office is disqualified, which means the case will have to be reassigned and languish with the PAC of Georgia effectively killing the case. Her credibility is completely shut. Oh, so look, all right, so let's look at the game board here. Let's look at the gay op game board. You got this case, which is probably done. You got Eileen Cannon in Florida, who seems like the one decent judge. And what makes her a decent judge? She's just not constantly sucking the regime's dick. She actually rules some, I mean, I don't want to get too carried away because she might disappoint ultimately. She seems to rule fairly when Jack Smith tries to do bullshit. She's like, you can't do that. Um, and it looks like she is not allowing Jack Smith to rush anything because they want to rush things before the election. So it looks like Georgia is probably out. Florida looks like it's out. So now you got two cases left. You got uh, Fat Albert uh, in New York and you got Chutkin. Now Chutkin is interesting because now that's up to the Supreme Court and their timeline for ruling on Trump's immunity. Um, Jack Smith, there's an article about it. Jack Smith's trying to rush the Supreme Court, and ultimately, I don't know what the Supreme Court's going to do. Um, now, this is a scenario, even if they get a conviction before the election, I, I'm of the opinion that that's not going to matter because that's, it's already baked in. 
It's already baked in. You either view these indictments as legitimate or not. By this point, the idea that people that view it as illegitimate are going to vote for Joe Biden if Trump's convicted, I don't see, I don't see how that happens. But anyway, uh, it's not looking great for them to get a conviction before the election. Not impossible by any means, but it's not looking great. Um, according to the testimony of a former Fulton County DA employee who had been friends with S since they were in college, the romantic relationship between S and Wade began in 2019. That testimony directly contradicts the sworn statements from both S and Wade. Uh, who have claimed that any romantic relationship between them did not begin until 2022. If S gave a false statement to the court, simply being disqualified from the Trump case may be the least of her worries. Knowingly giving false statements to a court is punishable by a $1,000 fine and up to five years in jail. I, I'd be stunned if they put her in jail. I'd be happy if she belongs in prison, but come on. Um... So, yeah, the witness testified, uh, Ashley Merchant testified that uh, Ass was lying and that their uh, relationship began in uh, 2019. Um, and then you got Nathan Wade's testimony just makes Ass Willis look worse. And again, this was before Ass took the stand and had probably the biggest melt. It's, it's one of the, <sighs> trying to think, at least as far as recent history, one of the worst possible testimonies. I, Look, I'll leave it up to the Ricadas of the world who cover live hearings. Uh, you know, if they have someone that they think uh, melted down worse than her, maybe that bitch that snorted coke on the stand. Uh, on the stand, remember that actor bitch, the actress that uh, was like uh, abusing Johnny Depp, and um, and uh, she lost in court, which is stunning because she's a woman, an attractive woman losing in court. <laughs> I can't believe it. Anyway, but that did happen, and um, and Johnny Depp was uh, was vindicated, and uh, yeah, she like did a bump. That's what they call it when you snort coke. It's a bump. She did a bump right on the stand. It's clearly that what the, in my opinion, that's exactly what was going on there. That's some balls. You just you you snort coke right on the stand. That's a hell of a thing. But anyway, she didn't do herself any favors. She had a pretty bad performance. Um, there was the um, oh, what was the one? There was a really good one. What case was that? I remember we ran clips of it. It was hilarious. Oh, oh, f I, I'll have to... There was one... Oh, no, it was. It was the Depp trial. It was an expert. Remember that expert they brought on that looked like a completely bizarre person and he kept making these faces and Johnny Depp started laughing? That guy. Now, he wasn't like, you know, it was he was just an expert they brought in. That shit, well, I got to find that clip. That is, that's one of the funniest things because Johnny Depp is, you can see him when the camera goes to his lawyer and he's trying to keep his composure while this absolute lunatic that they called in as an expert is talking and he's making these faces that are insane and Johnny Depp just starts laughing because it's ridiculous, completely ridiculous. Anyway, all right, we're getting off track here. So you got Nathan Wade comes in and uh, the first bombshell came from a Fulton County DA employee who said that uh, ass is lying and they started their relationship in uh, 2019. 
Um, but then once Wei took the stand, it became clear his testimony was going to do little, if anything, to salvage Willis's reputation before the court. When asked whether he recalled paying for a cabin in Tennessee where he and Willis were alleged to have stayed, he said, I book lots of cabins. <laughs> I, I totally, I totally missed that. I totally missed that. That's hilarious. That's like Kramer. I have many associates. I book a lot. Yeah, you book lots of cabins. First of all, I mean, I, well, and that's not true. I've been to a cabin many times. But that, but what is a cabin, though? You know, like like a wood structure? Anyway, my grandfather had a cabin in the Poconos. He built that shit. That's crazy. That's what they did back in the day. They would, like, build. He, he just built it. And it was, uh, you know, it was it was like rough, but good. It was it was good. Anyway, whatever. I was fan. I, I, we don't have it anymore, but uh, I wish I did. Wade then explains that he and S traveled to Tennessee from Atlanta just to have lunch out of fear she might be recognized. Wade also claimed that S paid her own way when they traveled, but he can only show receipts receipts showing that he paid with his business credit card when she reimbursed him. It was often done in cash. During another exchange, Wade, who had previously claimed he did not engage in sexual relations outside his recent marriage, admitted to sleeping with S. If Thursday's hearing does not go Willis's way, this is, oh, I mean, this is hilarious. And I can't blame him. I, I did not expect what transpired after this. I was like, all right, well, that's what a, you know, I, I thought that was it. I was like, this is a horrible day for S. Willis. And then she took the stand. My God in heaven. My God in heaven. Um... But so, so they wrote this uh, before she took the stand. So if Thursday's hearing does not go Willis's way and she's disqualified from prosecuting the Trump case, Pelosi explained the repercussions that could have, uh, that could happen. She'll be disqualified, which means her entire, entire office is disqualified, which we went over. Um, so... This was, again, right after Wade. So Wade testifies. I have some of the footage in the video segment. So Wade testifies. They're covering this shit live on MSNBC. That was probably a big mistake. But, but who watches? I mean, really, who watches MSNBC? They get barely, at peaks, they get, what, 1.5 million people for their bigger shows. Morning Joe gets less than a million. It's over. It's over for, for, for the corporate media. But anyway, um, so this is one of the few times in the corporate media where you'll get an honest opinion because they're covering it live and especially when something unexpected happens. Like I would argue it was unexpected for uh, Wade to come off like such a moron. He did not do well at all. He just came off really poorly um, and, and, you know, doubly so for Ass Willis, who came off even worse, even worse. Now, what will happen is these people, you know, like Bill Maher, these are uh, teleprompter readers. These are puppets, and puppets don't really have their own opinions. And so sometimes if something unexpected happens, they go out there and they give their actual honest opinion. So before the talking points went out, because you could see how the talking points went out by the time they went to the... Um, the, uh, the, the woman that looks like the guy from the Goonies, the Hey You Guys guy, Sloth. I forget her name. I think I have her here. Uh, one second. So, um, no, not Katie Turr. This one. This one here. Chris Jansing. By the time they got to Chris Jansing's, or was it 
Jangsings or Tersho? Oh, it might have been Tersho. She's got some big teeth. She she fixed her teeth though. She shaved them down. That's uh, or I don't think that's what they officially call it. That's what I call it. It's a shave down. Anyway, she finally. Uh, but whatever, do what you want. I hate these people. But anyway, um, uh, shave down on her show. Um, they had I forget who it was, <laughs> lauding ass Willis for having all this cash in her house. So, understand, the, first of all, she testified that she kept some of her campaign money. She pulled a Chank Uger. But, you know, Chank Uger's never admitted that publicly. It was internet researchers that were going through and looking at the uh, FEC reports and figuring it out, right? She on the stand was like, yeah, like when I ran my campaign, you know, I kept some of that money. And so she says she kept some of the money. She's always paying people in cash. Um, and... Um, and anyway, on MSNBC, the talking points went out to protect, at least for now, protect her and say, ah, oh, well, that's normal. Black people don't trust banks. <laughs> now, by the way, I don't trust banks, but I still have a bank account. You know what I mean? Like, uh, and that doesn't, like, I didn't steal campaign money. So it really doesn't matter what my opinion of a bank is. Um, but, the, but, but again, using this, like, oh, they, 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 don't, they don't trust banks. They don't, they don't, uh, they, they can't get ID. <laughs> it's so funny. It's so funny coming from the non-racists. Um, but anyway, so you got a rare moment where Chuck Rosenberg comes out and he's asked and he says, Fannie Willis should consider removing herself. It's getting ugly. And again, this was before she testified. Legal analyst Chuck Rosenberg said on MSNBC special coverage of the Georgia hearing on Fulton County District Attorney asked Willis's eligibility in the election interference case against former President Donald Trump that it was not going well for the state and Willis should consider removing herself. He said there's, a, a, there's conflicting testimony. A woman named Robin Yurdy testified early this morning that she had been close friends with ass and that she knew saw and observed that miss ass and mr wade had a romantic relationship she described seeing sort of the things you might see when two people are dating you know affection contrast that with mr wade what he just said on the stand by the way you know it's hilarious see i i i feel like especially with these people a lot of the observations i make are obvious Right. Like and I say it all the time. These are the most predictable people on Earth. It's true. They are the most predictable people on Earth. And I love when some of the shit that I say, I can tell other people notice, not because I'm saying it, just because they're what all, all you got to do is watch them. All you got to do is watch. So this guy, I forget his name. I don't even know a lot about him. He's on Twitter. What the hell was his name? Not Greg Price. I forget the guy's name. He comes out. This guy, like I said, I don't I know very little about him. He, there's no way he's ever seen the show. He comes out and he starts speculating that Wade, that was like a male prostitute almost. Because, first of all, when you look at Wade's ex-wife and you look at S. Willis, S. Willis never had a window where she was attractive at all. People, there's pictures of her when she was in her early 20s, in her, in her prime, utterly unfuckable. Unfuckable. And I'm saying that, okay? Because she didn't have giant tits. Maybe if you put gigantic tits on her, maybe... I don't think so. I don't think so. Just just disgusting. Okay. Well, what's funny is, so he comes out with this tweet speculating that this was a scenario where, you know, he was banging her uh, and she was giving him money, which does seem to be what's, what happened. Well, what's funny is she testified in court that apparently he told her for like a year that his dick doesn't work. 
So, so that I just add that I just add that to the uh, pile of evidence that this was like a prostitution arrangement. Um, that uh, you know, no man in his right mind would bang her uh, um, willingly. So she had to pay him, and and she did pay him. But apparently, the money wasn't enough. So when it was time to do his part, what he's being paid for, he was like, "Oh, my dick doesn't work." <laughs> it's fucking hilarious. It's fucking. Hilarious. These are horrible, corrupt people. Scorn and ridicule and insults are the least that you could do to them. That's the least that they deserve. They deserve way more than that. But for now, this is what we have. And it's pretty funny. So anyway, Rosenberg says, there's conflicting testimony. A woman testified that they were dating. Uh, this is not going well for the state. It could turn out okay. It might turn out worse. But I think a district attorney, a U.S. attorney, you know, a prosecuting official has a special obligation to the case. In fact, you know, I had grabbed some language from a 1935 Supreme Court case. I wanted to read a sentence. The prosecutor is the representative, not of an ordinary party to a controversy, but of a sovereignty whose obligation is to govern impartially, and that the obligation is a compelling and its obligation to govern as all, and whose interest, therefore, is not that it shall win a case, but that justice shall be done. Prosecutors have a higher obligation. It's not personal. It's not egotistical. It's not about you. It's about the office and the pursuit of justice. To your point, it might be appropriate for Miss... Wow, that was a, uh, that was a, did you hear that? It sounded like someone screaming. It was, uh, it's the uh, knob on the fucking uh, faucet. Holy shit. That was, uh, that was startling. Anyway, what are you going to do? Someone's got to use their water. It, it is what it is. Upstairs, Negar turned the water on, I guess very forcefully, and it sounded like a woman screaming. Maybe it was a woman screaming. Who knows? Anyway, it's not personal, it's not egotistical, it's not about you, it's about the office and the pursuit of justice. To your point, it might be appropriate for uh, Miss S. to consider removing herself from the case now and turn the reins over to a senior official in the district attorney's office and have him or her handle it. Now, this is, see, now, I will tell you, this is, this is a sly strategy because my understanding, if she did that, then the venue wouldn't necessarily change. I think he's trying to save the venue. Um, I, I hope they move it. It would be so incredible if they moved it to a place where the prosecutor was like a normal person and was like, this is ridiculous. Um, he says, it's getting ugly. It's getting messy. And my guess, it's not going to get better. No, no, no. And again, this was before she testified before. By the way, someone as corrupt as her, I'm speculating, but someone as corrupt as her, because they were like, oh, she goes after gangs. Now, my, my guess is she goes after the gangs that don't pay. Um, but I bet you there are some gangs that do pay and that they don't get prosecuted. That would be my guess. But, you know, who knows? All right, let's talk about uh, deranged Jack Smith. He is desperate, making an urgent plea to the Supreme Court to let Donald Trump's election interference case proceed before the election. On Wednesday, special counsel crackhead deranged Jack Smith called on the Supreme Court to let Donald Trump's 2020 election interference case proceed to trial without further delay. Smith's request comes in a response to a move by the former president and his lawyers attempting to put the, ca attempting to put the case on pause while the court decides whether it should hear arguments for his claim that he has presidential immunity. In the 40-page filing, Smith argued that the public interest in a 
prompt trial is at its zenith, where, as here, a former president is charged with conspiring to subvert the electoral process so that he could remain in office. Prosecutors said the crimes levied against Trump strike at the heart of our democracy and that the case was of unique national importance. The national, oh, that, this, that reminds me, uh, fat pig ass Willis uh, was talking shit to one of the lawyers and she said that the lawyer was against democracy for doing this. <laughs> it's fucking hilarious. Um, the AP reported Trump's immunity defense was rejected by a lower court. And Smith urged the Supreme Court to abide by the ruling and refused to entertain the former president's claim. Noting that finding Trump immune from prosecution would be precedent-setting, Smith said. It is the precedent, you fucking retard. Um, the former president had argued that if future commanders-in-chief are in constant fear of being criminally charged for their actions out of office, it may hinder their ability to govern properly. properly. That's not only... Okay, so that's... 100% correct. That is why there is presidential immunity. It's You know what the presidential immunity thing is? It's the legal version of natural immunity. Remember, natural immunity is an obvious empirical thing that exists. But it was contrary to the narrative. So what happens? These people come out and pretend it didn't exist. They're like, oh, natural immunity is not a thing. You need the vaccine. That's insane. It's the same thing here. It's the exact same tactic. Uh, pretending something that exists, that's important, doesn't exist. That's what it is. And it's going to be fascinating to see what the Supreme Court does here. Because if they don't take the case, then they're basically allowing, in this instance, a very important thing to be done away with, which could have major ramifications, or they take the case, and then how they would rule, I don't know. But it's really, it's fascinating. Absolutely fascinating. Okay. Uh, these motherfuckers want to keep spying. Speaker Johnson pulls surveillance bill after House Intel lawmakers fold. Mike Johnson announced Wednesday the House will no longer consider a government surveillance bill after the House Intelligence Committee was smoked by pro-reform lawmakers. Rod Shaw, the deputy communications chief for Johnson, announced in order to allow Congress more time to reach consensus on how best to reform FISA and Section 702 while maintaining the integrity of our critical national security programs, the House will consider the reform and reauthorization bill at a later date. So I, I, it seems like they're trying to protect and help the pro-spy uh, wing of the party because they got their asses handed to them. There's upstairs Negar again. But, you know, he's... He, He's probably soaking his giant cock in the bathtub. I imagine that's, you know, I don't really know a lot about that, but that's based on what he has said before. That seems to be what probably is going on. There you go. <clears throat> now, some of you might say, well, that's probably the whores in the trunk. That's, that, I can neither confirm nor deny that. I have no comment. House Majority Whip Tom Emmer's office announced in a press release that lawmakers would no longer vote on H.R. 7320, the Reforming Intelligence and Securing America Act this week. The announcement followed as the House Rules Committee held a hearing on the legislation to reform Section 702 of FISA. That allows the intelligence agencies to collect communications, basically to spy on innocent Americans. They love doing it. They love doing it. So uh, we'll see. Uh, Massey came out. He said, is unbelievable, just as we're winning the debate on requiring warrants for domestic spying in the FISA 702 reauthorization, the Speaker yanked the bill and canceled the rest of Congress this week. Yes, yeah, so 
Uh, it looks like Mike Johnson is no good. Um, good for Massey pointing that out. Um, look, the bottom line is whether or not they reauthorize this, they're spying on us anyway. They do le- illegal spying no matter what. Like, they don't fucking care because no one holds them accountable. So this is almost like a distraction, whether or not this is reauthorized. They're still spying. They don't fucking give a shit. Anyway. Um, prosecutors reportedly met with the Biden administration before three Trump indictments. Oh, no evidence at all that Joe Biden's responsible, other than this giant stack of evidence, a bukkake of evidence, if you will. Uh, three separate prosecutors reportedly met with White House aides before indicting Donald Trump, Joe Biden's political opponent. The reported meeting suggested a coordinated attack against Biden's 2024 rival. If coordination occurred, it lends credence to Trump's belief that the indictments are election interference. The timing of the indictments are peculiar. After Trump announced a re-election bid against Biden, four indictments hit Trump in four separate jurisdictions, each following revelations about Biden family business. By the way, it's roundup season. It's it's uh, arresting season. We're in the roundup phase. Um, so the censorship phase was first, that phase is over, there's still going to be censorship, but the effectiveness uh, of the censorship has waned, it's not working. Now they're in the roundup phase, and so they're also, of course, they're rounding up Trump supporters, uh, people who are anti-abortion for very minor uh, uh, things like praying at abortion clinics. There's a long list of people in the thousands, J6, whatever. Um, but now they're also arresting people who are involved with whistleblowing the corruption of the Biden family. So one of the people who was a whistleblower, uh, an FBI whistleblower, has been arrested by the Department of Justice. So yeah, this is what they're doing. So then they go over the different cases, the Stormy Daniels case, which is the weakest of all of them. They're all bad. That's the weakest one, and that looks like their best chance. A campaign finance violation. (laughs) Oh, it's amazing. So, yeah, this is interesting. Jonathan Turley came out and uh, was talking about Alvin Bragg, which looks like their, their best chance here. Fox News legal analyst and George Washington University law professor Jonathan Turley explained how Manhattan District Attorney Fat Albert Bragg is wading into uncharted territory. New York Judge Juan Merchant set Trump's Manhattan trial to begin March 25th. Trump was indicted by Bragg in April of 2023 for allegedly falsifying business records related to hush money payments to horse-faced Stormy Daniels. Turley first argued that Trump raised a valid point of whether the case is selective prosecution. He said, I think this is clearly selective prosecution by Bragg. I don't see how you view it any other way. The problem is, how do you make the case legally? Selective prosecution is when the defendant argues they should not be held liable for allegedly breaking the law because the justice system discriminated against them in choosing to prosecute. Turley then said, the case is ridiculous. He says, I think it's ridiculous. Bragg is trying too hard. They, there comes a point where you try too hard, and this is the point that what Bragg is doing is bootstrapping of an alleged federal crime and converting it into a state prosecution. That's a crime that the Department of Justice did not find grounds to prosecute, but Bragg, that didn't stop him. He's issuing, or he is using that claim of a federal election violation, referred to repeatedly as part of his effort to conceal 
Trump's effort to conceal. So it's a very odd type of prosecution, even though this provision has been used in past cases. I don't know of any case like this one that bootstraps a federal offense of that kind. Federal prosecutors with the Southern District of New York and the Department of Justice did not charge Trump with the aforementioned crimes after an investigation. Trump has argued the case is politically motivated, calling it a witch hunt and alleging that Bragg was handpicked by George Soros to prosecute him. Bragg's campaign received a million dollars from Soros through the Color of Change Pact, a left-wing political organizing aim to elect district attorneys who are lenient on crime. Nearly 22,000 electronic signatures have been collected to recall Bragg. Oh, that's not, I don't think any of that's happening. None of that's happening. Bragg also notoriously uh, lets out uh, criminals back on the street but if you pay a whore uh, with a horse face you're gonna, and you're Donald Trump, you're going to be charged. Or if you stop uh, 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 criminal migrants or criminal blacks from killing people uh, and you're white, then you're going to also go to jail. Uh, if you're black, you, you, there was one black guy, a goddamn hero, stopped a, a criminal uh, uh, or I think it was a homeless guy from attacking people, killed the guy. And um, they, let him, they let him go. They did arrest him, and then they dropped the charges, as they should have. But they should also drop the charges against Daniel Penny. He's a goddamn hero. Um, CIO, yeah. Th that's, so this is kind of like, this is the New York Post. This is like the New York Post catching up to the Internet. The Internet had this years ago, but it is interesting now that it's kind of, it's like almost okay to talk about... Um, CIA and foreign intelligence agencies illegally tar targeted 26 Trump associates before the 2016 Russia collusion claims. The U.S. intelligence community asked foreign spy agencies to surveil 26 associates of Donald Trump in the run-up to the 2016 election, which triggered the allegations that the former president's campaign had been colluding with Russia. Former CIA Director John Brennan identified and presented the targets to the U.S. intelligence sharing partners in the so-called Five Eyes Five Eyes agencies, the intelligence gathering organization in the U.S., United Kingdom, Canada, Australia, and New Zealand. The report, this is from Michael Schellenberger, and uh, Schellenberger's pretty good. I, I never knew who he was. All of a sudden, he just comes into the scene and does some Twitter files. He's pretty good. You know, what, what ultimately long-term that's going to mean, I have no idea. I don't trust anybody, but uh, he does good work for the most part. <clears throat> There's been allegations that he copies some people's works. I don't know if that's true, so we'll have to see what happens with that. But uh, anyway, I hope that's not true. The report by independent journalists Michael Schellenberger, Matt Taibbi, and Alex, Alex Gutentag has not been confirmed by the Post. Well, the Internet had this years ago, so that's confirmation. But anyway, they cite multiple unnamed sources, including ones close to the House Permanent Select Committee. Former CIA Director John Brennan identified the Trump campaign's targets for Five Eyes agencies to surveil. The intelligence community had identified 26 Trump associates as people to bump or make contact with or manipulate. Yeah, I mean, look, this, is, this has already been um, resolved, pretty much, I would argue. How many years ago, when you're talking about Joseph Misfood or whatever the fuck his name is, how long ago did the internet, did internet researchers have the whole thing about George Papadopoulos, how they basically, um, you know, because they lied. They said, oh, he was bragging about Russia. When in reality, um, I believe it was Miss, Joseph Misfood was basically given the... Um, the uh, 
the errand to run to um, get George Papadopoulos uh, in, in a scenario where you bring up the Russia whatever, and then when Papadopoulos is like, oh, that's interesting, they go, okay, we just had a conversation with George Papadopoulos about Russia doing things. So what was that, 2017 where the internet had that one? So that was, uh, I don't know, seven years ago? So, you know, it's good. Look, it's good. These people should be held accountable. So I'm for any reporting that verifies what the Internet already did. But, you know, this is this is not really new. And, and whoever, you know, there's people. And I, it's been so long, I don't even remember. I remember the people behind the uh, forensics with the DNC and Adam Carter, the forensicator, people like that. I don't remember who was the big Joseph Misfood uh, reporter or, or, or journalist or whoever, internet researcher, but credit to all of them, they had this shit years ago. In spy speak, bumping is when a reason is manufactured to meet with a target of interest in order to develop a relationship that could lead to intelligence. Oh, there's another, the Australian guy was not Misfood. Uh, who was the Australian, man, this is, this is, yeah, it was a long time ago. Uh, who was the, was it Downer, the Australian guy? I think they had, the Australian guy, his task was to meet with, uh, with Papadopoulos. I think he's the one that actually met with him. I just forget his name. Anyway, gay ops have been afoot for years. None of this is new. They were targets of our own IC and law enforcement, targets for collection and misinformation. British government communications headquarters intelligence apparatus, or GCHQ, was making contacts with Trump associates as early as March 2016. The four-year-long investigation into the FBI's probe of the Trump-Russia collusion found that the Bureau's investigation had no basis in evidence. Yeah, they manufactured the quote-unquote evidence. They were making contacts and bumping Trump people going back to March 2016. They were sending people around the UK, Australia, Italy, the Mossad in Italy. The MI6 was working at an intelligence school they had set up. Oh, yeah, and the girl. Remember the girl? <clears throat> Apparently the hot girl. What the hell was her name? I forget. The GCHQ spokesperson told the outlet that claims that it was asked to conduct wiretapping against the then-president-elect. Oh, they said it was nonsense. Intelligence related to the surveillance effort is housed in a 10-inch binder, according to the outlet, which Trump ordered to be disclassified at the end of his presidency and could contain evidence that multiple U.S. intelligence officials broke laws against spying and election interference. That is probably why they raided Mar-a-Lago. They, they were not able to get that binder. Um, people think Trump ha has it. I mean, here's the thing. There's no way that binder was the only uh, copy how would that be possible? But uh, apparently there's a binder. So we'll see. Um, but uh, none of that's surprising. The media, uh, light years behind the, uh, the internet. Um, okay, so we got the migrant crisis. It's completely insane. And you got residents in Denver who are at a breaking point. Liberal Denver. Residents of the Denver, Colorado suburb of Lakewood lashed out at the city council after it urged city staff to meet with the city of Denver staff to discuss possible, possible options for Lakewood to work with Denver on the migrant crisis. Nearly 40,000 migrants have arrived in Denver over the past year, making a city with a population of just over 710,000 the top destination per capita for newly arriving Zerg crossing the border. 
the cost of the migrant crisis in Denver is expected to be $180 million. On Monday night at the Lakewood City Council meeting, one attendee held a placard reading, not actively seeking sanctuary status while actively proposing to accept tax money to provide sanctuary to the unhoused is dishonest. We do not want to be Denver, said former councilwoman Mary Jensen. I live in Lakewood. When did we decide to give away our immigration laws? All oh, the liberals suddenly believe in immigration laws when they're knocking on your door. Really? Oh, baby. Hey, this is what you voted for, Mary. A male attendee says this transfer station, which is going to turn into a money pit and a magnet for every criminal that's coming across the border. Oh, sir, that's racist. That's xenophobic. How dare you? <clears throat> you might as well call them niggers. I mean, really, that is outrageous. And that's a very offensive word. You don't want to say that at all. You don't want to be, sir, my dear liberal, you don't want to be racist. Oh, <laughs> oh it's so funny. Liberals are hilarious. I wish they weren't so destructive, you know, because then it would be really just funny. That's all it would be is funny. Look at these dumb liberals. But that's it's more than that, unfortunately. He says, don't we have enough problems in Lakewood without importing them from Denver who are saying, yeah, Lakewood, you're stupid enough to take all of them. There are problems, you dummies. It's a money pit and you guys are responsible for our money. Don't screw it up. This is going to be a money pit. Can't you guys think five minutes ahead? Do us a big favor and just quit. Get your sorry butts up and leave. Man, he's had enough. Any city resource, time, or money focused on non-citizens necessarily steals from our infrastructure. Really? Oh, what is it? Is this an American Renaissance convention? What the hell's going on here? Look at all of these white supremacists. How dare you not want to give your resources to illegals? Oh, boy, man. Uh, uh, he says, uh, any city resource, time or money focused on non-citizens necessarily steals from our infrastructure, schools, security, and human services. And we are already doing our part as federal taxpayers. This was a female resident. Colorado Springs had already told Denver no migrants and you must do the same. Oh, I can't believe this is like a Hitler speech. The city's manager and the city staff should be focused on the immediate needs of Lakewood. Should residents who've lived here and paid taxes their entire lives have to worry if their car will still be in the driveway tomorrow morning when they get up to go to work? Oh, 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 oh this is, oh man. Nimbious liberals suddenly become red-pilled on immigration when the Zerg are right at the gates. Oh man, isn't that interesting? Should they worry about shoplifters who have no fear of shoplifting cartfuls of items out of stores while paying for their groceries? Focus on being good neighbors, fixing what ails Lakewood first. Oh, Lakewood first? How dare you? The last few years, we've seen our quiet Lakewood suburb turn into a place where there's drugs, prostitution, and crime all, all over, another white supremacist said. And we've seen increasing support for building faculties for the homeless. But if we do that, we're going to become the center for Colorado to send their homeless. I'd love to hear the actions that you're going to take to prevent a mass influx of migrants. Oh, I don't think, I think AIDS commies run your place and I think they're going to let them in. AIDS commies don't run all of these types of places. It depends. It really depends. Or it's not even AIDS. It, 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 it's not just normal people. It's like sometimes it's liberals 
who are like, fuck this shit. We're not doing this. So that so they're the, probably the worst kinds. They, they virtue signal about it. They don't care if your municipality gets fucked in the ass by migrants, but they don't let them in in theirs. And if you live in an area like that, you're at least not going to get the influx of migrants. You know. <clears throat> but if you got AIDS commies in there, they're going to let them in. Oh, boy. He said, he said, he said, um, you could punish heavy drug use that we're seeing openly done at Colfax on the light rail. You could take an active stance against human trafficking. What are all these seedy massage parlors doing everywhere? <laughs> yeah. I think, was this the one Biden won by 18? So, hey, look, 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 look. Um, if, and I'm not talking about AIDS commies, I'm talking about normal people. If you're a normal person and you were just deceived, say you're a liberal. Say you're one of these people. Let's say you're this guy right here, okay? You got your members-only jacket. It's not a members-only jacket. You got your uh, sweater, okay? If you're taking the position, hey, I they lied. This is obviously crazy. I oppose this. Okay, cool. Like, did you learn from the mistake? I learned from my mistakes. I used to be fucking retarded. I used to watch the Joy Reid show on Ironically. That was dumb. Okay. So the policies that I used to support, I do not support at all across the board, right? So my position now is illegals have to be deported. Now, if you're hopping aboard and you're going to be consistent, then we have no problem. But if you are fine to watch the world burn in other municipalities, you just don't want them there, you can go fuck yourself, and I hope they come to your house. So either, and again, I'm talking to normies, I'm not talking to AIDS commies, fuck AIDS commies, they also need to be deported or otherwise. But normal people who realize they've been lied to in any area, whether it's immigration or all this shit, whether it's the racial justice bullshit, if you realize you've been lied to, as long as you're earnest, and you're like, okay, this was a mistake, and you're not still somehow advocating for it, just not in your neighborhood, there's a difference there. So you just got to be honest. <clears throat> so, you know, whether, whether you're in Chicago and you realize that now you're on the list of replacement, isn't that, that's not something I thought I would expect to see. I didn't, but apparently they are not pleased with black people and their level of voting. So now they're bringing in a more docile, at least according to them, a more docile population. Well, we'll see. But anyway, it's also fascinating. Now, this, I mean, this is just total suicide. Denver considers allowing non-citizens to be cops and firefighters. Utter suicide. Utter suicide. Are you kidding me? First of all, if you're the cartel, which they're probably 10 steps ahead, they already got people... First of all, the cartels, from what I understand, they already got cops in places. Uh, uh, not everywhere, but certain they have cops in certain places already. Okay, This is just like, you don't even have to... Try, you know, I imagine uh, cartels trying to get cops in certain places. It's probably not the easiest thing to do, whether it be bribing or just getting a guy that's put there, you know, kind of like a plant of some sort. I'm sure that's not the easiest thing to do. This, though, this makes that a cakewalk. All you got to do is send your guy there and they'll make him a cop and that's it. That's all. That's it. That's all you got to do. They don't, you, you don't need any sort of background check. There's no, no what, how are you going to even do a background check? There's no papers. You're just going to be like, yeah, I'm a good guy. 
And that's it. And I'm like, all right, well, they, they, you barely speak English, but, or you don't speak English at all, but now you're ready to be a cop. Denver is considering allowing non-citizens to become police officers and firefighters, a move that would allow migrants to work authorization to work those public safety jobs. On Monday, City Council President Jamie Torres and Council Member Amanda Sandoval proposed getting rid of language in the city charter that bars the city from hiring non-citizens as police and firefighters. Abject insanity and suicide. The proposal could be formally introduced as a bill as soon as April, but changing the city's charter would also require a ballot initiative in November. Both the fire chief and police chief have submitted letters in favor of the idea. Oh, my God. AIDS commies have infested Denver at an unbelievable level. The Denver Sheriff's Department is already able to hire non-citizens thanks to a 2016 federal settlement that found the department discriminated against migrants who had work authorizations. Like several other major U.S. cities, Denver has received an influx of illegal migrants recently um, to pay for the migrant crisis. The city is slashing funding from every part of the budget, including police and health department and the animal shelter. Oh, my God. They cut nearly a million dollars from the elections department in election year. I'm sorry. Everyone involved in this that is in a position of power has to be arrested and put in prison. Like, this is, this is insane. They're sabotaging. And this is on the, the local level, but they're doing this federally, too. The Biden regime, same thing. They're destroying the country on purpose. You have enemies in positions of power. Enemies of the state, enemies of the country. They have to be put in jail. This is insane. This is completely insane. But this is where you are. Wow. Good luck, Denver. Holy shit. Holy shit. Cities at a, a breaking point in California, Colorado, and Maine over the Biden border crisis. With more than 40,000 migrants arriving since 2022, Denver is at a breaking point with the weight of the cost of delivering free housing, free medical care, free legal advice, free education for their children, and other things to migrants. Insane. Insane. In response, AIDS commie Democrat governor, or excuse me, Denver mayor, Denver mayor, AIDS commie Denver mayor, Mike Johnston, has come down to massive budget uh, cuts to city services, to legal residents to address the issue. Up till last month, Denver had put $42 million into caring for Joe Biden's flood of illegal aliens that have inundated the Mile High City. The cost may amount to more than $180 million this year. You know, look, it's possible that this is so crazy that it does red pill people when it comes to immigration. That could happen. That could happen. Because it, this is the kind of thing, it's like the natural reaction to something as insane as this is to oppose it. It's nuts. It's completely nuts. And most people, most normal people oppose it. So it's possible they could be helping the populist, if there's going to be a populist revolution, if such a thing could happen. This could help make that happen. They're just pissing everybody off. They're piss The only people they're not pissing off are the wine moms. The pro-abortion wine moms are pretty much uh, content. The wine moms want to be able to virtue signal and they want to be able to uh, kill as many babies as possible. And so that's like the one demographic of the Democrat voter that seems to be fine. But, it, but everyone else, they're deliberately pissing off. It's really a hell of a thing. 
Mayor Johnston, the commie, said that $9 million coming from the federal government to be dedicated to the migrant issue was not enough to solve the crisis. So to address the shortfall, Johnston says the city needs to pick up the difference. Also, here's another thing. You need um, consensus to pull off, not, not necessarily among everyone, but um, you need a certain amount of normies to be f- f- okay with deportation. Um, when if Trump gets in the office and he starts deporting, you're going to get probably the most hysterical media narrative of all time, pretending that it's Holocaust 2.0. If enough people have been red pilled about the migrant issue, even if they're not red pilled about other I- I- issues, you probably get the consensus you need to pull it off. If now this is the big if the goddamn Republicans can fucking one time allow the Democrats to screech and just ignore them. But uh, this might be a huge strategical miscalculation on, on the part of Democrats. Maybe. I don't know. Um, so then it talks about the plan of shared sacrifice. Oh, shared. You got to sacrifice for the illegals. So you got to sacrifice for a lot of people. You got to sacrifice for the illegals. You got to sacrifice for Joe Biden. You got to sacrifice for the cokehead homosexual running Ukraine. And you got to sacrifice for our parents. Oh, you know who's being naughty? Candace Owens. Now, I've said before, I'm not a Candace Owens fan. I do, when she says good things, I will acknowledge that. I do like that sometimes she says good things. But I think she should still do a sincere apology about uh, social autopsy. That was no good. That was no good. And I don't really think she did that. But anyway, whatever. I'm one person. But the other day, she started talking about how our parents ran some Super Bowl commercials. And uh, she didn't like that. She said that, uh, you know, the message from the Super Bowl and, and any, any sort of sporting event or entertainment, and this is true. She says, you know, there's always political messages now. From here on in, you're not allowed to enjoy yourself. You're going to be given a political message, which is get to work. Get to work for our parents. Get to work for Joe Biden. Get to work for Zelensky because they need your tax dollars. And I was like, that's pretty good. That's a pretty good. That was a pretty good uh, segment uh, that she ran. We'll see what happens with the Daily Wire. But uh, yeah, that's pretty naughty calling out our parents, Candace. <clears throat> but uh, I mean, it was, what she said was true. So, you know, what are you going to do? I know what they're going to do. They're going to shoot the messenger and take their bank account. Anyway, moving on here, perhaps absurdly, the Democrat mayor tried to blame Republicans and Donald Trump for the illegal alien issue and claimed that Trump uh, scotched? What? Trump scotched AA. This is what it says. Trump scotched AA bipartisan Senate deal. Is that... Is, how do you, is this scotched earth? Is that what this is? Is Breitbart doing their own version of scotched earth? I guess so. All right. Trump scotched A. I'm reading it exactly as it's written. Trump, Trump scotched AA bipartisan Senate deal, and he and Republicans worked to kill that bill. So this crisis would continue just because he thinks he has a better chance of re-election. Many citizens may not be buying Johnson's naked political attack on Republicans. Residents of nearby Lakewood are worried that their town will succumb to the overflow in Denver. Uh, and then it goes what we goes over what we just covered in Lakewood with the nimbiests unhappy with what's going on. Now, 
the Denver area is hardly alone. This budget-bursting destruction is not happening just in in scattered cities. Budgets are being busted across the country as liberal cities race to shift money from police, firemen, libraries, and every other city service to feeding the Zerg. From Los Angeles, Chicago, Boston, New York City, and up to Maine. Oh, even Maine, Maine? Not to mention in every corner of the Southwest, cities are being swamped and outspent by the millions of border crossers who have come here assuming that Joe Biden created a wide open border. Eric Adams suffered major backlash in November when he suggested that he intended to cut hundreds of millions of dollars from the yearly budget of New York City. And just this week, Maine State Senator Mark Palau warned voters the state has thrown a hefty $13 million to house just 85 families in hotels in Seiko in cooperation with Catholic Charities of Maine. That's the other thing that has to happen. All of these quote-unquote Catholic Christian charities have to be investigated because they're not... This is not... I'm sorry. If you're... If you are partaking in the globalist agenda, there's no fucking way on this earth that you're actually Christian. Get the fuck out of here. One of the key things that has to be resolved, in my opinion, is is the Christians, and they can do what they want, obviously. This is an outside observer, but you got to get rid of the AIDS in your religion. All of these people pretending to be Christians and bringing in, bringing in illegals, they have to be prosecuted. Now, look, if you want to be nice and, and say to these people, hey, look, stop it. If you want to give them a stop it, fine. Okay? Say, hey, stop it. This is over. If you keep doing this, we're going to prosecute you. And then the second they do it again, you arrest them, that's fine. If you want to give them one chance, fine. Now, if the person who gets in decides not to give them one chance, th- that's also fine, too. But, you know, I don't know if that's something you want. But... This is this is crazy because now they're doing it under the guise of oh Christianity, yeah, insane, insane. Senator Polyette noted in a press conference on Tuesday that he and several other members of the state legislature visited the ho- hotel, and uh, it was only uh, eighty-five families for fourteen minutes. Well, this is a grift. A lot of these organizations take the money. That's what uh, the O'Keefe undercover video showed. That was, I think, last week. He has another one, too. Uh, I'll have to check it out this week. He says, that doesn't seem right. Yeah, it's a grift. Um, so then another Republican came out. It's really striking to me that folks in rural Maine are being told to do more with less. Meanwhile, Taj Mahals are being built for other folks in more urban places that aren't even Maine residents, aren't even Maine citizens. Republican House Minority Leader Billy Bob Falkingham, that's a great name, that sounds like a name right out of Red Dead Redemption, Billy Bob Falkingham, <clears throat> that's hilarious, <clears throat> got to go on the Billy Bob Falkingham mission, going to get a cigarette card of Billy Bob Falkingham, that's a great name, noting that more illegals have flooded Maine in just a year than moved to Maine to become legal residents since the year 2000. Billy Bob Falkingham blasted Democrat Governor Janet Mills for putting migrants over Mainers and added, just to put that number in perspective, it's more people to move in than have moved since 2000 and Mainers are footing the bill. All right, good for based Falkingham. It's a fantastic name, Falkingham. Good on that guy. Um, now, I've said this before, and I really hope I'm wrong about this. This we haven't. This is just the beginning. Now, look, I understand that this has been going on for a while, but I am telling you, 
This is just the beginning as far as the chaos that's going to be caused by the migrants. This is just the beginning. We haven't, it's, it's still the calm before the storm. They're still moving the Zerg into position. They're still moving them in the position. So this is, I don't even, this is just the beginning. Look at this. This is insane. Joe Biden's DHS drafts a plan to mass release illegal aliens into the U.S. on top of everything so far. Do you understand? On top of madness, total insanity, an unprecedented crisis. They're like, hey, this fire's not big enough. Why don't we put a dumpster of fucking gasoline on it? Insane, insane. And there's such an easy solution. You just don't let them in. You got to go back. That's it. Even if... Look, you have a big problem in the country. You have, what, 30 million? I don't know what it is. It's, it's a big number. But right now, you could easily, if you wanted to, you could just say, no one else is allowed in. We're going to deport you no matter what. But they don't do that. They don't do that. It's crazy. Joe Biden's Department of Homeland Security <clears throat> is drafting plans that would include a mass release of illegal aliens currently in ICE custody into the United States. I hope I'm wrong. Every day, I'm looking around. I'm like, all right, I don't see migrants today. Good. I'm telling you. Uh, maybe it's my. Maybe at the end of the day, it'll be like, man, I was really paranoid. I. Uh, um, it must have been. You know, it looked worse than it was. And I. Uh, nothing, none of them came around here. I mean, how would it, how would they not? How would they not? I don't know. We'll see. According to the Washington Post. DHS is considered, actually, technically, I think they already did, and they were, they were escorted out. I told that story. I won't tell it again. Maybe I'll tell it uh, later. Um, I d actually, maybe that's the answer why they're not here, because they've been escorted out. I don't know. I, I, I don't want to bank on that, uh, but uh, it's possible. According to the Washington Post, DHS is considering having ICE release thousands of illegals into, that are in the agency's custody into American cities and towns as the Biden regime claims they need billions from Congress to avoid carrying out the plan and an extortion scheme. Holy fucking shit. Holy shit. R.J. Hellman of the National Immigration Center for Enforcement suggested that Biden's DHS is not spending funds as they were allocated by Congress, noting that the agency was given more funding for detention space than they had even requested. Look, this is, they're probably going to tie in money to our parents and the cokehead homosexual uh, who runs Ukraine. And so if we don't give them uh, uh, what they want, they're going to hurt us even more. That's what they do. That's how they do it. We're going to hurt you. We're going to destroy your life if you don't give us what we want. And then the secret is they're going to do it anyway. They're going to try to destroy you anyway. Hellman said Congress gave the Biden regime more money than they requested for the detention of illegal aliens. So what ICE is spending money on that created this? Uh, what are they spending the money on? First look sh should be at pilot programs that provide social services to illegals and improper management of detention. Also keep in mind the Trump administration was able to significantly exceed the appropriated amount of uh, detention beds and the Biden regime is only a tad over after refusing to fill the appropriated bed amount month after month after or already Biden's DHS has drastically cut the number of illegals 
in ICE custody who are arrested throughout the U.S. interior, often in various pending criminal charges and convictions. For example, fewer than 11,000 illegals in ICE custody today who were arrested by ICE agents within the U.S. interior. Compare that, that detainee population to May 2019 when there were almost 20,000 illegals in ICE custody after being arrested by ICE agents. In total, more than 3 in 10 illegals in ICE custody, including those arrested by CBP, are being arrested near the southern border, having either pending criminal charges against them or convictions. The drafted Biden plan would make almost certain that illegal aliens with such convictions and pending criminal charges are released into the U.S. So this is not just, look, every illegal is a criminal uh, by default because it's illegal to break into the country. We're talking about... Um, I guess, what, criminal, violent, like the double criminal illegals. So th they not only come in illegally, but they're committing crimes. They are being released into the uh, country. Amazing. Unbelievable. Well, there you go. Crazy, utterly crazy what's happening. Illegal migrant theft groups reportedly target a Pennsylvania town. Gangs of illegal migrants have reportedly targeted stores in West Whiteland Township, Pennsylvania to commit retail theft. At least three groups of illegal immigrants have allegedly stolen thousands of dollars of merchandise from businesses in the Pennsylvania town within the past month. They're taking advantage of, the coming, of coming to the U.S. and committing these crimes and being able to disappear to some degree. Two men from Venezuela identified as Albert Torbala allegedly stole $2,000 worth of products from the Ulta in Exton on February 1st after crossing into the U.S. illegally. Pesic explained the town has seen a surge in South American theft groups over the last month. West Whiteland police reportedly said that the national increase of migrants illegally entering the country has impacted their town despite its location 2,000 miles away from the southern border. One Peruvian national was arrested and deported after stealing $17,000 worth of merchandise from a Kohl's in June 20. How do you steal $17,000 worth of shit at Kohl's? What? How is that possible? Even if you stole from the jewelry section, 17 grand. I could see if you went to the King of Prussia Mall and you stole from, uh, what's the fancy boy store over there? What the fuck's the name? Neiman Marcus. I remember that back in the day. Neiman Marcus. You could probably... That's like two shirts at Neiman Marcus. But Kohl's? 17th... How the fuck did you pull that off? That's insane. That's fucking insane. What am I... Am I missing something? Even the appliance section. What do you... TVs are like $200 now. You could, you could probably steal a pallet of 65-inch TVs and you're not going to get the $17,000. Unbelievable. Uh, the cop says, recently I was contacted by a federal agency just alerting me he was back in the country. Oh, maybe it was over a period of time. Still, what are you going there every day? How could you steal? Like, oh, my God. These people are crazy. Illegal immigrant groups have been associated with other crimes, such as burglaries in the area, according to the outlet. Federal agencies are reportedly assisting police in tracking down su suspects. Yeah, and then they're going to release them back in the country. Not good. You know, like I say, I'm constantly monitoring the uh, the police blotter, looking for an uptick in theft and things like that. And uh, so far, so good. So far, so good. But, uh, you know, it's probably inevitable at this point. But we'll see. 
Oh, yeah, this is what I was talking about. James O'Keefe infiltrates secretive illegal immigrant camp. Journalist claims he was held at gunpoint. Undercover journalist James O'Keefe infiltrated a secretive illegal immigrant camp in the Arizona desert operated by a Unitarian church with one journalist allegedly being held at gunpoint by workers at the nonprofit organization. The camp called uh, some bullshit in Spanish and located in the desert of uh, Aravaca, Arizona, about 30 miles north of the border, is operated by the Unitarian Universalist Church of Tucson, a tax-exempt nonprofit organization. The video shows James O'Keefe and another undercover journalist with OMG entering the camp posing as land surveyors, but they were quickly told to leave by workers who stated the area was private property and confirmed that the uh, place was was operating on the premises. Meanwhile, a journalist posing as a donor called the Unitarian Universalist Church of Tucson, discovering <clears throat> that the AIDS commie group operates as a ministry of the church and has an annual budget of $400,000 and five employees. Um, it's called No More Deaths. It appears to use its relationship to the Unitarian Universalist Church of Tucson to evade filing IRS documents. Um... O'Keefe sent an illegal immigrant working undercover named Caesar to infiltrate the camp where he was greeted by a worker. This is our encampment for humanitarian aid to rest to get medical treatment and food, one woman who works for the group told Caesar. Sometimes the patrols pass by. The leader said, this is a safe place for you, but we always have threats here. One woman wearing a mask who works for the organization told Caesar, you also don't need the mask. I only put it on when the military shows up or when those white people show up so they won't take my picture. Did those guys hurt you? Another worker asked the undercover journalist, referencing O'Keefe and another undercover journalist who posed as surveyors. Those guys you met are white supremacists who are impersonating workers. He charged before a female worker explained that right now there are people watching us and we're a little paranoid. So weird they got here on our front door. We don't know them, a worker identified. As Elisa said, we have heard and seen people are scouting us. But the situation took a turn when two allegedly armed men from Mexico, uh, one from Sonora, a hotbed of cartel activity and major human smuggling, arrived at the camp and began speaking with the undercover journalist. The man from Sonora says, why don't you ask Border Patrol for asylum? Um, the man from Sonora asked, also inquiring where exactly he crossed the border. The woman working for the group then went on to tell the undercover journalist, when you got here, we were worried you were another one of their tricks. The man from Sonora similarly expressed skepticism, asking the undercover journalist about his watch. You got a camera in there? Um, he asked before adding, you can talk on the phone on there? But the man from Sonora, who refused to give the undercover journalist his name, explained that he had a friend who he would take who would take him to Phoenix for $300 a proposition that O'Keefe called an odd request for a humanitarian group affiliated with a 501c3 I'm sure the cartels are involved in all this shit I, come on but when Caesar was attempting to leave and get picked up by members of the OMG team he ended up stranded on a dirt road and was forced to re-enter the camp at nightfall Caesar claims he was held in the camp at gunpoint with O'Keefe being forced to go to the camp and demand that he be released and picked up in a vehicle. When he, got back into the car, when he got back into the car, Caesar almost passed out. They were pointing guns at him. Yeah, this is probably uh, cartels uh, involved as well. 
All right, moving on to other things. Uh, another piece of evidence that the bomb, the pipe bomb in Washington, D.C., was an FBI gay op. Bomb-sniffing dog was at the DNC on January 6th, raising further questions. Newly un under uncovered video shows that a bomb-sniffing dog was at the Democrat National Committee on the morning of January 6th without detecting a pipe bomb that was sitting only a few feet away. The security footage adds to the major questions about the supposed pipe bombs that were planted on the eve of January 6th. The Capitol Police have said the findings of the bombs diverted resources at a critical time, thus allowing the January 6th demonstration to get out of hand. So, uh, again, clearly was uh, a gay op. We went over before. A re revolver uh, had some under uh, newly released footage that uh, showed that the people who saw the bomb did not react to it, didn't tell them to move Kamala Harris. They didn't tell her. It was clearly a gay op. And uh, so add this one to the list. But no, everything's fine. It, it, it was the worst day since Pearl Harbor. All right, let's talk about this based Florida man. Based Florida man arrested for allegedly doing a burnout on a homosexual crosswalk. This is in Florida. I would hope that normal people can step in and make sure that this base gentleman is not in any way charged because all he was doing was driving on the road. A man in Delray Beach, Florida has been arrested after allegedly vandalizing a faggot crosswalk by intentionally driving his truck through the intersection and doing burnouts, which left skid marks on the homosexual asphalt. Dylan Brewer, 19, turned himself in on February 12th and was charged with felony criminal mischief. In a press release, city officials revealed the incident took place on the evening of Sunday, February 4th at the Faggot intersection. Footage captured by a traffic camera shows a large black truck with a flag attached to the back revving its engines as it turned left, skidding around the corner and leaving a uh, streak of burned rubber on the faggot flag. During the ensuing investigation, multiple witnesses provided the Delray Beach Police Department with cell phone videos that corroborated the claim that Brewer had committed the act with intent. Upon surrendering to law enforcement, Brewer did not provide a statement and was taken to jail. Officials lamented the reckless action, saying it caused significant damage to the streetscape painting. Good, good. Fuck your painting. Which serves as a symbol of unity and inclusivity for faggots everywhere. Oh, yes. Yes. So it's very inclusive that you're arresting someone over this. I've said before, I've had enough of these tricks. This is a trick where the AIDS commies put uh, uh, something on the road. They paint some bullshit on the road, some propaganda on the road, and then when you drive on the road, they arrest you. So fuck this. Uh, uh, none of this should be tolerated <clears throat> in society, in my opinion. Now, I know that that's probably not the easiest thing to get done, and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I've just I've said it before. I've had enough. I've had enough of this. Um, if you try to get your fellow citizens arrested, if you try to oppress your fellow citizens with your ideology, you should be fully marginalized from society for that. That's my position. That's all. Simple as that. Um, as the South Florida Sun Sentinel reports, the Palm Beach County Human Rights Council has called on law enforcement to deem the actions a hate crime. Holy shit. 
one of the faggots said, I think a big problem is with our judiciary who doesn't understand hate crimes or hate crimes. No, hate crimes are bullshit. They're made up. The ADL put them in there. That's another group that needs to be imprisoned. Um, there needs to be consequences so people know if they commit crimes like this, they're going to jail and they're going to be fine. They're going to have to suffer from what they did. Hopefully you suffer for what you do. Again, legally, humanely, and politically. But your terms are acceptable. You want to cause suffering? No problem. So do I. So your terms are acceptable. Um, but again, I, I want to be clear. What I'm calling for is legal, humane, and political. Unbelievable. So uh, sick, sick, uh, uh, ridiculous, ridiculous uh, homosexuals. It's just unacceptable. Unacceptable. All right, John Nolte from Breitbart. Uh, desperate San Francisco residents embrace conservative ideas. Really? San Francisco residents appear to have finally have had enough of what they voted for and are now open to embracing some conservative ideas. San Francisco Chamber of Commerce annual City Bee poll was conducted, surveyed 500 likely voters. The margin of error is 4.4%. But these numbers are so overwhelmingly one-sided, the margin of error is meaningless. After years and years of one of the most left-wing cities in America getting exactly what it voted for in the form of violent crime, filthy streets, drugs everywhere, and a vacant downtown caused by all three, along with insanely high taxes, these dummies appear to have woken up, according to this poll. After just a few short years of living with the reality of their stupid ideas, the people of San Francisco are now hardcore Reaganites, demanding tax breaks for corporations, drug tests for welfare recipients, and some gosh darn law and order. Here are the highlights. 69% say crime has gotten worse. Only 61% feel safe visiting downtown during the day. Only 34% feel safe visiting downtown at night. 84% want financial incentives offered to small businesses. 81% want some uh, want the same incentives for big businesses. 71% want tax incentives offered to fill business vacancies. 61% want an increased police presence via drones and surveillance. 61% support drug screening, screening for welfare recipients. I guess we all are magatards now, are we? It's the last number that blows my mind. Never could I imagine a city as far left as San Francisco demanding drug testing for welfare recipients. But that's a big part of the city's problem. The government is funding junkies to remain junkies. Why leave a city where your habit is subsidized by taxpayers, where you can open a tent on the streets, where you can brazenly shoplift $900 worth of stuff every day and never see the inside of a jail cell? Does that mean San Francisco will save itself? No, never. These blue cities are doomed. It will take a Republican to make the results of that poll come true, and no Republican will ever win an election in the city by the bay. The residents are too uh, uh, demented, prideful, and stupid. I also think they rig their elections. See, this is where I disagree with sentiments like this. Certainly, are some of these people who continue to vote for the insanity deserving of what they get? Absolutely. But there's other people that live there that are not voting for this. And when they're rigging their elections, I don't accept the argument, well, you get what you vote for. Well, the, yeah, but they didn't. For example, California didn't get what they vote for when the um, recall of Newsom failed because that was obviously rigged. That was obviously rigged. Newsom is so unpopular in California. So that was clearly rigged. So I don't accept the argument that you get what you voted for there because they didn't. Uh, they tried to get out of it and they rigged it and there you go. So anyway, whatever. It's, it's, it's a minor issue. Um, 
And to the fate of San Francisco, Chicago, Los Angeles, Baltimore, Oakland, and the rest, all I can say is who cares? I live here. So I don't give a damn about any of these cities. Urban America is not my problem. Urban voters. Are, and now that I will agree with. It, it, it's no one's pro Like everyone's got to deal with their shit. And if you don't like where you live, you got to move. Uh, I'm doing that. Other people are doing that. It's not always easy. It's not, sometimes it's not possible, but it is what it is. Now, certainly if you're stuck where you are and you're trying to figure out a way to make it better, that's good. And I wish you the best in that. Um, and he says, urban voters are getting what they voted for. Not in all cases. And if they want to burn it all down, burn it all down. Living filth uh, does not affect me. And none of this is anyone's fault but the voters. It's a shame, uh, sure, but life's too short to stress over what I can't control. Well, I agree. You shouldn't stress over it. It's not your problem. I do agree with that. Uh, but I don't think it's what some of them vote for. Some of them are trying to get out of it. Uh, with that said, that's their own issue. Like, no one is owed... Like John Nulty, not giving a fuck, is completely fine. There's no problem there. All right. So you might be saying, you, you might be of the opinion that I am that it, it, there's just too much goddamn homosexuality in entertainment and video games. It's so, and, 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 I'm, and I was a person who didn't care. I didn't give a shit if people were gay. I still don't give a shit if you're gay. But just, it's not, like, who, no one, like, who fucking cares whether or not you're gay? Bringing it up as, it's, as, as if it's something that matters is retarded. So now you have this weaponized homosexuality, this political LGBT shit that infests everything. Well, guess what? The faggots running glad, they're not happy. They want even more AIDS. Oh, God. Could you even, how could you have more AIDS? It's nonstop AIDS. Everyone is a homosexual. In the media and in entertainment, everybody's goddamn gay. Holy shit. Glad calls on gaming industry to hire more LGBT workers and add more gay characters. Holy shit. Glad has released the first ever report on faggot inclusion in video games, which claims 17% of active gamers are LGBT. The organization is now calling on the gaming industry to increase games with faggots and hire more faggots in positions of authority, among other things. The GLAD report, done in partnership with Nielsen Games, found that 17% of gamers are LGBT, and 72% of the LGBT gamers say that seeing characters with the same identity and sexual orientation makes them feel better about themselves. First of all, fuck you. Okay, secondly, I have never one time needed to see myself in a fucking video game. Ever. Not what? What? This is such a made-up concept. What kind of a weak pussy are you? You need to see yourself in the game? What the fuck would I be in a game for? I'm not interested in that. I want to see cool games. I don't... Why would I be in the game? It doesn't even make sense. I'm not interested in that. What fucking video game, realistically, would I be in? What, a game where you sit in your apartment and do things and you, you like, stream a show and then go in the refrigerator, pull out some chicken, put it in the air? That's not interesting. No one's interested in doing that. You don't have to see yourself in a game. That's total bullshit. Not once growing up where I was, I was like, oh, I really need to see myself represented in a game. This is fucking bullshit. You're not special. Okay? Your sexuality, your race, none of that shit makes you special. You're not a special person. No one owes you anything. So people can make entertainment about whatever the fuck they want, and they should be able to make it about what they want. And stuff, you're just infesting everything. Oh my God, it's incredible. It's incredible. 
And then if you put a gay guy in a game, like, for example, when Grand Theft Auto had the Ballad of Gay Tony, which was a very good uh, uh, part of GTA 4, oh, that, that's not the right kind of gay. You need a political gay who's always telling you what to do and, and trying to get you to, to, to suck his cock, whether it's literally or figuratively. You better obey him. You better, you know, what was that article we were reading a couple of weeks ago? This long list of things they said you have to do to homosexuals to please them. I'm not doing any of that. The fuck, this, it's like a cult. It is a cult. The report, which surveyed almost 1,500 active PC and console gamers in the U.S., also said the number jumped to 78% for LGBT gamers. The survey added that LGBT gamers are 11% more likely to use gaming as a means for escaping situations that they find difficult in the real world. That's what everyone does, okay? You're not special. You're not special. Oh, my God. And they said they're more likely to depend on gaming to get through hard time. Yeah, welcome to the fucking club, retards. You're not special. Additionally, 66% of gamer, LGBT gamers said that gaming lets them express themselves in ways they don't feel comfortable in everyday life. Uh, so what? Why, do you, why would you want to express yourself in a real-life way in a fucking video game? That's no fun. You want to be your boring-ass homosexual self in a video game? That's not interesting. That's not interesting at all. Nintendo Switch's eShop is being called out for having the lowest percentage of games with LGBT characters and storylines. Yeah, Nintendo seems to be the best one out of all of them. I don't really fuck with many Nintendo games. Um, I, I, I used to back in the day, you know, Super Nintendo, that was pretty good. I think that's the only Nintendo console I ever owned. Super Nintendo, yeah, I think so. Then I went to PlayStation and that was it. Um... And I think, th my understanding, believe it or not, I've never liked Tomb Raider. I played it once. It, there wasn't enough action in it for me. I, I need, like, Duke Nukem, like, straight. Like, I, I just didn't, I was like, yeah, this is, you know, whatever. So I, I, I was never a Tomb Raider person. But I understand it's a very popular game. Apparently, they did a successful remaster of it. And I think it was done through Nintendo. I guess it's on the Switch. And apparently, it's like... The people that like the game really like it. So they somehow prevented the AIDS from infesting their remake, which is nice. That's good for those people. It's unusual. It's unusual that they just kind of didn't put the AIDS in it. Now, the new game, apparently, they are turning the, the character into like kind of like a tranny. Uh, you know, reduce the titty size, make the face masculine. Uh, or at least somewhat masculine. So they're probably going... And I think they've already done that. There was a previous Tomb Raider game that came out. And the, the character looked like a boy. So I imagine, you know, the AIDS... It, it's not going to be completely AIDS-free. But anyway, whatever. Meanwhile, Microsoft had 146 games uh, available on Xbox featuring LGBT. PlayStation had 90. Nintendo had 50. Steam had over 2,300 with the number dropping to 1,500 when adult-only sexual content was filtered out. Glad says four cases represent less than 2% of all available game libraries. Um, therefore, the organization is calling on the gaming industry to increase the percentage of games with LGBT content. Strive for representation that promotes inclusivity and acceptance. Take responsibility for making gaming communities more inclusive. Well, why, don't, why doesn't someone um, 
design a game called Faggot Time a la Akbar. And what it will be is you just throw faggots off of a roof. I think that'd be fun. Who can get the biggest score? Oh, look how far he threw that one. You get a special, uh, you get a special award or a medal, unlocking a medal. Oh, that would be phenomenal. Faggot toss, you can call the game. That'd be amazing. Um, there are several reasons for lack of LGBTQ representation in the game industry. Blah, 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 blah. Just a crock of shit. Anyway, totally ridiculous. This is weaponized homosexuality. And I understand there's gay people that hate this shit. I understand. I have no problem with those gay people. I don't care. I don't care. I care as much about what you're doing in the bedroom as you should care about what I'm doing in the bedroom, which is zero. It's everyone's personal business, but like using like this would be like if you came up with a flag for for heterosexuals that like fucking big titty whores from behind, you know, you'd make a flag for that and then you'd wear that flag around like that's so fucking insane. That'd be funny, though. Doggy style, big titty whore, titty hanging flag. Uh, wonder what that would look like. It'd probably be pretty good. Anyway. Michelangelo, was he an Italian? Is this about Italian? This is funny. <clears throat> Race alarmist. Michelangelo's creation of man is white supremacist. Good, good. Based WAP. Yeah, Rome. This is the Italians. All right. <laughs> Lunatic Robin D'Angelo, the woke white author of White Fragility, has called Michelangelo's painting of the creation of man in the Sistine Chapel an icon of white supremacy. Oh, I never really even gave a fuck about this, but now, now, now I, I, yeah, great. Great. What a great painting. Okay. There you go. That's, uh, I've seen it in memes. That's crazy. Some motherfucker painted that shit on the, uh, on the ceiling of a fucking church. That's crazy. It's crazy. D'Angelo recently spoke with Jalon Johnson on his Not Your Ordinary Parts podcast in which she slammed Michelangelo's portrayal of God creating Adam as white supremacist. The single image I use to capture the concept of white supremacy is Michelangelo's Sistine's Chapel, God creating man, you know, where God is in a cloud and there's all these angels and he's reaching out and he's touching. I don't know who that is, David or something. <laughs> you don't know who that is? If it's depicting the creation of man, that would be Adam, you fucking dumb eggless whore. And God is white and David's white and the angels are white. That is the perfect convergence of white supremacist patriarchy, right? Well, the white supremacist patriarchy is awesome, and it has delivered wonderful things to the world. I don't know what your problem is, dumb whore. I was raised Catholic, so I saw many images like that as a child. So I'm sitting in church, I'm looking up, and I see these images. I don't think to myself, God is white, but in a lot of ways, that's power. I don't need to. God reflects me. Well, other people in other countries view Jesus or whoever as a different color. Who cares? According to D'Angelo's website, her area of research is whiteness studies and critical discourse analysis, tracing how whiteness is reproduced in everyday narratives. Good, that's good. Whiteness is awesome. In his introduction to D'Angelo, Jalon Johnson stated that she coined the expression white fragility to signify any defensive response by a white person with their, when their whiteness is highlighted or mentioned or their racial worldview is challenged whether the response is conscience or otherwise. So that's a tactic. That's an obvious tactic. That's a laughable tactic. If you even flinch, they're like, see, told you. I mean, it's so stupid. 
D'Angelo beamed in response, saying, You captured that really nicely. Writing for the New York Post Wednesday, Ricky Schlott notes that D'Angelo was an obscure whiteness studies professor at the University of Washington in 2020 when her 2018 book, White Fragility, soared to the number one slot of the New York Times bestseller following George Floyd's overdose. Her message that all white people are inherently racist ignited a scourge of white liberal self-flagellation that enriched her greatly. Added that D'Angelo reportedly made more than $700,000 annually from speaking engagements and workshops in the year following George Floyd's overdose that they blamed on, uh, uh, what the hell is the cop's name? Uh, Chauvin. Not counting her book royalties, the optics of D'Angelo's rise to anti-racist superstardom were astounding. A liberal white woman wagging her finger at other liberal white people, monetizing their guilt and doing just about nothing to actually fight racism to improve the lives of black people in America. Wow, the New York Post or the New York Times? Oh, the Post. Yeah, the Post sometimes has decent stuff. I I mean, I don't like the New York Post, but sometimes there's halfway decent articles. This is one of the craziest meltdowns. I mean, this was... Look, many of you already know that Destiny is an insufferable faggot and a full-blown regime propagandist. This was completely insane. Like, this, this, this was... I, I, I just was blown away by this. So you got this guy, Phil Labonte... He's one of the Tim Pool people. I'm not a fan of the Tim Pool show. I used to be. I'm not anymore. Whatever. Watch what you want. I don't care. Anyway, he pointed out that Destiny uh, was rude, uh, and Destiny had a full-blown meltdown. Like, utter meltdown. It was nuts. All That Remains frontman Phil Labonte caused YouTube streamer Destiny to have a totally unjustified and hilarious hypocritical meltdown Wednesday on Twitter. You have to read it to believe it. Destiny, who's apparently famous... No, first of all, there's a difference between famous and, there's, and YouTube famous. YouTube famous is not famous. YouTube famous is like... I mean, unless... There's maybe... On one hand, you could count five people that you could argue are are maybe actually famous that are YouTubers. Mr. Beast, PewDiePie at one point. There's not a lot of them. Okay. Political commentators that are popular. I mean, you got to be kidding me. Tom Cruise is famous. Michael Jordan's famous. Donald Trump is famous. Destiny, not famous. That's hilarious. But he... When, the inflated view of himself was so over the top. I was, I was just like, holy shit. Uh, he told Twitter that he is essentially too famous for anyone, even people extremely more famous than him, and therefore no one should distract him while he's in his safe space. Specifically, Destiny's total mental breakdown came after Labonte claimed that Destiny's the only person that was a guest on TimCast that was not polite and friendly when I met him. Labonte is a a regular co-host on TimCast. He also has seven gold records and two platinum for his work in All That Remains. He has literally written songs that people use as the first dance at their weddings, even for uh, tattoos. But Destiny said, have I ever even met you before? I've been friendly with literally. This is all, by the way, this is all Labonte said. All Labonte said was, and he was responding to uh, 
I think, uh, Adam from the uh, Sitchin Adam Regime Propaganda Show. Um, I'll let that load up. But anyway, let's see. I guess it's deleted now. I guess, did, uh, did Adam delete his tweet? Okay, anyway. Um, all Labonte said was, Destiny is the only person that was a guest on TimCast that was not polite and friendly when I met him. So then he said, LMAO, what? Have I ever met you before? I've been friendly with literally every single person I've met on that show. I've shot hoops with people who are on the show. So I even did a spontaneous show with another guy. Okay, now, that's fine. You know, that's no problem. But then he writes... So then Labonte says, yeah, I wouldn't expect you to remember. You weren't overtly rude or anything. You, you were on the couch in the green room. I came up, smiled, introduced myself, put my hand out to shake your hand. You looked up, up from your phone. You said, oh, hi, and shook my hand a little dismissively. Okay, so that, that's what Phil wrote. This is the screed, the utter screed that homosexual destiny wrote. This, this is like this is so insane. This was such a cell phone. It's just so enjoyable. He says this response actually pisses me off a million times more than if I were just randomly rude to you. Holy shit! This is the mo uh, oh, so he even knew he was being a diva. L you, if you want to see, the, I don't know if I've ever come across a person with a deranged level of self-importance like this. This is hilarious, bro. This guy's a fucking political YouTuber. That's all he is. That's all he is. This is what he says. For some industry lingo, for anything that involves talent with fans, etc., green rooms are usually places where talent can rest or chill in order to get ready for an event free from being encumbered by random interruptions or relax after doing a show. In my industry, it's mostly to insulate you from fans who want pictures or from random people who want to chat or solicit something from you. If talent is in a green room and they're on their phone, common courtesy would not be to walk up to the person and start a conversation. Yeah, how dare you walk up to Destiny and start a conversation? This motherfucker is acting like Barbara Streisand. Holy shit, if you weren't even on the show or working with the production crew for that episode, you shouldn't even really be in there at all. Yeah, you better run, Tim Pool better run his uh, room the way Destiny says. People are in green rooms to insulate themselves from people like you. <laughs> you are an, listen to this, you, by the way, this is real. You are an actual talent terrorist. A talent terrorist. Every single performer's nightmare. That some fucking rando would approach you in a green room. Ex ex expect you to put on a fucking show for them and chat them up. And then have the audacity to complain afterwards if they weren't happy with the interaction. I hope as many people as possible start walking up to Destiny and saying hi just to irritate them. If someone complained to me that they approached talent in a green room and tried to introduce themselves and the talent completely blew them off, I'd probably tell them, hey dude, they're literally in that room so they can focus on the upcoming show or relaxing after a show they were just on. You are approaching them in the worst way possible. You, here, here's another one. You are literally 
attention raping them. <laughs> oh, st if you say hi to Destiny, you're attention raping him and you're a terrorist. If I was on my phone, I could have been managing social media, retweeting links for the show as per the host's request or linking so my fans could find me, scheduling next day events via email, scheduling same day travel to catch a flight, researching or reading something for the upcoming show, or literally a million other things could be occupying my time. The fact that you are complaining publicly about approaching me in a green room as a fucking fan... <laughs> And still, and I still shook your hand and said hello to you. Is actually fucking insane to me. If you want pictures, find me outside of a green room after a show. Otherwise, seriously, fuck off. Again, this is a YouTuber. A, I mean, he's 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 got a large platform, but he's not remotely in the top five. He's not even close. I don't know if I've ever seen someone huff their own farts at this level. This this blows Tim Pool out of the water when it comes to fart huffing. This might be the biggest fart huffing I have ever seen someone do. What a lunatic. Anyway, hopefully people fuck with him and they, they, uh, they say hi to him. Because apparently you're going to cause him to have a melt. You're raping him if you say hi to him. Anyway, so there you go. Um, I... I it's weird. You know, I think my opinion of someone can't get worse, and they managed to just scrape more out of the bottom of the barrel. I had no respect for Destiny. He was a regime propagandist faggot who let other men fuck his wife, and then and then boasted about how that was a great arrangement, and then she left him. Hilarious. It's, he got exactly what he deserves. I hope he lays awake at night. I really do. That's what he deserves. But, uh, yeah, if you wanted, uh, you wanted a little more, uh, there you go. What a fucking bitch. He's a bitch. All right. Moving on here. Um, you know, I think that the Zionist uh, slash Jews, however you want to refer to them, were a bit caught off guard that they started to get treatment that uh, white people and Trump supporters were getting from the left. And now we have a big, this is a problem for them. Connecticut City employee harasses a Jewish family over a pro-Israel yard sign and encouraged others to join. Now, you're only supposed to do that if it's a Trump supporter sign. But apparently, the lunatic leftists, they didn't get the message. And they're adding Jews to the list. Man, that's a hell of a thing right there. A New Haven, Connecticut City official with an anti-Semitic social media history chanted ethnic cleansing slogans with a megaphone outside a Jewish family's home. This is the Daily Wire, so obviously they, they're, they're going to have their spin and encourage others to return with her. Thabisa Rich, New Haven's community outreach coordinator for the Departments of Art, uh, Cultural and Tourism, set up outside the home of a local rabbi with a megaphone after spotting a stand with Israel yard sign causing a scene in a residential neighborhood. Rabbi Echlin Popko said he was alerted to the woman's demonstration by his concerned wife and went out to confront her. Quote, this Sunday, my wife informed me that someone was outside our house with a megaphone screaming pro-Palestinian chants. I went outside and confronted her for protesting outside a private Jewish house when a car stopped and a masked man joined her. Representative for New Haven Mayor Justin Ecker said Rich's comments only represent herself and they're actively collecting information and re re reviewing the matter. 
quote, white people have very different and strongly held views on the war between Israel and Hamas, the mayor believes. There's an appropriate time and place and manner to which, expressed, which to express them. Mayor Elliker believes Miss Rich exercised very poor judgment in regard and finds several of her personal social media posts to be concerning and offensive. Rich wiped her personal Facebook page where she posted the video of her activism. In videos posted of the incident, the city official, a city official can be heard repeatedly shouting, from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free, a chant often used by pro-Palestinian radicals that is seen as a call for ethnic cleansing of the Jewish and other non-Arab populations that live in Israel. She was eventually joined by her husband, Charlie Rich, who was wearing a mask, defended her actions, and pressed the Jewish resident to denounce Israel. Oh, baby. Wow. We were very shaken. Turns out they were both very prominent members of the community who come to harass us because of our stand with Israel sign. In addition to her role with the city, Rich is also a local prominent singer who performed with elementary school students last month. Her husband is seen in the video. We're trying to get people to speak up, said Charlie Rich. We're advocating for peace. And then the rabbi says, how, by harassing Jews? Harassing Jews is peace? What the heck is wrong with you? Papko accused Rich of engaging in Nazi behavior, to which Rich responded, well, you do have a sign that says you support Israel. Wow. Oh, you better watch out. You know what they do to Nazis. They have advocated that it is okay to punch Nazis. Oh, man. Who would have thought this would happen? This is not, this has been unexpected. Been unexpected. You're only supposed to treat white people like this. Tabisha Rich encouraged others to come back to the street with her during a live stream. You tell me when you want to come back and ask for a ceasefire and ask for this people to stop their hate because they think that they are white and privileged and they think that their religion is superior than the rest. Well, well, they are our parents. You're disobeying your parents. I need people to show up to this very same street. We need to find a time to come back and show up in numbers and say enough is enough. America is a country full of hate and racism. And people need to just be honest and understand what it is, she says. Uh, the rabbi called the mayor, and he said the reason he called is because there, there are many Jewish people in the neighborhood, and many were shaken and felt targeted. Um, adding his family recently moved to New Haven and had their first pro-Israel sign stolen last month. Oh, you're only supposed to steal Trump signs. Since Hamas's October 7th attack, Rich has frequently commented on the war, including... Uh, on February 3rd that she does not condemn Hamas. On November 20th, she voiced frustration with people who are not speaking up about the war, invoking anti-Semitic tropes about Jewish money and power. How dare you? She says, I promise I understand some of y'all have your pockets lined with bosses who are Jewish. During the Super Bowl, she said she was sick of these Jew-focused ads. How dare you? <clears throat> She says, we've been witnessing Jewish folks inflicting hate. Uh, it's not made up. In multiple posts to her Facebook, she expressed her disdain for America, despite living in the country as an immigrant from South Africa, including calling us America with three Ks. Uh, she commented on the situation with the rabbi as well, stating she was insulted and intimidated by the Jewish family. She wrote on social media, she's being harassed by a Jewish family when she was the one who showed up with a megaphone in front of my house. So that's from the rabbi. Rich did not respond to her request for comment. Wow. Holy shit. Look what's happening. That's a hell of a thing right there. 
That's a hell of a thing. All right, NBC obfuscates child pornography charges against a Oklahoma drag queen pedophile. An NBC News article buries the mention of child pornography charges against an Oklahoma school principal who moonlighted as a drag queen and resigned when the charges came to light. Last month, pedophile Shane Mornin, a 52-year-old who performs in drag as Chantel Mandalay, resigned as head principal at the John Glenn Elementary School in Oklahoma City. The Western Heights School Board voted Monday to accept his resignation in the months leading up to the resignation. A substack posted about his previous arrest on child pornography charges, putting a pressure on the school district to re-examine his hire. He was arrested. Oh, I remember this. Oh, so they they got him out. Interesting. He was arrested in 2001 after police found four images of children engaged in sex acts. Yeah, I remember we covered this story. The school backed him. Insane. However, the charges were dropped when a judge ruled that prosecutors had not proven that the people were underage. At the time, he was 30 and a fifth grade teacher at a different elementary school. Back in June, when he was hired at John Glenn, the school district acknowledged it was aware of the old charges. Nevertheless, the district said he came highly recommended and said they were excited about his vision for the school. Nuts. Totally crazy. Soon after he was hired, however, the former charges against the teacher went viral. The popular Twitter account Lives a TikTok posted about Mernon and state superintendent Ryan Walters called for him to be fired. Uh, Walters does good work from what I understand. Walters says, I've heard from parents all over the state. They want this principal out of the school. I'm going to do everything in my power to ensure that happens. Finally, last month, Mernon said that superintendent Braden Savage told him that if he didn't resign, the district would fire him because of the cost of increased security due to the threats the school was receiving. NBC's article focused on the drag persona rather than the decades-old criminal charges against Mernon that were dropped, which it first mentions were related to child pornography in the 13th paragraph. Um, and then they quoted the pedophile, and he was defending himself. He says, this has been a nightmare. Good, that's what you deserve. <clears throat> the article says Mernon is the latest example of an educator singled out by Walters over ideological disagreements. Holy shit. So according to NBC, if you are against kid fucking and child pornography, that's an ideological disagreement and you're a bigot. Holy shit. There you go. NBC doing what they do, covering for child predators. This was crazy. A 90-year-old volunteer for an MS society was told to step down because she didn't understand pronouns. An elderly volunteer for the MS Society was told to step down from her position because she didn't understand pronouns. Fran Itkoff, 90, said she had been volunteering uh, for the organization for 60 years, and she was told to stop. She has received multiple awards over that time. She said she didn't understand initially what she was being asked to do. She says, I was confused. I didn't know what it was and what it meant. Um, a fellow colleague had requested she use pronouns in her email. Um, a California resident says, I had seen it on, a, or yeah, the woman, the 90-year-old says, I'd seen it in a couple of letters that had come in after a person's name, but I didn't know what it meant. So when I finally talked to her, I asked, what does it mean? And she said it meant that we were all inclusive, which didn't make sense to me because it sounds like you're labeling for females, not males, if you're just putting she, her. Itkoff was reportedly instructed to step down several days later via email. 
her the reason for her dismissal was because of her failure to comply with stated DEI initiatives. So there you go. Fucking with old people. That's what they do. Commies are relentless. It's disgusting. Absolutely crazy. Oh, the uh, they're going to start the Fat Albert Bragg case on May 24th. Uh, or excuse me, I'm sorry, March 25th. March 25th, right in the big, mid, middle of a primary, but of course they're going to do that. Um, biometric entry for Major League Baseball games is becoming more prevalent. Yeah, usually when they're trying to... Um, get some new bullshit to to work like a vaccine passport. They will have it at the sporting events where most people just go along with it because they just want to watch the game. So apparently, but they're they're trying with the uh, face capture and face reading to get into baseball games. So hopefully it doesn't work. But usually, there's a core group of sports fans that'll just do anything you tell them because they just want to get into the game uh ai is inflaming workplace surveillance this is not surprising you're going to see this used a lot more they also want to read people's minds you saw the uh um world economic forum uh uh, global homo conference where they had a, a segment about how they want to read people's minds especially at work and find out if you're like having sexual fantasies and then you'll get like a zap to to get you back into compliance crazy um, and now Australia is threatening Twitter because it's not censoring disinformation. So the EU has already threatened Twitter with that uh, AIDS faggot theory, Brenton. And now you got this dumb eggless whore who looks like a man claiming that uh, they're not they're not uh, they're not censoring disinformation. So we'll see what Elon Musk does. Again, Twitter is better than it used to be, uh, but there's still problems and there's still censorship. It's no good, but uh, hopefully they'll fix it. All right, let's get into some videos here. We're going to watch right after Nathan Wade testified. So this was before Ass Willis testified. So this was right after Nathan Wade was done, and you actually got an honest opinion from a couple of them, and it was uh, it was pretty disastrous. Joined by Anna Cabrera I'll be back and in Jose Diaz Ballard in New York. We've been watching a pretrial hearing in the 2020 election interference case that could end with the disqualification of District Attorney Fonnie Willis over a potential ethical violation. The DA is expected to take the stand during this pretrial motion. And meanwhile, and here in New York, here in New York a, a judge has already decided now to start the first of four criminal trials against Donald Trump next month. That will be on March 25th. And so the former president and Republican frontrunner says he will be in court for the hush money and 2016 election interference trial during the day, then hit the campaign trail at night. And with me here in Washington, Chuck Rosenberg, former U.S. attorney and senior FBI official. He's also an MSNBC contributor. Chuck, we've been watching Nathan Wade, who Fonnie Willis hired, to basically run, be the managing partner, if you will, of the prosecution. And his assertion and hers that their relationship, their romantic relationship that they had previously denied, started after Mm -hmm. he had begun working for her. There's conflicting testimony here, though, from a former associate. Yes, uh, that's exactly right, Andrea. There is conflicting testimony. Uh, A woman named Robin Yurti testified earlier this morning uh, that she had been close friends with uh, Fonnie Willis, 
and that she knew, saw, observed that uh, Ms. Willis and Mr. Wade had a romantic relationship. And she described seeing, you know, sort of the things that you might see when two people are um, uh, dating, you know, uh, affection. Um, contrast that with what Mr. Wade just said on the stand, which was that uh, they did have a romantic relationship, but it did not start as early as Ms. Yurdy said it started. It started, to your point, after he was hired by the district attorney on a contractual basis uh, to work on this case. So what does that mean? You have two different stories, X and not X. Uh, and now the, uh, the finder of fact, the judge in this case, is going to have to make a determination based on testimony, on credibility, on his assessment of the witnesses, and perhaps uh, on other witnesses yet to come. And so far, he's been questioned by Michael Roman, a co-defendant of Donald Trump's attorney. Mm -hmm. Now, if the judge does decide mm -hmm. that they're in this conflict, that Nathan Wade and potentially Fonnie Willis in her assertions, and she may well take the stand as well, but in her assertions, the affidavit to the court, that if they misrepresented, basically lied, to the court, um, do you think that well, that would disqualify them? But do you think that there is becoming, you know, as we watch this testimony and we're going to see more lawyers for these co-defendants, including Donald Trump, potentially questioning him and then a cross-examination, but if it's determined that they have apparently misled, even before the judge rules in this case, do you think we should reach a point where, for the interest of protecting the trial, the entire Fulton County trial, uh, that they should voluntarily step yeah, aside? It's a, it's a great question. So this is not going well for the state. Um, it could turn out okay, and it might turn out worse. But I think a district attorney, uh, a U.S. attorney, you know, a, a, a prosecuting official has a special obligation to the case. In fact, you know, I had, um, I had grabbed some language from a 1935 Supreme Court case I used to keep this excerpt from Berger v. U.S. on my desk when I was a prosecutor and when I was the United States attorney. I'm not going to read all of it, I promise, um, but I just wanted to read a sentence. Uh, the prosecutor is the representative not of an ordinary party to a controversy, but of a sovereignty whose obligation is to govern impartially, uh, and that that obligation is as compelling as its obligation to govern at all, and whose interest, therefore, is not that it shall win a case, but that justice shall be done. Prosecutors have a higher obligation. It's not personal, it's not egotistical, it's not about you, it's about the office and the pursuit of justice. To your point, uh, it might be appropriate for Ms. Willis to consider removing herself from this case now and turning the reins over to a senior official in the, in the district attorney's office and let him or her handle it because this is getting ugly and it's getting messy and my guess is it's not going to get better. And Chuck will follow up on that, but uh, right now joining us in New York is, uh, of course, uh, my colleagues, yes, Jose Diaz-Balart and Ana Cabrera. Indeed, uh, joining us here on the set in New York, Charles Coleman, a former prosecutor in Brooklyn, New York, and an MSNBC legal analyst, Andrew Weissman, former FBI general counsel and a former senior member of the Mueller Report. He is also an MSNBC legal analyst and Caroline Polisi, a federal and criminal white-collar defense attorney. Charles, what are your takeaways from what we've been hearing all morning? 
I think the conversation prior to today had been all about the relationship and the importance of talking about whether that was appropriate. But today we see this explosive shift and a necessary one to examine the timeline. And were Fonnie Willis and Mr. Wade accurate and truthful in their filings when they talked about their romantic relationship beginning after Mr. Wade had begun working as a special prosecutor with the Fulton County DA's office? The significance of all of this is that it speaks at the very heart of Ms. Willis's integrity and her credibility and her judgment making as a prosecutor. And that's what you're going to see the defense hammer home in terms of trying to argue for her to be disqualified. Because if you cannot trust her to tell the truth about this relationship, the relationship itself is not necessarily the biggest problem she has at this point. The fact that she, after the relationship was exposed, has not apparently been truthful there's a question about the veracity of, of what she's filed as the DA in this case then what can you trust as it relates to everything else that Donald Trump and his other 18 co-conspirators are charged with Caroline if we had been sitting here as we have before 9 a.m. Eastern time and now that we're coming up to 1223 we have learned so much. What did you take away from these hours? Yeah. And again, this was before she got on the stand. This has been a bombshell, and it was a slow, a sort of a slow burn. But um, if you if you parse the language, huge, huge issues here. And I want to be really clear: this is not about a relationship between two consenting adults. This has nothing to do with that. It's about lying to the court. It's about potential financial gain on the part of Fannie Willis, and, and not not even so much. That that's a second. That takes the back seat here. The issue is that her credibility is shot. Um, just as Anthony was saying, if she lied to the court, she submitted something to the court that she knew was false and inaccurate, what else was she lying about? It's a horrible, horrible look for her. I think this case is dead in the water. She will be disqualified. The case will then have to go back to be uh, reassigned to another prosecutor's office. Likely it will <laughs> languish there for months. I think it's over. I think the case is over. But hold on, because why do we think that she was lying at this point, right? The judge yeah. has to make that determination. We heard Nathan Wade double down on what he had written in the affidavit right. and saying that, no, 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 our relationship, our romantic relationship didn't start until after I became the special prosecutor on this case, not before. So right. you're pretty certain though that <laughs> he's been established as, as untruthful i think everything is pointing in that direction he submitted an affidavit excuse me he wrote the affidavit and Fannie willis's office submitted that affidavit so she's just as complicit as as he andrew if you would take us on a broader picture of what it is that we've been seeing but also what are the issues that they're discussing and why are they relevant to the larger georgia case against trump and the other defendants co-defendants so going into this hearing, that was the argument that Fonnie Willis's team was making, which is this is sort of apples and oranges. Even if there is an issue, um, it's sort of irrelevant to the criminal case. Um, so here, um, the real concern for the judge who said, I'm going to have this hearing, was financial. It was, I want to know, was Fonnie Willis really paying sort of her half her share, or was she essentially profiting from her relationship with somebody on the team who is, has this contract, Mr. Wade. So it was very sort of cabined to that 
um, sort of financial component. One part of that financial component is, well, when did they start having this relationship? Because that helps decide when, when did money start getting paid. So they talked about taking trips and that they roughly were splitting costs. All of that was by the wayside. Um, in other words, that was sort of going in. That was supposed to be what the main issue is. Um, and I think the main issue now is, did somebody lie? Mm -hmm. um, I agree that at this point, just looking at the demeanor, um, the judge would have a basis to say, I believe the witness who said the relationship started at a time that Fonnie Willis is on record saying it didn't, and, it, and Mr. Wade is saying it didn't. So there, there's a discrepancy, um, as Chuck said. We have to see, There's this is just you know, the start of the hearing. There are other witnesses, there'll be other proof, but I agree at this point, um, just looking at their credibility, but it's not our judgment, it'll be the judge's judgment. If they find that Mr. Wade lied and thus Fannie Willis submitted a knowingly false affidavit, I agree, it's over. Do you expect that, <laughs> or Charles ask you, that they will call, in fact, Fannie Willis to take the stand? I think we could see that. I think that we should anticipate that that's going to happen. Um, at this point, it's questionable as to what value that would have in terms of do you need it? Um, if you're someone who is arguing for the disqualification at this point, I think that you feel pretty good about where you are. I don't necessarily know that Mr. Wade did a bad job uh, in terms of his testimony, but I also don't know that as someone who is clearly interested in this uh, from two angles, both personally with respect to his divorce and the impact that it could have there, and professionally, obviously, as the special prosecutor on this case, those are things that I think put him in a position where his credibility is going to be significantly questioned and challenged, even as he wasn't a terrible witness. I want to point out the lawyering that we saw today, like for a lot of people who may have watched this, they may have thought, man, this was brutal. Yes, the actual subject of the testimony and the substance of it was not the, 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 the cleanest thing to walk through. But the lawyer that we saw and the lawyering that we saw was not really top notch. It took them very uh, long to get to where it is that they needed to go. but. Eventually, it seems like they may have gotten there. Uh, Andrea. Let's bring in MSNBC's Katie Fang, who's outside the courthouse in Atlanta. Uh, as a lawyer, uh, what was your take and whether or not to preempt this whole case blowing up that Fonnie Willis, as Chuck Rosenberg was suggesting, might, as this is proceeding, just preempt a decision and step aside so that it can to protect the prosecution itself? Yeah, so Andrea, I'm going to go back to the basics. And when I say that, I'm going to go to the law in the state of Georgia. In order to disqualify a prosecutor, Georgia law says that you either have to have forensic misconduct, which is not an issue here, or you have to have an actual, not a speculative or, you know, a, a, an imaginary conflict of interest. So is there a conflict of interest? Because that's ultimately what Judge McAfee is going to have to decide. He's going to have to weigh the credibility of the witnesses who have testified so far against each other. Was there some type of disgruntled former employee bias that came from the first witness called to testify this morning and Robin Yurdy, the former divorce lawyer, Terrence Bradley, who had a brief stint on the stand until he was temporarily excused. He's worried about his bar license and disclosures that were made, but he said that Nathan Wade approached him as early as 2015 about getting divorced. But ultimately, we did hear Nathan Wade provide sworn testimony that was completely, you know, opposite to what that first witness said, which was that Wade and Willis began a personal relationship as early as October of 2019. 
the judge is going to not only look at the credibility of these witnesses, but he's also going to look at the documents that are being entered into evidence. But these contracts, the payments that were made, Andrea, to Nathan Wade, they only have an influence on whether or not Fonnie Willis gets disqualified if she has a personal stake in the conviction of a defendant. But is it personal because she's getting any type of financial benefit? Well, we've heard from Nathan Wade that she's paying her own way. I mean, honestly, Andrea, this has become very messy. Uh, it's become a very messy, I think, circus sideshow that's been an unnecessary sideshow for some very serious, very important case that needs to be prosecuted. I think Andrew Weissman said it just a couple of minutes ago. This case started about the financial benefits, but now it's kind of devolved into did somebody lie in a submission and a sworn affidavit to the court? Perpetration of fraud upon the court is not only wrong, but it certainly could rise to the level of disqualification. But I don't want anybody to put the cart before the horse. I think we need to listen to all of the testimony in its totality, and we need to remember the law before we make any judgments ourselves. The courtroom. Take us in. Talk to us about the demeanor of people. Uh, there was a moment that the judge actually chastised somebody. I think it was on the uh, side of the uh, defense. Uh, what was that like in there? Yeah, so Jose David Schaefer, who's one of the co-defendants, when Nathan Wade testified under oath that Fonnie Willis has reimbursed him for trips that they have taken and she reimburses in cash, he openly laughed out loud. Judge McAfee immediately rebuked him and said, if you do it again, you're out of my courtroom. McAfee is trying to like, walk a tightrope right now, like a really fine line between trying to get the evidence that needs to be on the record in this evidentiary hearing, but also trying to make sure that they don't veer too far off course. As a lawyer, I, I think that the judge can maybe rein things in a little bit more. I think some of the questioning by the lawyer for Michael Roman of Nathan Wade has gone a little bit too far astray and maybe a little bit irrelevant. But, you know, it's her burden. It's the defense's burden to be able to carry this motion to disqualify. And I think that's the reason why Judge McAfee has given them more leeway than perhaps I would. And, Katie, what about the appearance of a conflict? I mean, what about Chuck Rosenberg's comment that just the appearance of a conflict uh, could really prejudice the public against this case and the future of the prosecution. Yeah, so Chuck is totally right. I was a prosecutor for many years as well. You want to avoid the appearance of impropriety. You want to avoid the appearance of a possible conflict of interest. But in this instance, as I noted, Georgia law doesn't allow for the possibility of that conflict. It actually has to be an actual conflict. That being said, we all know that this case is also being tried in the court of public opinion. Is there too much credibility damage that has been done so far? Would it save and resuscitate this case if someone else stepped in? In Georgia, if DA Fonnie Willis is disqualified, it's her entire office. It's the team that is gone. And then there's another council of prosecutors that would decide which office takes it over. The problem with that is that that new office could decide, you know what, some of these charges don't fit. Some of these charges aren't strong enough. We're going to have to reevaluate where this goes. And so that not only puts a delay in bringing these defendants to trial, including former President Donald Trump, but it also makes you wonder what's going to be left if Fonnie Willis gets disqualified. Well, let's pick it up there, Chuck Rosenberg. Does it require, if she were to step aside, bringing a whole new office in, starting over, examining whether RICO even should apply here? and whether all of these co-defendants should be involved. As Katie said, if the judge disqualifies uh, District Attorney Willis, then the entire office is disqualified. 
I think there's a more prudent approach, perhaps a more practical approach. If Fonnie Willis simply steps aside. Yeah, see, that's what he, this whole time, is angling for. Because I think there, they would have to, or at least there would be a good chance that the venue would get changed if she gets disqualified. But maybe they can keep the venue if she just steps down or whatever. Prior to a judge's ruling, that may mean that the case can stay in her office, but not under her supervision. And by the way, Katie is exactly right about what the law requires. But I've always thought that prosecutors ought to go beyond what the law requires, particularly if there's an appearance of a conflict. It may not technically require a disqualification. We will see how the rest of the evidence comes in. Uh, we will see who else testifies and what documents they adduce. All that's important to the judge in making his determination hasn't happened yet. But that doesn't mean that Ms. Willis can't act now on an appearance of a conflict. We've learned as prosecutors that appearances matter just as much as what is uh, what the law requires, right? I mean, we have to be two things as prosecutors all the time, actually fair and perceived as actually fair. If you're actually fair but you're not perceived that way, that's a problem. And of course, this is such a high stakes case. Just one other quick point. Nathan Wade would also, of course, have that they would have to uh, step aside voluntarily if that were the case. In this issue, among the issues has been whether he was even qualified to well, play this role. And the argument was that he was just managing the office for which he was qualified, but he did not have experience in this kind of criminal prosecution. He seems like a nice man, so I don't mean this personally. Um, but I don't believe he's ever prosecuted a felony case. Uh, Andrea, if someone that you loved needed open-heart surgery, uh, you probably wouldn't ask me to perform it, even if I watched a video on YouTube on how it's done. <laughs> right? This is a case against the former president of the United States with RICO charges pending. It's hard, it's complex, and it requires a detailed level of knowledge and experience. So nothing against Mr. Wade. It's not his fault but it doesn't seem like he was the right guy <laughs> for this job. Chuck Rosenberg. Uh, oh, what a disaster. This is fantastic. And uh, I'm sure there'll be more coverage of the uh, Ass Willis um, taking the stand debacle. Um, but that, that was happening uh, right before I was going live. So I imagine right as we speak now on the different shows... They're putting out their talking points, uh, so we'll see. So, this next one is Rachel Maddow's sister doing um, North Korea levels of propaganda related to the uh, migrant invasion. This is this is insane, and instead of calling it an invasion, they're calling it the immigration boom. Oh, it's going to give our economy $7 trillion. Guys, it's not a crisis. It's a good thing. Fag Dad Bob is telling us it's a good thing. Nothing wrong here. Everything's fine. Amazing. All right, let me... America and what Democrats need to do to capitalize on it. Next. The Congressional Budget Office, also known as the CBO, is a nonpartisan. Uh, nonpartisan. Oh, that means you can trust what they say. Congressional agency, which has provided economic and budget data to Congress since the 1970s. 
Earlier this month, it released its economic forecast for the next 10 years, which included a really fascinating bit of information fascinating. that I think has gone undercovered mm. regarding immigration. Yeah. So the report effectively says the GDP, the, the growth of all of our economy, everything that we do, is going to be boosted by $7 trillion more over the next 10 years due to immigration. What's more, the federal government will raise an additional $1 trillion in revenue thanks to high immigration rates. Mm. That means that a trillion dollars will go into government coffers in the form of taxes paid that wouldn't have other. Yes, illegals always pay their taxes. Say that again. The U.S. economy yes. is going to grow by. Yes. Trillion. Repeat the lie over and over again, and then magically it becomes truth. Dollars over the next decade, solely because of immigrants coming here to the U.S. Mm. Put another way, the amount the economy is projected to grow each year over the next five years alone is going to be higher than the previous 15 years, in large part because of immigration. In fact, the economy is expected to grow faster than it has since before the Great Recession. And as the CBO puts it, quote, that faster growth of potential GDP stems mainly from the CBO's projection of a surge in net immigration, which increases the projected growth of the labor force. Speaking of the growth of labor force, immigration is effectively saving our labor supply. <laughs> Look at this chart from the CBO report. So yep. the orange line mm -hmm. is the projected growth of people working in this country. So see how it keeps going up at a dramatic rate? Again, that is Guys, they are our saviors. Come on. We have our parents, and then we have our saviors. Because of immigration. Because even as And our parents are sending us our saviors. Oh, and they're going to take care of us in our old age. Oh, this is, this is totally normal ages out of the labor force, more people retire. Immigrants, most of whom are adults of working age, are coming in to fill the gaps. All of which is to say, it's not a zero-sum game at all. It, it's not people that coming to take your piece no, of the pie for themselves. The pie itself is just getting bigger. Yeah. We're making yeah. more stuff. Right. There's more growth. Mm. To put it in raw numbers, the CBO projects the labor force in 2033, the amount of people working in this country, and contributing to the economy will be larger by more than 5 million people, mainly because of immigration. Again, more people working and paying taxes and into Social Security. Uh -huh. It also means more people buying houses, more people oh, building yeah. houses, as oh, CBO yeah. notes. Quote, uh -huh. Because immigrants tend to live with family or friends initially and form their own households gradually, high rates of immigration will continue to stimulate construction of new homes mm. during the second half of the 2020s. Mm -hmm. Also worth noting, immigrants are more likely to start businesses than native-born Americans. Yet another boon to economic growth. But you don't have to take my word for it, or oh. even the nonpartisan congressional budget. Who office. wouldn't take your word for it, Chrissy? Just listen to Donald Trump's oh, yeah. chairman of uh -huh. the Federal Reserve. Yes. The U.S. economy has oh, benefited now from he is totally credible. Immigration, and, and frankly, just in the last year. Guys, Jerome Powell said a thing. Come on, case closed. A big part of the story of the labor market coming back into better balance is immigration mm. returning to levels that were more typical of the pre-pandemic era. Yeah. The country needed the workers. It oh, did. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right now, we need immigration, it. the border specifically, are arguably among the most dominant issues in all of American politics. It's why Republicans in the House impeached Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas last night by one vote. Jesus, Mash. Holy really shit. Political stunt than anything else. 
It was certainly the number one issue in yesterday's special election in New York's third congressional district. While it's true, migration has produced genuine stress on a whole bunch of social systems in cities across the U.S., including here in New York. I gotta say, the consistent tenor of the rhetoric surrounding immigrants in this country is maddening. Maddening? Yeah, don't you know what's good for you? Don't you know this is good? She's also a smash. What's going on with the angry eyebrow brunettes back to back? It, it, there's this notion that is embedded in the conversation about people coming across the border uh, in right-wing media, though by no means exclusively, which basically posits that life in America is a zero-sum game, that, that, that there's only so much stuff, and then when you add more people, they come and take it. Yeah, come They're on. Gonna... I can't believe you don't understand that resources are infinite, guys. Come on. Resources are infinite. It's totally fine. Come take your stuff. Nah. And it's just wrong. Yeah, guys, totally wrong. They're not going to drive down wages. Come on, bigot. In the most basic way, it completely fails yeah. to account for the obvious gift and bounty. Oh, guys, it's a gift. It's a gift. That is and has been immigration to the United Why States. Why won't you accept your gift from our parents? How dare you not accept your gift from our parents? The countless social. I think I'm going to refer to it like that from now on. I think that that's. Uh, I think it wraps it up in a nutshell. And cultural benefits, sure, but just the sheer dollars and cents, massive benefit to our economy. And so, as we get closer and closer to November's election, you're going to hear politicians, perhaps even politicians of both parties, demonize migrants to score political points. Mm. But if you care about the growth of the U.S. economy and more deeply about the strength, yes, of the strength country as a whole, about oh. the greatness. Of oh, and greatness, the strength and greatness. If you care about the strength and greatness of our country, you will have appreciation for the gift that our parents are giving us. We should be grateful. For <laughs> Can you get more insane with the propaganda? Could you possibly, if you were designing a propaganda segment, could you make one crazier than this? I don't think so. I don't think so. I think this is an all-timer. This is an all-timer. Guys, you should be grateful for what's happening. Oh, my God in heaven. It's incredible. Immigration rates and find ways yes. to make paths into yes. this great country mm. more orderly and humane. Mm. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Fag Dad Bob, incredible. Utterly incredible. All right, let's go to uh, TYT. Let's see how they cover the tranny that shot up a church. Investigators are painting a troubling picture of the woman they say opened fire. Houston police identifying the deceased shooter as 36-year-old Genesee Yvonne Moreno, telling NBC News she was carrying an AR-15 with the word Palestine written on it. A search really? of Moreno's home yielded... Just the word Palestine was written on it? Oh, okay. ...ingredients to make explosives and written material with a very clear message. We do have some anti-Semitic writings oh. that we have uncovered during this process. Anti-Semite. She also has a long history with schizophrenia and according mm. to her mother-in-law... Right, see, when it's one of theirs... Oh, mental illness. 
when it's a white person, uh, they'll go, oh, it's a Trump supporter, obviously. Donald Trump is at fault. Stop taking her medication, which could have been a huge part of the reason why she decided to attempt to open fire at the Lakewood Church in Texas. Now, two off-duty police officers luckily shot and killed the woman who uh, wasn't able to cause much damage uh, prior to that happening. Uh, she was killed. Uh, we don't know exactly how her son who was with her got shot, whether it was from her firing her weapon or the off-duty police officers who fired back at her at self-defense, um, as self-defense. But luckily she was the only fatality in this terrifying incident. Her seven-year-old son was shot in the head, but is still clinging on to life. He's in critical condition in the hospital. Now, one other 57-year-old man was shot in the leg, but was released from the hospital and is expected to make a full recovery. Now, let's get to the details on who Moreno is and what the possible motives could be for this shooting. So the woman identified in a search warrant as Genesee Yvonne Moreno, 36 years old, entered the church shortly before 2 p.m. wearing a trench coat and backpack and opened fire, Houston Police Chief Troy Finer or Finner said. Once she entered, at some point she began to fire, the chief said. One federal law enforcement source told CNN that she fired around 30 rounds, which is a lot. And considering we're talking about a mega church here, this is Joel Osteen's church. Um, we're very lucky that no one else uh, got hurt, no one else died. Uh, two off-duty officers were present, a 28-year-old Houston Police Department officer and a 38-year-old agent with the Texas Alcoholic Beverage Commission, both with less than five years of service. The two officers engaged the shooter and she was struck, the police chief said. She was pronounced dead at 2.07 p.m. local time. Now, the gunfire unfolded while the church was in between services. So they have an English service and then they take a break and do the Spanish service or service for Spanish speakers, I should say. When police searched her person, her vehicle and her home, of course, they found some other weapons. Police say the shooter used a legally purchased AR-15 with a Palestine sticker on it. At first it was reported that Palestine was written on the gun, uh, but now it's being reported as a sticker. She also had a 22 caliber weapon in uh, her bag, which she did not use during the attack. Uh, Moreno also threatened that she had a bomb, but authorities searched her car and her backpack and found no explosives. Uh, the guns were again legally purchased, even though Moreno has a criminal history and a history with severe mental illness. Here's some more details on that. Law enforcement records show Moreno had at least six prior arrests since 2005, including weapons charges. In 2016, authorities also placed Moreno under an emergency detention order. She does have a mental health history that is documented. Police say a dispute with her ex-husband's family, some of whom are Jewish, may also be related to the shooting. So look, while authorities haven't specified what the motive is, uh, they have hinted that a possibility is the issues that she was having with her in-laws, uh, her husband, who she shared the son with, uh, had engaged in a pretty fierce custody battle with her. He's a registered sex offender. There's all sorts of issues there, let's just put it that way. Again, we don't know for sure what motivated um, her attempt at a mass shooting. But in 2022, she had her divorce proceeding transferred to county court, according to an attorney who represented her. Moreno was also arrested on a weapons charge, a misdemeanor, which was cleared. 
with two days time served in the Fort Bend County Jail. She was also previously arrested for uh, a forgery charge, assault, uh, drug possession. So again, she's got a history, including with mental illness. Her mother-in-law says that she was suffering from severe schizophrenia. Yeah, uh, so look, there's uh, a common theme here, of course. Uh, so let's get that out of the way, guns. Um, it would no matter where the shootings. Uh, so now here we go. We got to take the guns away from law-abiding citizens. Is where the shooter is from, what their motivation <laughs> is, and uh, are they uh, a little crazy? Yeah, they're all at least a little crazy. They're going into public places and shooting indiscriminately. Yes. So no matter right wing, left wing, Christian, Jewish, uh, Muslim, whatever it might be. Yeah, they're a little nuts, but in every other country, they don't have access to the kind of weapons we give them willy-nilly. Here in America, we just, oh, you're nuts and you've shown that you're violent before, here's a gun. Uh, okay, so that's completely made up. He's totally making that up. Anything you like with it. Here's a giant weapon. Kill it. it completely made up. Anyone you like with it. So let me, now, do the American people actually want this? No, not well, even Oh, do American people want the thing that you just made up that's complete made up insanity they don't want that i can't believe it gun owners want some legislation that could help a little bit like universal background checks and red flag law. there's already background checks and both red of those flag laws are total bullshit they're very very popular bullshit but nope gun manufacturers bribe republican politicians through campaign contributions and they say ignore even your own voters here i'll give you some sense of the numbers here uh, an overwhelming 84% of respondents said they would support preventing sales of all firearms to people who have been reported as dangerous to law enforcement by a mental health provider. That's it. She's in that group. 84% say don't let her have her weapon. Yeah, and then uh, that's it. They There's no way they'd be able to get a hold of a gun. Everyone, almost every state, certainly at the national level, no one's passed any laws. Yeah, here, have a weapon. Who cares? And because the more again, you kill, again, the, they don't do that. That's made up. More people will get scared. They'll buy even more guns. So the gun manufacturers who give the money to the NRA and the NRA gives us the politicians, they're making a, if you will, they're making a killing, and they are, and they don't mind the deaths at all. Every time there's a shooting like this, they think, "Chaching more money." And here, grubby little Republican politicians, here's a little bit of crumbs off our table. Go do as you're told. More deaths for Americans now. Among NRA members, 69% support comprehensive background checks. What happened? I thought gun well, owners. Again, there's already background checks, retard. Didn't want it. Turns out gun owners do want it. Yeah. They do want it. But nope, you can't get it because of our grubby, corrupt, vile, pig faced politicians. 78% of gun owners who are not NRA members support required background checks for all firearm purchases. But you're not going to get them because we don't live in a democracy. The shootings are never going to stop. <laughs> And every time we'll have a nonsense conversation about, uh -huh. oh my God, what motivated them? And was it the religious or was it a political or was it a relationship? No, it was the guns and we give them to everyone. I mean, look, we, we don't have enough restrictions when it comes to people who have a history of criminality and a history of severe mental health issues. She's, she's been diagnosed with schizophrenia refuse to take her medication. We know that, look, it is a tragic mental illness. It is awful and I feel so terrible for anyone who has it. But they start seeing things, they, they start imagining things. I, 
a person like that should not be in possession of a firearm. And the fact that she was able to legally purchase these firearms is a problem. Yes, we do have a crisis when it comes to mental health. We should definitely do something about that. I'm an advocate for that. I wish the Republican lawmakers who immediately go to the issue of mental health whenever there's a mass shooting were serious about funding mental health initiatives to deal with this situation appropriately. But that still wouldn't be enough because you would still need someone with schizophrenia to continue getting the treatment and medication she needs to function properly in order to justify her having a gun. And you just can't justify her having a gun. She was threatening her own neighbors. So yesterday, six of her neighbors came out and did a press conference to talk about how on multiple occasions they reached out to the authorities because she was threatening them with well, fire. See, this is another part of the issue. A lot of times these shooters are known to authorities, known to the FBI, and they deliberately don't do anything because they want them to shoot people so they can have their anti-gun narrative. Firearms. So I want to give you a few examples. One of the women, Heather, who gave only her first name out of fear of retaliation, said she made a complaint against Moreno, alleging she threatened her with a handgun on July 4th of 2022. Moreno had screamed expletives at her when she was watering her lawn early that morning. Heather said she walked to Moreno's home and that the woman pointed a handgun at her from behind the trunk of her car. She said Conroe police, that's the neighborhood that they lived in, documented the incident as a threat. We're being told, see something, say something. Well, we're seeing stuff and we're saying stuff and Conroe PD is not helping us. I don't wanna bash them, but help us, please. Well, you have to talk to your state lawmakers and ask why state lawmakers are refusing to pass legislation that would implement red flag laws that would prevent someone like Moreno from being able to legally access a firearm. So she's done this on multiple occasions and she has physically hit other neighbors who are walking in the neighborhood and sometimes with their kids. So the minute she pointed a handgun at someone, boom, I'm done with her. Let's go, red flag look. Just what kind of, look, who's, who's really got the mental health problems? I think the country has mental health problems. I think our politicians have mental health problems. I think our media has mental health problems. How do you not take guns away from someone who points it at innocent people in the neighborhood and has a violent strain of schizophrenia? We must all be nuts, but we don't do anything about it. And it, look, I, we point out in every case, hey, when Republicans and Democrats do it, hey, Democrats take the corporate donor money too, it's not on this one. No, the Democrats used to take NRA money, they don't anymore. On this one, it is clean and simple. Republican politicians are crooks, they all take this blood money and they don't care about your lives. Like you see like how they, are funding the massacre of Palestinian children. And you think, oh wow, look at that, they don't care about Palestinians at all. No brother, I got news for you, they don't care about you either. They think, oh, you're getting slaughtered in the streets. But yeah, but the gun sales are going up and that's giving me more campaign contributions. None of this will stop until we take money out of politics. Yeah, Every uh, that'll work. Okay, so here's their coverage of Mayorkas getting impeached. Let's see what they say about this. Exactly one week after House Republicans tried and failed to impeach Homeland Security Secretary. Let me guess, it's Donald Trump's fault, Mayorkas is a good boy. Terry Alejandro Mayorkas, they have finally succeeded today. With a slim majority in the vote, Mayorkas has been impeached in the House. Now there have been no 
sites of high crimes or misdemeanors, but we'll get to that in just a moment. Now, Mayorkas is now the second cabinet member in United States history to be impeached. The other was Secretary of War William Belknap in 1876. Now, the charges against him broke with history, as the New York Times writes. Uh, failing by failing to identify any such offense, meaning a high crime, instead effectively declaring the policy choices Mayorkas has carried out as a constitutional crime. Now, I, I want to just note that obviously this is going to fail in the Senate, where Democrats have the majority. Uh, you would need them to, uh, you know, vote in favor of uh, convicting him of these impeachment charges, and that is unlikely to happen. It's also worth noting that the Senate is where Republicans, led by James Lankford, and Democrats agreed on a border security bill, which Trump encouraged Republicans to be obstructionist toward, and so it didn't end up passing in the House. Good. So I don't really understand what the issue is here because yeah, guys, go she doesn't understand what the issue with Mayorkas is. Come on, guys. She doesn't even understand. Don't like our immigration yeah, policy. If you don't like our immigration policy, then accept our fucking bullshit deal. And if you don't, then it's Donald Trump's fault, not Mayorkas's. And you see them leading to a migrant crisis, you would want to pass legislation. That is the job of Congress. But instead of doing their duty, as elected lawmakers who are supposed to legislate, who are supposed to govern the country, they have instead decided to engage in political theater by doing a sham impeachment of the Secretary of Homeland Security when that's really not going to accomplish a damn thing, especially when you consider the fact this is going to be acquitted in the Senate. Yeah, it's a clown show, guys. I mean, what are you doing? It's supposed to be for high crimes and misdemeanors. They say, yeah, there is no crime, there is no misdemeanor. We just don't like them. Okay. We invented a thing called a constitutional crime. Really? Okay, where's, where does it say in the Constitution that if you uh, are the Department of Homeland Security chief, a position that didn't exist at the time, and uh, Republicans think you're not doing a sufficient job, you should be impeached. It's not a thing. You made it up. The Republicans aren't doing a sufficient <laughs> job. Yeah, they're Republicans not are do doing nothing. They're not doing their job. That's what it, the point I made uh, when they were first trying to impeach him. If you say not protecting the border is an impeachable offense, and you guys just killed your own border bill, by definition, you've committed an impeachable offense by your own logic. So should we impeach every Republican in the House? They're not even trying to make any sense. This is not a thing. Yeah. This is not, look, are you kidding seconds. me? The Trump administration, you saw us cover them. You saw us loathe them, right? And point out 100, 200, 2,000 things that they did wrong. Did you ever hear us say, hey, you should impeach a cabinet member like um, uh, Education Secretary Betsy DeVos? Oh, God, she was terrible. She was the worst. She betrayed all the students in this country. Did we say she should be impeached because we don't like her? No, because she didn't commit a crime or a misdemeanor. We told you what was wrong with her from a policy perspective. And you fight back through politics. This whole. Impeaching people you don't like is dumb. It now it's it's like the boy who cried wolf. I uh, so last last night I did hard R hour and that's uh, not on YouTube, so I, I forgot to press the YouTube button. So apparently this whole time I've not been streaming on YouTube. If you're a YouTube viewer, I have turned on YouTube, so we should be good. So apologies for that, but uh, we should be up and running now. Wolf. Now and that's what they're trying to do. 
so that when they do law breaking, they can be like, oh, well, impeachment doesn't make uh, isn't a thing anymore because we just started impeaching apples and oranges and that random dude over there. So when we commit all sorts of actual crimes, don't pay attention. Remember, impeachment isn't important. I mean, look, fellow Americans, I'm very sad to report that we have elected a giant group of theater kids who want to engage in theater and have no interest in legislating. That is what's happening. Well, that is partially true. I mean, I, I do agree with that. Right now, this that's all this is. Yeah, look, whether you like or hate Alejandro Mayorkas, it doesn't matter. This does nothing. That's what I'm trying to get people to understand. The congressional hearings, there was a reason for congressional hearings back in the day when congressional hearings would then lead to legislation. Now congressional hearings are just done for congressional hearings sake to again give these politicians an opportunity at a quick soundbite that might go viral. Elise Stefanik knows a thing or two about that. But has Elise Stefanik done anything to help legislate the country? Has she helped author and pass legislation that has improved your life? And by the way, I know I'm picking on Republicans because Republicans are the ones who stood in the way of the passage of the border security bill that one of their own negotiated in the Senate. Again, but the bill was total bullshit. Democrats do the same political theater on their own terms as well. And because they're not interested in legislating. They don't care about you. They do care about tricking you into thinking that they're legislating or doing their jobs. But when push comes to shove, man, they have completely abandoned the American people in trying to solve our problems here. We might have millions of people watching oh, yeah. this show, but show. you can join now. No. So uh, look, both sides get plenty of critique, but this is definitely a, a Republican problem. Totally. So let me explain the critique for the Democrats real quick. The minute the Republicans go in the House, they seem so relieved. Uh, they didn't even consider uh, trying to fight for any further legislation in Biden's last two years. Did you notice that? And did you notice that the only thing passing is defense bills? So that the defense contractors still get rich and wars continue. But for you guys, Biden immediately stopped trying. Do you know what uh, Biden has proposed if he wins the second term? Nothing. I'm being very literal. He has not proposed a single policy. So he's not even trying to get you anything. But then you turn to the Republicans. So they won the House and they're like, all right, now here we go. We're the populists, we're for the average American, they're the elitists. First thing we're gonna do is pass this bill taking away money from the IRS for auditing the rich. Uh, bullshit, that's not what that would have done. We don't want them auditing the rich, those guys. <clears throat> totally made up, no one said that. They're, they're our number one donors. We want them to have as much money as we cheat, cheat all you want. Okay. Populist. Completely made up. Okay, all right, all right, okay, fine. The first one helped your donors and massively wealthy people. Well, what else you got? No, that's the only thing we had. Uh, did you see them propose a single thing that would help you? The only thing they proposed was the border bill. And Anna said one of their own negotiated. But remember, that person was empowered by the rest of the Republican Senate Party. Republicans. Yes. And said, this is what we want. They got what they wanted, and then Trump said, I don't want it. That's not true at all. Not true at all. No, Biden. So they killed bullshit. the only thing that they had proposed. Completely made up narrative. That would actually theoretically help an average American. That had buy-in from Democrats. And Biden was gonna give them the Trump policy. Okay, guys. Uh, no, he wasn't. The Trump policy is deportation. You're totally full of shit. Useless. Think about, no, let's just pause on this impeachment story for a second to like focus on how Republicans did Langford real dirty. Like oh, so, oh, Lankford is under that bus. He's flat as a pancake, okay, from being under that bus. So, 
Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell is like, hey, you, Lankford, Republican from Oklahoma, you uh, draft up this bipartisan border security bill. Okay, you do that. He does what he's told. Okay, it's by the way, the most right wing border security bill. Again, no, it isn't. That's ridiculous. Bill that has ever passed in this country. I'm not, not remotely delusional. You're completely delusional. Not exaggerating. Now, bird face delusion is what that is. Now, some Republicans have been persuaded into thinking that it doesn't go far enough, even though it gives Republicans everything they've been asking Again, for. No, it doesn't. This is made up. This is the coordinated narrative that they're doing with Sitchin Adam and the corporate media. It's completely made up. But okay, fine. And it brings back Trump policies. <laughs> it does. It does. Okay. Okay, fine. Whatever. But they got to admit that in their minds, it's better than the status quo, where you have literally thousands of people coming into the country every single day. In December, you had 300,000 migrants come into the country in just one month. Okay. But then Trump starts knocking on the door. Eh, eh, eh. We don't want to solve the migrant crisis. This is what I'm going to run on. And then that is when the Lankford under the bus process began. Yeah. And so right now, guys, uh, they, the Republicans aren't proposing a single thing that'll help you. They did the Hunter Biden hearings. They did every sham hearing, dumbass hearing. I saw a laptop here. I saw a penis there, etc. Now they invented a thing of impeaching people they don't agree with politically that doesn't yeah, exist. Yeah, Mayorkas hasn't done anything wrong. He's totally, they impeached him for no reason, Cenk. They're just wasting your time. You want to know the number one reason why? Because the donors love the status quo. They don't want anything to change. You know why? Because they're already at the top. If you're already at the top, you don't want anything to change. So then you hire a bunch of goons called the Republicans and go, hey, waste everyone's time. You drama kids, do some theater, get yep. glee, and maybe throw in a musical, right? And it, it make up random stuff that doesn't even exist. Whatever, as long Whatever as Whatever you, you do, but remember Like you're doing right now, like you're doing right now. This thing, okay? Let us cheat. And you know, to be fair, Biden has proposed nothing for the next uh, his next term. You know what Trump has proposed? He's only proposed one specific policy: another giant corporate tax cut down to fifteen percent. And he'll get it, by the way, because that's another thing that Democrats like. Oh, of course, they secretly totally too. wanted. They're like, <laughs> yeah. oh, Trump, do not pass another oh, corporate tax oh, cut. Oh, is that oh, the only thing we let you pass last time? Our arms. Oh, and for oh. the rich too? Oh, oh no. no, he did it again. We're, Golly gee, we had to give it to him. He he twisted our arm. We're rich too, but we, oh. don't, we don't want that tax. Oh. This is unbearable. We're going to move on to the next one. We have uh, the view hosts freak out over Jon Stewart's comments about Joe Biden. They are dumb. They're all dumb. I mean, really, I dummies what's so offensive to me. I love that, that John Stewart is back, but what's so offensive to me is there's difference between age and intelligence. The problem with this country is that we don't value people with their wisdom. We don't value seniors. We don't value Sonny Hostin, one of the hosts on The View, was not happy with comedian Jon Stewart's recent coverage of Biden's very obvious mental decline. We all see it. And uh, even went so far as to call that kind of criticism ableist. And she's very offended by it. <laughs> These politics kind of worked several years ago. No one cares how offended you are anymore. You were part of that, make no mistake. We can all see what everyone grounded in reality can see. We, well, yeah, but see, you were doing that and you've not acknowledged that at all. Biden is struggling. It's not that he's 
old. It's that his mental capacity has been diminished. It is very clear to people. And we're talking about, what are we doing? Jake, like, we're, to, we're just going along with things. Like, the, the country is just moving along as if President of the United States isn't, like, the most important job in the country slash world. Yeah. What are we doing? Well, television is a propaganda box. And so, guys, think about what she's saying. So if you said, hey, uh, about um, a politician or a political figure that's doing pretty well in their 80s, I think Bernie Sanders is doing well. He seems like he's in good shape. Too old, according to the same Democrats who are now saying that Biden is not too old. By the way, they said Bernie Sanders was too old like eight years ago. Those same exact Democrats, and yes. they didn't find it offensive at all. No, nope, right? not but, offended at all by that. But Bernie's still giving fiery speeches and isn't forgetting anything, etc. On the other hand, how about if we said it about Dianne Feinstein? In fact, I did say it about Dianne Feinstein. They said offensive. She had completely lost her mind. She was not in early onset dementia. She was in very late stage dementia. Couldn't remember a thing. Couldn't remember things right in front of camera. Would repeat the same thing she just said because she couldn't remember from one second ago. And the propagandist on television told you, no, don't believe your lying eyes. Diane Feinstein is an amazing senator from California. Wonderful. We should not take her away. No way. Until she finally just healed over. But we were being ageist. Okay. And sexist and, and whatever Oh, here we go. A decade too late. Oh, Democrats call everyone an ist. Oh, man. Hey, guys, did you know that after they burnt the house down, that fire can be dangerous? Oh, at you to silence you. And I'm sick of that tactic. You did it a billion times. You've done it a billion times. I'm yeah. sick of that tactic. Okay, guys see, a normal person would say, I'm sick of that tactic. I used to do that tactic. But you don't acknowledge it. You pretend that like you've been like this the whole time. I mean, I've said this before on the show. I'm going to say it again. I'm going to keep repeating it. The labeling someone one of the isms to intimidate them and silence them and prevent them from saying things you don't want to hear, it's a tired tactic at this point, and it's not- No way. Get out of here. Working. And it, it almost- <laughs> That's why you're, you're pivoting, because it's, it's just not working anymore. Always used by the elites. Always. And the people- But you do it, you still do it, though. You still do it. Well, they use it most against is sure, right-wingers, okay? But second is progressives. No, they use it all right. over the place, Cenk. It's all over the place. It's directed at anyone who says anything they don't like. It, right, it, it, the powerless. But Let's, you do it, and you still call conservatives racist. Put it that way. Yeah. If you're among the powerful, no, 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 no. They are protected by the isms. If you're the powerless, you're the isms, okay? So look, last thing on the H uh, in, in terms of the specific examples that Sonny hosting, if she gave, Slater said, there's uh, people who are old who are do, still doing great, like Nancy Pelosi. Have you guys seen Nancy Pelosi on TV lately? She's a hot mess. She can't put two sentences together. And then they asked her uh, why she's so mad at the uh, pro-Palestinian uh, protesters who want to protect their lives. She said they're Russian agents and later said they were sent by China. Yeah, oh, but, oh, 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 hold on a second. That's not because she's senile. She's a liar. That, that, that was on purpose. Look, Nancy Pelosi absolutely is having cognitive decline. And I think part of the, the issue is that she's drunk all the time. But when she was saying that shit about Russia, that's not because she was going crazy. That's a deliberate lie. It's a deliberate lie uh, uh, and she would tell it again. That was on purpose. That's not an old lady being senile. That's an old, corrupt, evil bitch doing what old, corrupt, evil bitches do.
That's your example of someone who's doing great in their 80s? No, they're all protecting incredibly old politicians. But you do that, you do that too. Because they're the powerful. And the job of every host on television is to kiss the ass of the powerful. So Sunny Hostin, to be fair to her, she, I don't know if she ever brought up Bernie's age in the past as being a problem, but in this same segment uh, later on, she gave Bernie Sanders and Nancy Pelosi as examples of politicians who are up there in age and are doing a great job. I don't know about Nancy Pelosi, but okay, fine. No, not fine, she's a disaster. She is a disaster, but look, yeah, she is, okay. But anyway, uh, I do wanna get back to Jon Stewart who, also, to be fair, happens to be powerful in his own right, right? He's, a, he's part of the yeah, elite. Yeah, but that's part of why they're so mad at him. They're right. like, you're violating, the, the elites have a club, and there's only one rule in the club, never attack anyone else in the club. What about Bill Maher, by the way? Bill Maher's been talking about Biden's age. In fact, Bill Maher recently in his podcast was talking about how you know, New Newsom would have a better chance at beating Trump, but then proceeded to talk about how disastrous Newsom has been as a governor, which I thought was hilarious. Like, so let's scrape the bottom of the barrel. Anyone, anyone but Biden, basically. Yeah, right. That's a great question, Anna. And my sense of it is, Bill Maher, Paul Begala, James Carville, David Axelrod, all who have hinted and like warned and tiptoed around, hey, Biden seems like he might not be the best candidate are all core establishment figures. Mm -hmm. That's Barack Obama and Bill Clinton sending out their surrogates. So that's viewed as a little bit more official. That's polite nudging, polite nudging, right? Whereas Jon Stewart is saying, don't blame the voters. And they have a right to pick the best candidate. They're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Okay, we don't like either one of those talking points. We right. talked about it earlier, right? Right. Well, no, our job is to blame the voters and yell at them and say, you're never allowed to criticize Biden, right? And here's Jon Stewart criticizing him through comedy. That's a breach of etiquette. Again, it's John. a very mild criticism. Bad boy. He, it, it was mostly corporate media friendly. Now, funny enough, John Stewart addressed people like Sonny Hostin during his, uh, you know, his Daily Show segment. He said, "What's crazy is thinking that we're the ones as voters who must silence concerns and criticisms. It is the candidate's job to assuage concerns, not the voters' job." Not to mention them. You see, that's exactly why they triggered him. We have two candidates who are chronologically outside the norm of anyone who has run for the presidency in the history of this country, breaking the record that they set, which is so true and such a, a great point to, to focus on. Yeah, I mean, it's, we'll see how this all plays out. I just, I'm sick of the shenanigans every election cycle, and it seems to get worse every election cycle. And by the way, I'm actually deeply, deeply offended that the Olympics refuses to allow me to compete in rhythmic gymnastics. Offended, ageism. It, no, it's ableism. I mean, I am not able to do rhythmic gymnastics. That's also true, a lot of isms in there. And so let's all be offended and we should bully and pressure the Olympics to allow me to compete. In fact, we think we should give a preemptive gold medal to Joe Biden for this rhythmic gymnastics. I mean, and if you don't, it's ableist totally and ageist, okay? Yep. So are you saying he can't do it? And also Nancy Pelosi on the women's side. It'd be a perfect pair, give him the gold right away, okay? Uh, otherwise, I'm offended, you are ageist. Like the view has become some weirdo scold. What do you mean, become? It's always been this, from day one, this is what the show was.
where they just go around like if anyone dares to challenge the powerful. That's the what it's been the whole time, retard. The ladies of the view come out and go, nah, 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 nah. shame, shame, shame. Bow your head, bow your head, and obey the powerful. Wow, what a great show. I mean, how many years ago was it when Norm Macdonald went on there and told one joke about the Clintons and they flipped? That had to be like 20 years ago. Chad, which of the powerful should it be? Oh, which whose ass should we kiss? Who's going to give us a tax break? We're all millionaires. Oh, I'm sorry, I wasn't supposed to mention that. It's just so coincidentally, they love every position that the powerful who support rich people just like them have. Huh, what a coincidence. Now, because I'm enjoying riling you up, Cenk, why don't we watch one more video? Sonny Hostin isn't in this one, but it is an MSNBC video featuring Ari Melber and Chris Hayes. Let's watch. Let's call it what it is. Uh, this is ageism snuck into a report clearing the person of any wrongdoing. If you want to get into the ageism, young people are told all the time by their lawyers, hey, you're way better off leaning into I don't recall than possibly misstating something to a federal officer. What makes it such a useful political tool for people that want Donald Trump to be elected or want him not to be reelected is that the fact of his age is not something you can rebut. Mm -hmm. He can't be, you can't tack to, if someone says you're too far left, you can tack to the center. You, you, there's no, the man is 80 years old. He rides a bike. He, he, like, but he is the age he is. And, and so it's, it's, it's a very useful political attack. It is also an accurate political attack. Yeah, I'm less offended by what Chris. I love how Matt Al was like, he rides a bike. <laughs> said, but don't give me this ageist and offensive crap, okay? That's just so not, and guys, we have eyes. Look, Chuck Schumer's a mess too, but Chuck Schumer, isn't having the same issues Pelosi and Biden are. I haven't seen him. Chuck repeat. Schumer is a president. I, no, I, my point is, I don't like Chuck Schumer either, okay? I don't like any of these corporate Democrats. And Chuck Schumer is also super old. But I don't see him having this struggling in the same way that those guys are or that Mitch McConnell is. Like they're telling you, don't believe your lying eyes. Okay? I know, it's insulting. I'm and that's exactly what you're going to tell people when uh, the primaries are over. And it's going to come down to Biden and Trump, and you're going to do what you always do, sheepdogger. You're going to tell people to vote for the Democrat. Offended at how insulting they are. And in maybe, just maybe, that will be the straw that breaks the camel's back when it comes to Anna Kasparian's employment. I doubt it, but you never know. Stranger things have happened. In regard to our own intelligence and our ability to be grounded in reality. I think they're being smartest. They're, disc they're discriminating against smart people, who, and they're also being... Uh, Visionist people who have vision, they're being uh, discriminatory against us. Did you notice Rachel Maddow going, he, he can ride a bike? He, he's good, he can ride a bike. Good we got, we're okay, we're okay. Good job. Rachel. MSNBC, job. yeah, team Democrats, Democrats, Democrats. They're all great, they're all wonderful. None of them are old, and none of them work for the donors at all, at all. They're so pure as a driven snow. They're just the most wonderful, angelic people we have ever met. Boo, Republicans, look at their donors, Koch brothers and Adelson donors. Democrats, they don't have any donors. They're angels, angels delivered to us from the skies. They can bike. They can bike. We're good. We're good. Right. Let's talk. <laughs> let's talk about. Let's talk about. I thought I did a pretty good bike there. <laughs> Do it again. Take a bike. I, Take a bike. Is that is that how you bike? Yeah. Like that. Okay. Okay. I mean, you didn't teach your kids how to ride a bike, right? No, I didn't. Okay. Good. <laughs> <laughs> Dodge the bullet on that one. <laughs> <clears throat> She's unusually pleasant for some reason. Now, ladies and gentlemen, you might recall there was a very satisfying video. I think it was last stream where David Pakman indicated that because 
Facebook and Instagram are no longer recommending political content, that his outlet is taking a hit of about 25%. Now, we have another video that is also possibly satisfying. TYT is in trouble? What happens next? Oh. <laughs> is TYT in trouble? Man. Okay. All right. Let's see. Let's see what's going on. Over 50 different digital media companies have already gone under. So in the last 12 months or so, it's been, for lack of a better word, a bloodbath. Oh, corporate media bloodbath. Oh, that's, I can't get enough of that. Oh, I'm going to rub it into my face like lotion. And so every day, I, since I'm also on the business side, I read the business stuff. And every day, 800 employees laid off, 10% of their workforce mm, laid off. Couldn't happen to a nicer group of people. 2,000 employees laid off, company goes under, another one goes under, right? So look, I'm, it's, I know it's kind of raw, but I'm gonna show you some of the things here. Let's show you a graphic about the news industry. Uh, this gives you a tiny taste of it. There's like dozens and dozens of headlines like this. This is from CNN, news industry off to a brutal 2024 start as mass layoffs devastate publishers, raising questions about the future of journalism. Well, there's no questions about the future of journalism because the, 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 the answer is already settled. The internet is your replacement and that's it. Anyone on the internet can do information, research, whatever you want to call this journalism, that's your replacement. And uh, it's a wonderful thing, it's a wonderful thing. Any person, if they want to, they can uh, use the internet to share information and they don't have overhead. They don't have any of the bullshit that you have to go through. They just press a button and that information is out there. It's a wonderful thing. It's their replacement. They're being, you know, they're trying to replace us in some ways, but uh, we are replacing them in other ways. And it is a beautiful thing to watch. So that's where we are. So in just the last couple of months, BuzzFeed News, mm. gone. <laughs> Cheddar, gone. <laughs> um, Sports <laughs> Illustrated, old school, gone. Uh, Vice World News. Yes, yes. Gone. I love uh, the tombstones. This is fantastic. Um, and that's just the last yes. two or three months. Yes, look at this, all of them. We want tombstones for all of them, including you, Cenk, and the Young Turks. We want the Young Turks tombstone to be in there as well. And by the way, we didn't put all of them. Messenger, gone. Mm. You want to go a little further back. Mike, gone. Yes. Mashable, gone. Upworthy, gone. Oh. HuffPost Live. We thought HuffPost Live was going to run us out of business. Gone. That was, <laughs> what, a decade ago. Yeah. So look, when you look at the past, you know, there's a, I'm going to keep it real. There's a little bit point of pride of all these people that had all this money, but they didn't have you guys. Well, you had a lot of money from the Katzenberg group. Uh, my theory was get people first. Worry about. No, 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 no. You took money multiple times. You took money from Qatar. You took money from Buddy Raymer. You took money from the Katzenberg group. Then when that ran out, 
and you realized that you can't get any more, that's when you turned to the audience. That's when you started doing super chats. That's when you started reading. Like, they still only read like one out of a thousand super chats. That's when you did the memberships. That's when you did all that shit. It wasn't until you had to. So now, of course, in classic Chank Uger Young Turk style, he's pretending, oh, it's been like this from the beginning, just like they did with the masks. They were like, oh, we, he, he said one time, he's like, oh, yeah, we told you the mask didn't work. Total bullshit. You were totally pro-mask. You were, you were uh, uh, encouraging your bitch horror host here, who was screeching about how she was yelling at a man in a grocery store for not wearing a mask. So the Internet's forever, fucker. So now he's like, oh, we always, yeah, we just, we had really, we knew that we had to be funded by the people. <laughs> About money later. A lot of people hate that theory, okay? And everyone else's theory is get money and then worry about how you'll get people with the money. That's, right. That is very true, actually. That is very true. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, we never got the scale of money that they got, right? What are you talking about? You got 22 million or 25 either 20 to 25 million something like that that's an insane amount of money 20 to 25 million dollars holy shit that's that's i don't even know i yeah i have no idea like how much tim pool makes i i would think that uh yeah i really yeah i have no idea i don't know where that would compare to like a tim pool um, as much as I have criticism of Tim Pool, I do believe most of his shit is funded through, through uh, super chats and memberships and th things like that. There's probably a certain level of ad revenue, but uh, I have no idea. But you never know. Maybe there's some sort of backdoor money from like uh, you know the uh, who are the who are the big money people on the right? Um, oh, who's that family? Um, the the what the hell? The, I think they they give money to Breitbart, whatever the fuck their name is. I wouldn't be surprised. You never know, because this is the thing. Tim Pool does get politicians on his show. You're not having Marjorie Taylor Greene, Thomas Massey, Matt Gates. You're not having these people on your show unless you have some sort of approval from the right people. And uh, so there's something probably going on there, but it is what it is. Whatever. Right. But we got something better, we got you guys. And so whenever we're down, you guys pick us back up. No, it's so much better, it's so much better. Because even if, let's say on any given day, I have a take on a story that the audience doesn't like, and inevitably we might lose some members as a result of that. The members who support the show give us our voice. There's no one hitting me up to tell me like, hey, hey, be cool, be cool, don't attack fossil fuels because BP is a sponsor. You know, there's no one telling me what I can and can't say. And that's freedom. Freedom to actually investigate these issues from an honest place. Well, we're going to see whether or not that's true. Uh, we'll see uh, as you continue to pivot. Uh, that's also the reason why I feel beyond comfortable in correcting my errors if I get a story wrong, because I feel- You've done it like two times. You've gotten hundreds of stories wrong. You've corrected, I don't know, two, three times. This deep commitment and responsibility to our audience. Because Bullshit. Because you guys have allowed me to live my dream. Mm. So even if we have a little bit of a tiff over disagreements on political issues or whatever it might be, I hope you guys feel that you're with family when you're watching the show because that's the way I think of you. 
and I would never betray my family. I love my family. I look out for my family. I want to protect my family, and I want to give them what they need to thrive and prosper oh in life. Oh my God, what a crock of shit. What a crock of shit. And I hope I'm doing that to you oh or for you to the best of my ability. God. Okay, if you're wondering what happened to the industry, why is it now just a graveyard and there's TYT? Well, they, they went full-blown propaganda. They went too hard on the propaganda. Trump broke their brains. And the, the, the plan to defeat Trump ultimately cost all of these outlets uh, everything. <laughs> That's fucking phenomenal. It's just phenomenal. Think about this. You go back to, I mean, depending on how far back you want to go, um... But the um, David Brock kind of battle plan, I remember Sargon uh, covered that leak. That was the first person that I saw cover it. This was probably right after Trump won. And um, a, a lot of it, of course, was about censoring us and not letting us speak. But uh, the other part was, uh, I believe, about how, like, and, and depe depending on how it was worded, what they were ultimately saying was, we have to lie. We have to flat out lie. But they would—they wouldn't say it like that. They would—they would, they would uh, talk about how, like you know, journalists uh, can't afford to be objective anymore because Trump is an extraordinary evil. So we have to make sure we're doing the right thing. That's kind of how they would phrase it. But that just meant they need to go full-blown, nonstop propaganda, nonstop lies, and that's what they all did. And and people are not interested in that. They also, because of this nonstop bullshit, even the outlets that were supposed to cover other stuff like sports, they just went full political. And no one is interested in that. Now, who, who the hell wants to... I'm not, if I'm looking at Sports Illustrated, I don't want anything political in there. Now, you know, if it was pro-Trump, I wouldn't be bothered by it. I'd go, oh, that's interesting. They got some pro-Trump stuff in there. I'd probably be like hey well oh well you know i've had to put up with your bullshit for all these years i guess it's it's your turn but ultimately i would prefer non-political places to to be there and to be not at all political um and uh, that you know so the the places that were supposed to not be political they decided to be political and they lost their audiences they also destroyed the ad the whole ad thing with the adpocalypse now i do wonder my understanding when I watch people uh, who talk about, who at least I think understand that part of the industry, the ad industry more than I do, I've heard people like that argue that even if the adpocalypse, first of all, the adpocalypse was was like an excuse for the advertisers to get a better rate because they were getting ripped off. Now I don't care that they were getting ripped off; they can kiss my ass. But I do think there's something to that. Um, a lot of the selling of ads to these companies, a lot of that was done through deception, through manipulating numbers, telling a company they would get a certain amount of views, but those weren't really real views. I think there was a lot of bullshit. I think the whole ad industry on the internet was built on a house of cards. And the adpocalypse is what helped to destroy it. And ultimately, it was a political thing that destroyed it. But I've seen people argue that eventually there would have been something to 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 kind of uh, even it out. Like, and and even I saw it on my end when I first started YouTube and I was getting an ad rate. 
I mean, the the numbers were ridiculous. I mean, they were they were so. I mean, I was happy to take it, but it was like, I was like, this is not. I immediately I was like, this is not sustainable, and I was like, I, I was like, this is not sustainable, and whoever's advertising is not getting their money's worth. They're getting fucking raped. And uh, so I was like, I better keep making videos. You know, this was during the standalone video time. And that lasted, I don't know, a year or something. Um, and then the apocalypse happened. But it probably would have happened eventually. But even still, they it, maybe, maybe those people are wrong. Maybe it wouldn't have happened. But that's just an example of they didn't want to compete as far as the political people. They didn't want to compete on an even playing field. They decided to cheat, and how did they cheat? They went after advertisers. They tried to fuck with people's rice bowls. They tried to destroy the, for example, Breitbart being able to advertise. Ultimately, what we're seeing now in 2024 is that these strategies have completely backfired. They've caused a lot of damage, make no mistake. And they've caused people to go out of business, but they've ultimately enveloped them. They've Frankly, they've been hoisted on their own petard. That's really what this is. This is the corporate media being hoisted on their own petard. Democrats hoisted on their own petard. That's fucking phenomenal. That's very satisfying. That's really, that's fantastic. Just a couple of companies left, right? And, and I don't even know if they survive this storm. Um, I'm going to tell you all about that in a second, okay? I'm going to tell you the meteor storm that we're in and the business side of, of what's going on. But first, to Anna's point about how she won't hold back and she cares about you guys and is passionate, etc. This is maybe our most successful clip of all time. And ironically, by the way, this is so fitting. I hadn't even thought of this until I was just. Yeah, the most successful clip of all time is Anna being a bitch. About to say it. It's not even our clip. It was taken from the show, but one of our viewers took it from the show and put it up on TikTok. And last I checked, which is like, I don't know, six months ago, a year ago, it had already gotten 60 million views. And then it just, everybody started doing their own version of this clip. Right. Mm -hmm. And then, and there was a really cool moment where it would get hot in Brazil and then die down. Then it would get hot in Mexico mm -hmm. and die down, hot in Germany. It's amazing. Yes. So this is Anna at her best. Watch. I don't care if you're Christian. In fact, I will fight for you to have your religious liberty and practice your Christianity. I believe in that. I don't believe in Christianity, which means that you do not get to dictate the way I live my life based on your religion. I don't care what the Bible says. You have every right in the world. All those women who identify with your religion have every right in the world to not get an abortion, to not take birth control, but they do not have the right to dictate my life and what I decide to do with my body. I don't care about your goddamn religion. I'm so tired of having nonstop conversations about what the Bible says you live your life. When were you having non nonstop conversations about what the Bible says? In the whole argument is total bullshit. The way that you interpret the Bible, again, I don't care, but you don't get to take the Bible and tell me, well, the Bible says this in this chapter and this verse. I don't care. I don't. Who's care. really doing that though? I don't believe in it. And I have the. This is the straw man that the abortion people are all Christians and they're only anti abortion because of the Bible. I call bullshit on that argument. Based on our constitution, to not believe in it. Love it. Can't get enough of it. You have any idea how? Well, 
literally sacrilegious that would be in mainstream media, you would get taken off the air so quick. That is, oh, you are going to offend our religious viewers and the most important viewers of all, Christian viewers. So you cannot do that. And I get it, country's majority Christian, mm -hmm. right? And so, but I love that there's, that we provided an outlet or you guys provided an outlet where we could say that. And people across the world go, yeah, of course, have your religion, we'll have you protect your, we're progressives, we're for justice for everyone. No, so of course we'll protect your right to have that religion. But I'm sorry, no, brothers and sisters, that doesn't get to rule our lives. That's not how freedom works. No one's arguing for anything to rule your life. You're totally projecting. Works, and that's not how democracy works. So, uh, TYT in trouble? I don't know. We'll see. That's uh, that sounds great. That sounds great. Um, Tucker Carlson says he despises Ben Shapiro. Good, good. I like that. You know, I've got four draft age children. So if you're playing recklessly fast and loose with their lives, then I have a right to despise you, and I do. So if you're Nikki Haley who's running for president or Ben Shapiro or half the people I see on television casually mentioning the possibility of nuclear war or sending Americans to fight in the Middle East or in any way involving us in a war that has nothing to do with prosperity and peace at home, nothing in other words to do with us Americans, then I have a right to call you out and be really offended because it's my family. There you have it, Tucker Carlson very clearly stating that he despises conservatives like Nikki Haley, a notable neocon, and Ben Shapiro, also a neocon. I, look, I, I'm gonna pause and ask you for comment immediately, mm -hmm. John, because I don't know what to make of this, right? I, I acknowledge that there are people who I overwhelmingly disagree with on the on an overwhelmingly number, uh, an overwhelming number of topics, okay? Mm -hmm. And Tucker Carlson happens to be one of them. But one of the things that he's been pretty consistent on is this anti-war narrative. And at first I thought it was just a ploy, an attempt to appear more populist, to grow his audience numbers, or maybe potentially run as president in the future. Mm -hmm. But I'm starting to think he really means it. And I agree with him, not as much on, on Ukraine. I do think that we had made a commitment to Ukraine and we should keep that. Bro, how much money do we need to give Ukraine? Let's let's say I accept this, we made a commitment. How much fucking money do we need to get? Like, when is it enough? When is it over? What, are you kidding me? Commitment. I think there needs to be a lot more accountability and oversight in regard to how they spend the money, the military funds that we- And by the way, it, uh, uh, isn't it? What has to happen? I mean, isn't there a threshold that could be met where the deal's off? I would argue if you killed Coach Red Pill, the deal's off. Not because Coach Red Pill, I know there's people that didn't like him. I, I mean, I wasn't like a Coach Red Pill fan, but I think I understood Coach Red Pill. He was deliberately provocative. And it's like, you know, it kind of, it was like, reminded me kind of a, like a, like a Cernovich. Cernovich is like deliberately provocative. Um, you know, they both were similar. They've, they they had bad takes. You know, Cernovich has some bad takes. Uh, Coach Red Bell has some bad bad takes. But um, but ultimately, he was an American citizen. And he got killed because he had the wrong opinion about uh, the war. Now, granted, you could say he should have gotten the fuck out of there. Absolutely. I don't know why he was there. I don't know what the hell he was thinking. It's, you know, it was, it was a bad move. I do, you know, it was a bad move to stay there. But, you know, they killed him. And that's fucked up. 
Um, I would think that if we're giving you a bunch of money and you killed one of our citizens because you didn't like his opinion, deporting him, it would have been fine. If Ukraine would have deported him, I would have said, oh, that makes sense. I would, have, I would have had no problem. I wouldn't have argued they should have kept him. If Ukraine just deported him back to America, I would have said, okay, that, that makes sense. You're talking shit. Look, I don't have a problem with Ukrainians being pro-Ukraine and pro-Ukraine soldiers. I got no problem with that. It makes sense to me. You know, I'm just saying I don't owe you anything. And just like you don't owe me anything. I don't expect you to care about our America shit. We, all, we got our problems. You got your problems. We got our problems. We're both run by evil people. Um, Ukraine and America are run by some of the most evil motherfuckers on earth. And what makes them, in my opinion, worse than a lot of these other evil people is they virtue signal and pretend that they're not evil. They virtue signal and they pretend that they're special and virtuous and wonderful. It's so insane. It's totally insane. It makes it, they're just, they're just more annoying. You know, you get like a Putin. He's, he doesn't have that annoying virtue signal. He almost is like funny. He like has he'll say shit with like a smirk on his face. A little Trumpian, more more laid back than Trump, but but kind of you know. Anyway, um, but yeah, the deal's off. If you kill an American citizen, the deal's off. But uh, you know, you're allowed. Joe Biden likes uh, mouthy Americans who are critics of the regime. Uh, he likes people like that being killed provide for them. Um, I'm not supportive of of sending Israel more money at all. And mm -hmm. he seems to be in that camp as well, which was kind of shocking and surprising. He's less vociferous I mean, He's on talking Israel. more about American boots on the ground in Gaza or something. True, but- bear, uh, Like bear in mind that like all of the Republicans who posture as being anti-war, which only means not American nation building. It does not mean that our military budget would ever shrink even mm -hmm. slightly. It doesn't mean that we wouldn't have military bases in like 170 different countries. I know, I know. But so again, you're straw manning. There's plenty of people that don't think we should have troops in other countries. We're not only funding our military, John, mm -hmm. we're funding other militaries. Yeah, 100%, which by the way, look, if all we care about is his policy stance directly on America, then I still would attack him in a variety of ways. But when he is posturing as- because you're a homosexual. As it's about kids and how dare you throw away kid. He's perfectly fine with Russia literally just trampling Ukraine into the ground. No, he isn't. That's murdering. Totally made up. He is not okay with murdering. You're completely making that up. Tens, He's saying that Russia, quote unquote, murdering is not our problem. Hundreds of thousands no, no. of civilians. So to act as if it's like every life must be saved. No, no, like, no. It's on, about so his fake. kids. He was pretty clear. It's about yeah. my well, kids. Well, look, I yeah. certainly buy that yeah. he cares about his kids and he will only gradually expand the circle of his compassion very slightly for people who share demographic characteristics with him. I do buy that. Mm -hmm. Well, that's what's called completely normal. Uh, that's, uh, you see, the, the difference is you pretend that you, you're not that way, but you are. That's the difference. That's the difference, the pretending and the virtue signaling. <clears throat> Frankly, liberals are, are most of the time, other than you get that kooky, kooky liberal that's like inviting migrants into her house, there is that small subsection of, of completely clueless liberals. But most of them, uh, they virtue signal about all these things, but they, they will not do a goddamn thing to help. Uh, they don't want it in their neighborhood. They want other people to do it. And uh, but they pretend that, oh, I'm the one that cares about people.
But even then, okay, so he's angry at someone who would theoretically send his, again, the hypothetical is ridiculous. The it idea is, it is ridiculous. that they're gonna- How is the hypothetical ridiculous? Who do you think gets sent to war when there's a war? People's kids, what is wrong with you? Drafted, and it's gonna be a nuclear war, and whatever I need to add to this equation so I look morally superior. But he's also fine with absolutely trashing our climate. His kids need- uh, Again, climate change is a complete hoax. So now his words are not valid because of your made-up religious uh, beliefs? To live on. Climate change is about as real as Jehovah's Witness Armageddon. And that shit's not real at all. Earth, his grandkids need to live on Earth. Where's your compassion for future generations in that? Even if I were to subscribe a percentage chance of a Christianity, a Christian ending of the world. Because a lot of the, well not necessarily end of the world. Christianity has an end part of the story that we haven't hit yet even if i were to grant you a percentage chance of one of them being real i guarantee you it's not going to be jehovah's witness armageddon i fucking guarantee that even if i pres prescribe some sort of percentage chance on uh, you know jesus returning it's not going to be it's not going to be Jehovah's Jesus with the Armageddon. That, you know, even if you believe in Armageddon from the Bible, it ain't going to be Jehovah's Witness Armageddon. I guarantee you that. Tucker Carlson. Meanwhile, he's doing everything he can with his platform to make sure, make sure that people don't believe the climate science. Yeah, and also, I, by the way, on Ben Shapiro, I don't, I don't follow a lot of Ben Shapiro. Ben Shapiro says he's not advocating for either of those things. He says he's never. Yeah, but but if you look at his analysis, he's clearly lying. Suggested that we he's should. He's a total uh, a uniparty shill, Ben Shapiro. Have American boots on the ground in Gaza, and that he's. I don't even know what the reference to Middle East violence is, but like Ben Shapiro can be wrong on a lot of stuff. That doesn't mean he's taken the positions that Tucker Carlson asserts that he has. Yeah, and look, to be fair, I haven't seen anything from Ben Shapiro indicating that he would want boots on the ground in Gaza or in Ukraine. So you're right about that. But he has been, I mean, listen, he's incredibly supportive of anything Israel wants to do. Sure. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, he loves uh, the unwavering support that the US government has provided for Israel. Uh, and we continue to send billions of dollars to Israel, even as they're carrying out war crimes in Gaza. Ben Shapiro has co-signed that, he's mm -hmm. in favor of that. Uh, same with Ukraine, I remember the last time I had a conversation with Ben Shapiro on his show as part of his Sunday special, um, he made it abundantly clear that he is 1000% supportive of uh, US uh, military aid going to Ukraine. Uh, he thinks it's a smart thing to do. So these are the issues that kind of lead to this division within the Republican umbrella that I think is really fascinating. And it's been growing in recent months and I'm curious to see how it plays out. But Shapiro did respond to Tucker Carlson. Mm -hmm. And there's like some confusion about the timing of that interview with Tucker Carlson. When did it actually take place? Why was it recently released? So um, ex-user Ron Flipkowski is the person who had posted that snippet of Tucker Carlson's interview with Russell Brand, where he said that he despised people like Nikki Haley and Ben Shapiro. Ben Shapiro responded to it, saying that Tucker is simply lying about my positions. I've been calling for a negotiated end to the Ukraine war, freezing the line, lines of conflict since early on in the war. When Russia had taken a significant portion of Ukrainian territory. He's saying he wants to give a significant portion of Ukraine to Russia. I don't- Well, well again, again. Is it worth going to war with Russia 
over that piece of land because they're going to take it. So you can. So you your option is to let them take it or go to war with them. So if you if you want to go to war with them, just fucking say it and be honest. I don't think we should go to war uh, it, with Russia over that little piece of land. Now I understand why Ukrainians want to go to war on it. It's their shit. No problem. I got no problem with that. But th- that we need to go to war on your behalf. You're asking a bit too much. You're just uh, that's unre- that's that's an unreasonable ask. Although unfortunately, the people that run our government are happy to do it. Don't even think. I don't believe him on that because I spoke to him in October of not last year, but the year before that. He wasn't advocating for that. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, but let me That's continue. What now. Um, I have never called for American boots on the ground. That is true in Ukraine. Ever. I have never called for American boots to defend Israel. Ever. I've invited Tucker to sit down multiple times over the past few weeks to clear the air and discuss our differences. He said he's willing, but his team has told so us. So this will pro- this will probably happen. That he's busy for months because of all of his foreign travel. That offer remains open. Hey, go easy on Tucker. There's a lot of dictators that he's got to help whitewash and do propaganda for. So, I just, I just want to say, I, I think that that was a mature response by Shapiro. Um, I give him credit for that. He didn't roll around in the mud as others often do when these kinds of conflicts arise. And look, I disagree with both of them on a lot of different things on this issue. I don't want to support Israel with more military funding if they're going to continue their aerial bombardment and complete flattening of the Gaza Strip. Yeah. Um, so I. Well, they got to build their amusement park. Come on, Anna. Yes, I side. Our a little parents m- want an amusement park. More on. At least on, according to some people. In Tucker's direction on on this issue, but again, I don't really know what's in the heart and mind of Tucker Carlson because we're so deeply divided on everything else. We might have millions of people watching this show, but you show can be. Anything in his heart. Uh, ben Shapiro said that he lied about him. And if he lied about him, do you know why Tucker Carlson lied about Ben Shapiro? Why? Because he's a massive liar. Mm. He's a massive to uh, his core. Amazing analysis. Or liar about You his lie all the time, homo. Supposed most foundational principles. And it. So do you. Your most foundational principle is that you are, in fact, a homosexual and you pretend that you're not. Only bothers Ben Shapiro now yeah. because he's telling a this lie. This is why you're so animated about a person lying about his core beliefs. Because you know that you are lying about one of your core beliefs. Just like David Pack. About him. Did Ben Shapiro do critical commentary when it was, re- was it revealed via Tucker's uh, own uh, uh, text messages? That he'd been just lying about liking Donald Trump and supporting Donald Trump and the MAGA movement, that he thinks it's a force for destruction. He looks, was desperately hoping that Donald Trump would no longer be a political figure. He just lied to his audience about that, about, about election integrity, about the January 6th and all that. Just lied and lied and lied for years. Benjamin never had a problem with it. Yeah. And his only problem is the current lie. He wants to have Tucker Carlson on so they can have a nice conversation about politics and everything, as if Tucker Carlson has not been repeatedly outed as a massive propagandist and liar. You're a massive propagandist and liar. So I guess I'm on his side in terms of this lie, but it's super opportunistic, his defense of him. He still is perfectly fine with Tucker Carlson have some, having some sort of credibility as if he's a serious political actor whose <laughs> words match anything that he truly believes. And he isn't just a guy who's desperately chasing an audience uh, like basically t- uh, throughout his career, changing his positions as the political winds have changed. Well, making the story a little more complicated is the timing of that interview with Tucker Carlson and Russell Brand. So um, even though uh, 
Philip uh, Philipkowski uh, posted this just recently. Uh, the episode itself was apparently published February 1st, which wasn't that long ago, right? It's the 14th, it's Valentine's Day. But according to the Daily Wire co-founders and CEO Jeremy Boring, Tucker's team says this conversation with Russell was recorded last year, long before Ben invited Tucker to discuss their differences in person on January 2nd. I'll take them at their word, but that's just all the more reason Tucker needs to sit down with Ben ASAP instead of shadow boxing a caricature of Ben Shapiro he made up in his own head. So. Yeah, again, why are you taking them at the word? They're massive liars. That's the take. Uh, we'll see how this plays out, but this isn't the first time I've seen conflict brewing between mm -hmm. Tucker Carlson and Ben Shapiro. Tucker Carlson's been taking some jabs at Shapiro on his show, and I think it's getting getting to a point where Shapiro feels that he needs to mm -hmm. respond. And I think he wants to have that conversation to kind of bring the temperature down. I don't know if I it's think he wants work. to have the conversation because he thinks it'll get a lot of views. I think that that's Maybe, all, yeah. that all of politics is for these people. Um, really fast, do you know why? At least my theory for why he's taking all these shots at Ben Shapiro now. Why? Because now Ben, you know what's funny? Uh, John just said it's all you know. It's all about the views. Do you remember <clears throat> when the soft gentleman? Uh, I won't say was alive because he still might be alive. I, I haven't heard from him though. Again, his YouTube deleted his channel. He's been despondent ever since. Anyway, um, do you remember the the guy from Rebel HQ? Uh, he uh, he looked like he needed to just brush his teeth. Remember that dude, black dude, who just looked like that motherfucker needed to brush his goddamn teeth. Remember that guy? Okay, well, he made a video a few months ago. He's not with uh, TYT anymore. He made a video talking about what it was like. And apparently, it's all about the views. He was saying that they would have meetings, I think either every day or once a week. And they would look at your metrics and how many views your videos got. And that's all that mattered. Now, by the way, people can run their uh, outlet the way that they want to. And it is reasonable to make sure that your commentators are are getting somewhat of a, of a reasonable amount of views. I have no problem with that. The hypocrisy is what, what I have a problem with. Um, because that is what Damage Report is all about. Because Damage Report, similar to Rebel HQ, is is a TYT network channel. And um, they apparently they're very harsh and demanding, according to this guy, when it comes to views. And also the video he made, he wasn't really talking shit about TYT. He had his disagreements, but it seemed like it was like a high road video. I was a little surprised. He kind of went high road on it. Um, and uh, definitely was huffing his own farts. The guy definitely huffs his own farts. But um, but it was an interesting insight into how it works at TYT. So it's just funny that John says, oh, with these people, it's all about views. Meanwhile, I know, based on what this guy was saying, the types of meetings they have. And it's it's all about the views at TYT. Shapiro's his competition. He yeah. used to be on TV. He's not on TV anymore. Now he's just got an internet show. He's we trying to... Okay, he has probably four times the audience that he did on Fox News, and I'm being conservative. Take Ben's audience. That's all. They're just going to fight. He has more views than... The Daily Wire is a lot of fucking reach, but I think Tucker Carlson beats them. Squabble over... Especially this Putin interview. A little audience. That's but what they're going to do. Look, 
I, that could be true. I don't know for sure, but it could be true. And I've definitely seen that happen quite a bit on the left. So why wouldn't it happen on the right? Of course it could happen on the right. But Candace Owens, same thing with the feud. Sure, yes. But the, there is, okay, ignore the big name media personalities, okay? And focus on the electorate, focus on the voters in the Republican Party. You have to acknowledge that there's been a growing divide between the neocon wing, which luckily is shrinking, <laughs> but the downside of the neocon wing shrinking is you have the MAGA wing of the Republican Party, which I think is a little bit better on foreign policy related matters, not better on other issues. I'm Look, I definitely think that there is that divide. I just don't think that that divide is what they would say it is. Mm -hmm. It's something, it's just not that. Marjorie Green would imply that she's anti-intervention, but she literally wants to invade Mexico. You're anti-war, but again, you're perfectly happy with Russia taking over Eastern Europe. Are you anti-war or are you just fine as- Again, so let me get this straight. If you don't wanna to go to war with Russia, you're not anti-war because you won't go to war with them, stopping them from taking parts of Ukraine. You're a lunatic. As long as we're not involved in it. You're perfectly fine with our weapons. Yes, what the fuck do you think that means? What are you gonna be? You can't be the world police. If other people go to war, they go to war. That's how it goes, idiots. And our training being used to prosecute wars in Yemen and other places. Mm -hmm. Like, and you're perfectly happy for our military budgets. There's to plenty of people against what's going on in Yemen. Continue to grow. You just like more of our soldiers, I guess, to be stateside as we waste an ever increasing okay, percentage. So again, you're just assigning them arguments they've never made. Of our budget on military Very defense. Very faggy. So some of those things are kind of better. Yeah. But they're nothing like the left's position on any of this. No, I wouldn't make the mistake of thinking that. Well, uh, the left that actually is really good on the anti-war stuff, you call them white supremacists. You you talk shit about them, the Jimmy Doors of the world. Uh, but on a very surface level. And they were, uh, I think they were, oh no, no, Sam Cedar was talking shit about Grey Zone. I think that there could be a potential coalition among some isolationists and peace-loving left-wingers. Maybe. For right now, they're both gonna support Donald Trump, who kept us in the same wars that we were in when he became president as, as we were in when he left. But you know, Russia didn't invade Ukraine when he was president. Think about it. That's, well, that's true. True. You can laugh about that all you want, horror, but it is true. <laughs> You're right, I'm MAGA now. Get me my red hat. <laughs> all right, let me uh, read some of these super chats. We're taking them through Streamlabs. Link in the description on Rumble and also in the chat on uh, YouTube. We're also taking them through Entropy. And we're also taking uh, Rumble Rants on Rumble. Also, on the bottom left of the screen, you'll see that there is a... Uh, goal, we are a little more than halfway there. And the goal is related to the fact that YouTube deleted the Soft Gentleman's channel and with it, the Soft Gentleman's Bathhouse, which was a membership option. And that um, that was about 25% uh, of our monthly uh, income. So we're trying to get that back. And if you want to help us with that, you can go to Subscribestar, subscribestar.com slash hard dash bastard, link in the YouTube chat and also uh, in the description on rumble uh, or you can click the red subscribe button on rumble and apparently uh, from what i understand rumble does not take any percentage out of that um i don't think subscribe star takes a ton but uh, rumble apparently takes none for the next year so good for rumble for doing that also you can download speaking of my homosexual democrat brother you can download the guide that he wrote he wrote a guide on how to be a virtuous liberal uh and that's called what a bigot would say 
and uh, that's in the description on Rumble. It's probably the fifth or so link down, so you can download that for free via PDF. Uh, also, I wrote a guide on propaganda tactics that are used in the corporate media. Uh, that is called What a Liar Would Say. That you can also download for free as well. Also, we have a new show that I think we're four episodes in. Three episodes in? Four episodes in. Three. I think three. No, no, no. Today's Thursday, four. So it's called the Hard R Hour. You can get an archive of that uh, on BitChute, bitchute.com slash hardbastard. You can get an archive of that also on pill.net and on Rumble. Um, I shoot for 7.30 p.m. Eastern, although the um, the rendering takes sometimes takes, well, actually most of the time takes a while. But uh, we try to do it by 7.30, but sometimes it's 8.30, you know, or so. But generally, in the evening on Monday and Wednesdays is when that show uh, debuts. Uh, also, there's clips on my uh, Twitter account. That's at hard underscore bastard. Also, feel free, if you are looking for a way to help the channel that is free of any cost, feel free to share any of the clips on Twitter. Um, you can share those uh, wherever you want to. Uh, feel free. I mean, you can clip stuff. Uh, you know, if, if you see things that you like and you want to clip that on your own, feel free to do that as well. But yeah, any sharing uh, on the internet is appreciated. All right, so let's go here in Streamlabs. Cobra says, check your Amazon account. Maybe the trunk of Chinese whores you ordered was accidentally delivered to the upstairs Nigar's apartment. P.S. I missed you this Valentine's Day. Yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad because you're a uh, dick-biting cobra. And obviously, I don't want any sort of dick-biting uh, of any kind. Um, so, yeah, that's very possible. Man, that, that really did sound like a woman screaming. <laughs> it's crazy. You can hear when people use hot water. And it, a couple weeks ago, it was funny. I, I heard someone using the water, and I normally don't even pay attention. But then I realized, I was like... That water's been running for like an hour. And then I just started thinking to myself, I'm like, well, you know, maybe someone, like, it's not my business, I don't care. But then I, I thought to myself, I'm like, maybe they died with the water on. And then I was like, well, that's a problem. Because, you know, you die with the water on. Well, I guess it depends. If it's through an open drain, you're fine. But maybe, you know, if it was a closed drain, and I'm like thinking, I'm like, oh, I hope there's not flooding. And then more time passed, and I'm like, man, this water's been on for so long. And I'm like, oh, well, whatever. It's their water. They can do what they want. And then eventually, I think after like two hours, they turned it off. And I was like, I was like, all right, well, glad they're not dead. I don't really, I, I don't care. I don't care. The whole thing about the environment and climate change is bullshit. But I was for a minute concerned that someone had died with the water on. And, uh, you know, then that would have that sucked. But no, it's fine. Everything's fine. Uh, all right. Silky Johnson says, HB, everyone knows that the based Florida man was only doing a public service. Too much paint on a road reduces the potential traction of tires when the road is wet. Faggots painting it want people to die in fiery car crashes. Give that man a medal. Yeah, I think it's a medal. I don't think it's a statue worthy act, but a medal. Yes, based. We should have based medals. Uh, we should have base medals that are issued to people for doing based acts. And uh, that gentleman did a based act. He's had enough of the, of the homosexual rigmarole. And uh, so he screeched his tires on a uh, homosexual piece of road. And uh, the fact that I even have to utter the words uh, uh, homosexual piece of road. I mean, it's, it's just, there should just be no such thing. That's crazy. It's completely crazy. 
Silky Johnson says, HB pedophile Biden absolutely deserves to be buried under a jail for threatening to release criminal Zurich subhuman filth. However, every person in D.C. not trying to stop it also deserves life in prison or to be treated the way traitors deserve to be. Yeah, I would love to see prison. All I'm calling for is prison for people who deserve it. That's it. I'm not calling for any single person who doesn't deserve it to go to jail. That would be unjust. But the people sabotaging the country on purpose, they have to go to jail. They probably won't, but they should. Silky also says, I never once felt like I had an identity with a video game character. I mean, sure, sometimes I wish I was one uh, like to shoot fireballs or fly in space fighting space apes or banging a hooker to get my health back to 100 and then kill her and get my money back. That's it. Yeah, it's like they have it in the complete inverse. Yeah, as a kid, I would always think about, you know, like what it would be like to be Mario, you know, jumping over barrels or... uh, Oh, what was that game? It was a laser disc game, not Dragon's Lair. I, of course, I would always want to be Dirk the Daring. I used to jump around my my uh, living room and make the you know the beep noise whenever in Dragon's Lair you move Dirk the Daring. I, you know, I would do. I, I was obsessed with that game when I was a kid. It was the craziest thing I had ever seen. So I think I was six. Okay, it came out when I was six, and I remember there was this fish store, and and. Uh, uh, I don't, it's not, I'm, I'm sure it's not still there. There used to be this, uh, near where my grandparents live, on my dad's side, there used to be this insane aquarium store. And uh, so we would go there. And back in the 80s, stores had arcades in them. That was like one of the few benefits of the 80s. I was not a fan of the 80s. I'm not saying everything about the 80s sucked. I, I'm of the view that they were overrated. Although, I would argue if I was a teenager in the 80s, it probably would have been what I consider the best decade. So I think really it comes down to what your life was like during the time. But one of the positives, one of the things that that, that was fantastic were the arcades. So yeah, at the fish store, they had arcades. And I remember when Dragon's Lair was at the store, I, I was like blown away. First of all, I was kind of scared of it. I was six. I was like a little bit afraid because, you know, he would turn into a skeleton when he died. And I was like, oh, my God. I was obsessed with it. And then I was blown away that it cost 50 cents. I'm like, 50 cents? That's insane. 50 cents for a game? And uh, But, that yeah, that game was crazy. Anyway, I don't know. Uh, where was I going with this? Uh, oh, yeah. So, yeah, I would I would want to pretend to be what I saw in the game. The homosexuals in that article we were reading, they have it in the reverse as if they themselves, as, let's be real, boring homosexuals. The average person, like, I'm a boring Italian or whatever you want to categorize. I, what, what, like, I, I would, if you made a video game about my life, it would be uninteresting. That would not be interesting. Um, just like if you made a video game about these boring homosexuals, what the hell would that be like? I'm not interested in that. That, that would suck. You know, what are you going to do? You, you, like, wake up, dilate, you know, eat shit food, and then play video games? And it would not be, you know, what would it be like an aid simulator, a leftist aid simulator? Who the fuck wants to play that game? So they, But they demand that the games be made about them. That's crazy. It's the reverse. It's whatever you come up with. You know, Mario, Dark the Daring, or the guy that flew that plane. That was another Laserdisc game. It, the, the, it was crazy. It was... Uh, what the hell was the name of that game? I think 
I remember the guy on the on you know like the arcade banner or whatever. He had like a cowboy hat, but it was a space game. And I remember it was very realistic. The the uh, the spaceship you flew was clearly like you know like pixelated graphics, but you were flying over like scenes, what seemed to be like scenes from a TV show. That game was the shit. I forget the name of it. There was also the helicopter game. That game was the shit. That was uh, oh, I gotta find the name names of these games. They were fantastic. Anyway, what are you gonna do? Because you know, up until that, that time, all you had was like you know Pac-Man and Donkey Kong, and those they, they were fun. They were great games, but the Laserdisc games were next level, absolutely next level. I remember I've been looking for this 60 minutes clip, that, and I can't find it. And part of it is because it's impossible to find shit on YouTube now. It's total AIDS. I remember there was a 60 Minutes episode concerned about Dragon's Lair and, and how, like, violent video games are going to cause kids. And I, I don't know if they tied in D&D to it. They might have. But I remember. It was, like a, it was like a big deal. Like, people were like, oh, this game, this is too much for the kids. Hilarious. Absolutely hilarious. Um, it's not even a violent game. But it was intense if you're six. All right, let's see here. Dave says, I just watched the full video where Amber was supposed to have snorted the coke. I don't buy it. I think she's trying to play up her supposed distress for sympathy with the fake tears and the sniffy nose. So so your argument is the, the what I am perceiving as a bump was more of like a fake tears. You're like kind of wiping away your fake tears thing. Maybe. It just looks so much like a bump. It's pop Look, here's the thing. To the people who think that she wasn't snorting coke, what they have in their favor as an argument is there's no coke residue that I'm aware of. That would have been case closed. If there was like a little bit of powder on her nose, then that would have been it. There's nothing like that. Now, it could be that she's very skilled at taking bumps, um, but also very ballsy. It's really, it's interesting because she's crazy, and I think she's crazy enough to do it. But there is not direct evidence of a bump. There's what looks like a bump, but we don't know what's on the other side of the finger. Could be nothing. Could be cocaine. <clears throat> I think we'll never know. It's pretty funny, though. The internet was uh, hilarious about that. Um, Big Chris says, uh, It is our patriotic duty to obey our parents and accept, embrace with open arms these illegal immigrants. Our country's future depends on it. Yeah, that was basically the gist of the Chris Hayes segment. That this is a wonderful gift that we should be thankful for. <laughs> That's amazing. Michelle Kincaid says, Okay, so now we just need someone to dig up dirt on the creepy back-to-the-future-looking judge in New York City. He looks like he has skeletons in the closet, like actual skeletons, and skulls. Teeth, hair, photos, memorabilia. No way that guy's clean. Oh, Angeron. Yeah, uh, Angeron. I bet you... First of all, no normal person would that looks like him would take shirtless pictures and put them in a newsletter that he gave to like legal people. Like that was crazy. That was crazy. Yeah, I'm sure Engeron's got all sorts of shit. Very creepy things. Um Michelle says uh they were trying to make that suck-ass border bill, another, the economy isn't as bad as it was, fill in the blank, and crime has gone down. Basically, Biden completely blew the, out the border, and then if the bill passed, it would be, see, crossings are down. Yeah, the bill allows them, one of the things that allows them to do is to um, 
reduce the number of illegals coming in by just lying and being like, well, they're legal. Oh, they just claimed asylum. And they do that already. Oh, they claimed asylum. Well, they're legal now. It, it's, it's absolutely crazy. Silky Johnson says, uh, HB, why do people listen to the kikes? Again, I'm quoting. You'd think after they were kicked out of over 109 places, people would get the hint that they're assholes and maybe don't know what they're talking about. I'm sick of hearing about the Holocaust. To excuse being a twat? Well, that, that is something used a lot, I will say, especially Mayorkas. Mayorkas is uh, horrible. Uh, and uh, anytime someone brings up how shitty of a job he's doing, he brings up the Holocaust, which has nothing to do with the job he's doing. It's not good. He's not helping his people. All right, let me uh, check entropy real quick. All right, and I think there was... Uh, I think Red Cap Goblin had one in Rumble. I think it was about YouTube. Yeah, I forgot to press the uh, YouTube button. Thank you, Red Cap Goblin. Um, Red Cap Goblin says, Yo, HB, we got spam bots, wrench. So I don't have mods, but... Uh, Oh yeah, the gym guy's back. All right, let's. Uh, I will. Oh wow, look at this. Yes, the gym guy is back. That's that. All right, I will have to. Uh, I can do that on my end on the phone. So I thought they were they were gone. It looks like they're back. God damn it! All right, thanks for letting me know. Two Supernova One says yet another example of the transition from the it's not happening to it's happening and and it's a good thing. That segment on the illegal migrants boosting the economy was a new level of, of absurdity. Yeah, so that's the uh, uh, no evidence at all evolving into it's a good thing. That, that's, that was the first whiteboard video uh, tactic. So, yeah, that's, you saw it in action. That's a good point. Um, yeah, for years and years, oh, this isn't happening. The border's fine. There's no caravan. How dare you bring that up? And now it's, well, it's a good thing. This is great. It's a gift. It's a gift. Cooper sees the truth, says, Hey, Keek and Hook knows Anna. How exactly would tighter background checks and more red flag laws do anything to help, quote-unquote, gun violence when there are Soros DAs who literally vow to stop charging people when they break the law and not enforce 90% of the laws? Yeah, it's crazy. It, it, it's just that no matter what happens, they want to blame law-abiding citizens, law-abiding gun owners, while simultaneously employing policies and advocating for policies that make the the problem way worse it's it's crazy but that's the democrat way regurgitating rhinoceros says hb not sure if you covered it but uh, in killer city a gunman opened up on the chief's parade 22 were injured immediately afterwards leftists were trying to use it for more gun control yeah so um i briefly yeah there was an article about it um so it looks like it was uh, a bunch of quote-unquote teenagers. And so um, they did cover it a little bit, though, yeah, as, as an anti-Second Amendment narrative. Um, oh, and TYT had a video on it, uh, too. So there was some coverage, <clears throat> but it will probably uh, eventually get uh, memory hold. All right, let's see here. Next one, this is... Uh, oh, so... TYT is having some financial difficulties, which is which I think is one of the reasons Chank had this fake grift campaign. Well, now apparently, um, Chank Uger releases a powerful campaign ad. <laughs> this is ridiculous. 
Joining us now is Jenk Uger. Oh, who is, and now uh, still Anna running in the Democratic primary. And now Anna has to do this fake interview thing, uh, pretending that her boss doesn't own the outlet for 16 minutes. Mary, uh, for president, and Jenk, uh, how you doing? Okay, pretty good, pretty good. <laughs> oh, okay. I hear you guys have an anniversary today. Do we? <laughs> TYT. Oh my God. Yes, yes today is no. the 22nd anniversary of the Young Turks. Yeah, I'm yeah. kidding around. Uh, happy anniversary to the TYT audience. Yeah. Happy Valentine's Day. Yeah, things are great. We got a new ad. You have one ad. We have one ad. Your one and only ad. Well, let's see. We Maybe we'll have a second one, depending on how this one goes. Maybe. Maybe. All right, okay. so do you want to uh, preface it with anything? Yeah, so this is our ex exclusively, you guys are getting in here first. Um, so and I, ABC asked, I said, no way. I'm doing it on the Young Turks. Uh, so seriously, guys, it's about. Well, retard, where else would you do it? Where where are you really putting this ad? This is total bullshit. You, you, you raise all this money, you give it to the, uh, the lunatic tranny with the tranny pack, and then you do a low budget commercial, and then you keep the rest of the money. Well, you know what, I don't wanna give it away. I really do wanna, it's so, Curious about your genuine reaction. Then I, I will have a reaction for like what we can do with it afterwards. But you want to run it? Sure, let's do it. All right. We get all the sandwich stuff for the kids' lunch. They don't like turkey anymore. Yeah, I know. What about the bananas? Yeah, I got them too. But honey, what? So you, it looks like you got AIDS Dave Smith to do this. You're gonna have to put those eggs back. They don't like eggs anymore. No, they like eggs. But we have to set that $7 aside for killing Palestinians. What? I mean, <laughs> don't we give Israel $4 billion a year anyways? Yeah, and now we're giving them another. Oh, you know, Chank, I got to tell you, Chank's hubris is completely insane, almost unmatched. And I think that he thinks he's untouchable. Uh, and I got to tell you, he's poking our parents in the eye, and he's not untouchable. And we might very well see Cenk Uger get some sort of consequences because he's criticizing Israel. He's really one of the only people that I've seen criticize Israel and never have any consequences. And I think it's because they just don't, they're not really paying attention. But I'm telling you, this is, there's no way, if a conservative made an ad like this, he would call it anti-Semitic and he would call them a racist. 14 billion dollars do you know how much that is per american taxpayer no it's like 85 dollars per person apparently it's costing us a lot of money to drop bombs. i mean can you imagine he's making a commercial pointing out how much money it's costing us to give to israel now on the one hand i'm glad someone is talking about it it's just that this guy is like the dumbest guy of them all and he's a person who would gladly watch someone get censored for saying the exact same thing. So he's an asshole. On Gaza. It's oh, terrible. Yeah. Don't they get universal health care too? Yeah, they do. We're paying for that too, probably. Might as well put the bananas back. Why the f do we have to pay for all of this? Don't cuss at me. I'm Jake Uger and I approve this message. Let's shit. Why the fuck do we have to pay for Israel? That's Chenk's commercial. I'm I'm actually, you know, I gotta say, 
it's not that bad of a commercial. It's just the guy who's doing the commercial is the biggest idiot in all of politics. So it's kind of like, it's kind of a wasted effort. Keep lives together at jankforamerica.com. All right, you girls, so what are you trying to do with this ad? So look- uh, He's poking the eye of our parents. That's what he's doing. Um, the most important thing is if I win any delegates, and <laughs> I'm in the keeping it real business, mm -hmm. okay? No, you're not, you're delusional. You're not just delusional, you have baboon delusion, which is like next level delusion. So uh, you have to get to 15% to win any, uh, in any state to win delegates. Zero chance you get 15%. But if I get delegates. Maybe if you, by some miracle you rally, like if you went to Dearborn, you might be able to rally like the, the Muslim vote with this shit with Israel. Maybe you could do that, but you're not gonna do that. I'm going to use that for two reasons, but the number one reason is peace. Mm -hmm. So, and as we're going to talk about in a little bit, because of a story that broke this week, it turns out those delegates might be super relevant, mm -hmm. right? And they might have a lot of power behind them. So, if you want the. I'm almost half rooting for him to do well somewhere to get the attention of the right people so they can give him what he deserves. But, you know, I don't know. I don't know. Because this guy, this guy, I'm telling you, he. How many people has he advocated for to be censored? How many people has he called anti-Semitic? And now he's making a commercial that under his own definitions in the past would be considered rabidly anti-Semitic? It's like crazy. These delegates, I could say to potential different Democratic nominees, you're gonna have to agree to stop the bombing in Gaza. And by the way, we want to end the- Well, that's anti-Semitic. You're not allowed to question our parents, Cenk occupation entirely. And so what I want to do here is draw attention to that. And obviously we're drawing attention to it by pointing out our taxpayer money, we have to put aside that those are real numbers. $7 you know, per month for just the 4 billion, let alone the 14 billion, et cetera. And you have to put it- I mean, he made a commercial breaking down how much it costs each of us to give money to Israel. Wouldn't that put you in like the top five on the ADL list? Wouldn't that put you up there with David Duke? Excuse me, Dr. David Duke? Put aside from your taxes mm -hmm. to kill Palestinians. And so, look, I don't know how the ad's gonna be received. It's possible that people look at that and go, whoa, that is over the top, that's crazy. You it's can't not a bad ad, I'm kind of surprised. That in a political ad, it's possible they'll look at it and go, hey, yeah, Cenk, I get it, he uh, thinks, that we're helping to fund killing Palestinians with our taxpayer money. I'm not surprised by it. Some might think it's not harsh enough. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I'm super curious. And and so what I want to draw attention to that, win votes enough to get delegates and then use those delegates for actually getting you peace. I mean, he's he's possibly stirring a hornet's nest of not only like Zionists, but also the Biden regime. Because, you know, you, you go up and you try to compete in an election against Biden, you're probably going to get arrested. They're probably going to raid your, your, your uh, campaign headquarters if you even have one. And then on top of that, you're poking the eye of Israel. Man. All right, Cenk, this is going to be very interesting. So it's interesting that you are questioning how it'll be received. I mean, look, I don't know how it's going to be received for sure. But what I thought was interesting was... That just yesterday, Matt Walsh of all people had a viral post on X where he said that 
he considers sending money to Ukraine and Israel taxation without representation because of the fact that we have no say on how. Yeah, and someone followed up with Matt Walsh and said, are you specifically saying we shouldn't give aid to Israel? He said, yeah, he doesn't want to give aid to anyone. I was like, okay, good for you, Matt. Daily Wire Walsh. That money is used. There's no. We'll see if there's any consequences. On ability for that money, and he feels that the money is better used for the American people. I, I agree. And so this is one of the rare instances where I actually see some agreement with the right and the left. I mean, there's literally nothing else that I agree with Matt Walsh on, but I do agree with his point on that. So I'm- Well, that's not true because you have actually agreed with him on some of the stuff he says about uh, the gender uh, uh, surgeries, not a lot, but some of it. But this is the reason I bring that up is there's this game she plays when she's coming around on some issues. She'll get some issues right, but she'll still simultaneously pretend that the conservatives who were right are still somehow wrong. And then she won't, like, acknowledge her previous position. It's ridiculous. I'm curious to see if maybe it would draw some attention from, I wouldn't say moderate Republicans. Moderate Republicans tend to be more neocon, you know, type of Republicans. But there, there is a growing population of Americans who are looking at their situation on the ground here and really questioning whether it makes sense to send these resources abroad. A hundred percent. So we're going to put the ad up on jankforamerica.com, but we're also going to put it up on all of my personal social media, which we can share with you guys. We're also going to talk about it and how to share it on the town hall. And we have town halls every Wednesday. What that does is it gives people regular updates that nobody else gets about the campaign. And we then we strategize together and I take ideas from them. And then we implement those ideas. So we want you to share this video everywhere. But the reason I bring that up, Anna, is because, yeah, you're right. And so that's how you can get to the town hall. And it's right after the Young Turks anniversary special today. So. I put the universal health care line in that ad. You're going to be shocked to find out I wrote that. Uh, <laughs> other people helped, of course, but um, and because I saw how much the audience reacted to it, mm -hmm. and I saw how much independence and the right wing also reacted to it. Because it was one thing when I said it costs you $85 to kill Palestinians, right, mm -hmm. per year. It's another thing when I say, Hey guys, they have universal health care and we don't, and we're still sending them 14 billion, et cetera. That got people really mad. Mm -hmm. Like, wait, wait, why are you taking my money? I, I, I think this is the first time, and again, it changes nothing in my opinion, but this is the first time where he's not being a full blown retard. I mean, he's being a full blown retard running and making a campaign ad, but the ad itself, not bad, not bad. I, 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 if I'm being objective, not bad. Um, tr breaking down, I mean, when have you seen anyone, uh, uh, at least in the world that he exists in or in the conservative ink world, break down how much it costs each person and, uh, you know, that's, uh, that's, that's a hell of a thing. But the, the bullshit is, of course, he would accuse a person like who's a dissident right person. He would throw them under the bus in two seconds for saying exactly the same thing. He'd call them Nazis, he'd say, oh, they're like tiki torture, it's just crazy. Ian, I don't have healthcare. healthcare, and by the way, also true of paid family leave, also true of many different things that Israel has a really good social safety net and really good social programs for their own citizens, right? Obviously not for the Palestinians in the occupied territory, but we are funding all of that when we can't afford, they say we can't afford it. So yeah, that unifies a lot of people. And by the way, then the establishment freaks out and goes, 
How dare you guys? This is horseshoe theory and this is the right wing radicals and the left wing radicals getting together. I actually, of course, you know me, I don't think so. I think there are right wing and left wing radicals. But this is, no, this is the base of the left wing and right wing getting together and going, yeah, I don't get any donor money from APAC. I don't get any donor money from Lockheed Martin or Boeing. And so I don't want taxation without representation. I don't want to send money just for the express purpose of killing more innocent civilians. That makes no sense to me. And Anna, the other thing about that is that there's no candidates left that are for that position in the Democratic or Republican Party. Marianne Williamson dropped out. So everyone else in the race in the two major parties are for nonstop killings. We might have millions of people watching this show, but you can be the point now. Okay, nope. so let's move on because I really want you to get into the conversation about the delegates. Why is the delegate fight so relevant to you, right? Like you, you referenced it a little bit, but there's the court case involving Donald Trump getting booted off of ballots because of the 14th Amendment. He's challenging that, of course. You say that's relevant to your race. So let's talk a little bit more about that. I'm very curious what you think. Yeah. It's going to arise from this. So uh, there's so those two different topics. Let's take the delegates first because it's so interesting. So political ran a story that we ran on the Young Turks and explained a couple of days ago, where they explained that um, Biden might step down after the voting is over. Mm -hmm. So he secures all the and the minute I read that, I was like, oh, that makes sense. I get it. That's their plan because that takes the voters out of the equation. The voters are messy. So they, you know, Democratic voters, who knows if Biden steps down before the voting begins, maybe they vote for a progressive, maybe they vote for someone that the establishment doesn't want. If Biden steps down before the convention and after the voting's over on June 4th, he can then say, I am now releasing these delegates. Now he can give them to someone, but then he's gonna have a lot of pressure to give them to Kamala Harris. And we all know he doesn't want to give him to Kamala Harris. He's a billion years old. Who cares about pressure? Like, how is this man not in the F you all phase of his life yet? No, I, I mean know. he kind You're, of is. No, 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 he, he kind isn't. of is. No, no, he's obsessed. us. But. No, like, like all politicians, are absolutely positively obsessed with his ego. So he's like, my legacy. How's my legacy going to look? Oh, my legacy. That's why he ran for a second term. Because people at home, they don't know that in Washington, two term president means you're historic, one term president means you're a loser. So Biden was like, I don't want me, 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 me. We've talked about that. But now here comes the interesting part. If he does that, he can't hand him over to Kamala, so he's probably not going to hand him over to one person. Then that means you got a delegate fight. Okay. So then. All the cast of characters, including the guy you loathe, Newsom, uh, and then Pritzker and Whitmer and all those other folks will come in and go, give me the delegates. Now, they're very establishment delegates, the Biden delegates are, handpicked by the Biden team. So they're, of course, going to go for an establishment person. But what if Pritzker and Newsom or Whitmer and Newsom or whoever it is are in a situation where they need an extra 20 delegates to go over the top, an extra 200 delegates, whatever the number is? And I have those delegates mm -hmm. because guys- How are you polling in the states where they're allowing you on the primary ballot? There's no polls, that's why we have no idea, okay. okay? So don't get me wrong, of course it's hard. That's part of the reason why the ad has to go viral. That's why we ask you to share, hashtag ceasefire ad, right? And so, and I want people to understand this, so I, if you can, hashtag peace delegates, hashtag progressive delegates when we're talking about the delegates. Because Anna, it's not just about peace. So let's say that you've got that situation, Governor of Illinois, J.B. Pritzker, Governor of Michigan, Whitmer, both are deadlocked around 2,000 delegates, right, based on the politicking that they did. They come to the us for the extra 100 delegates that's gonna put them over the top. 
Then I go, well, I'm not doing it unless you, A, say you're withdrawing money from Israel uh, unless they end the bombing. I'm not interested in BS, I'm not interested in later, I'm not interested in anything but actual results, okay? Mm -hmm. You end the bomb, whoever ends the bombing gets 100 delegates. So that's one wait, way wait, to wait, go. Wait, we're up to 100 delegates now? No, if, 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 right, okay, I'm saying, right. but 22, whatever the number is that can affect yeah. things. Okay. So how we win those, we'll get to in a sec. So uh, the other thing you could do is go, hey, you know what? Give me a progressive economic policy position. I want paid family leave. See. And AOC did it again today. Progressives in Congress, including Bernie, who we love, but they constantly give away their power. They constantly give away their leverage. If I have delegates, then there's nothing in the world stopping me from getting delegates, whether I'm eligible to serve, eligible to run, are all irrelevant for getting delegates because I'm on the ballot in seven states. You go vote for me. And in Michigan, write in. So now with a write in, it's super hard, but in Michigan, maybe it's possible, right? In Vermont, what do you need to get to to get delegates? 15%. So is it easy getting 15% even in Vermont? No, it's not, you guys should know that, right? But if this ad becomes viral, we break through, people begin to understand, hey, we vote in this direction and this guy is gonna fight like hell for peace. And he might actually be able to deliver it if he gets enough delegates. Mm -hmm. We start collecting delegates and then we have some degree of power and I'm never going to give away that without getting something significant in return for progressives. Okay, so finally, uh, talk to me about why Trump's court battle in regard to his uh, ballot situation is relevant to you. Yeah, so uh, one of the things that they debated and there's an article in the Hill today about it is, all right, how are we gonna resolve this? There's a couple of different ways. One is say, oh, he's not an officer, so technically it doesn't count, etc. Mm -hmm. right? But the one of the critical ones, the most important ones is, uh, hey, are the states allowed to decide uh, constitutional issues or not? And the article in the Hill today said, they think, and that's just their opinion, the person who wrote that article, uh, that the court is likely to decide based on that issue so that it doesn't go to whether it was or was not an insurrection. That they might want to avoid the topic of whether it's an insurrection. Okay. And the way to avoid that is to say, that's it, you can't make any constitutional determinations if you're at the state level. That doesn't mean that I can serve, but that, mean, that would mean fairly definitively that I can run. That you can run and then when it's called into question your eligibility to run, that'll be adjudicated in the courts. Exactly. Okay. So, and, and think about this scenario. Now, I know these are all probabilities and a lot of them are low probabilities. But let's say that we do great in Vermont and we get a bunch of delegates. Well, that made news, mm -hmm. okay? And, and by the way, Minnesota is on Super Tuesday. Minnesota is another very progressive state. And also Oklahoma and Texas, they're very conservative, but who knows how their Democratic voters are? The Democratic voters in Oklahoma might be mainly minorities who are very progressive, etc. right? So if we get those delegates on Super Tuesday, and people begin to realize, oh, if I give this brother delegates, he's gonna use them for something I really, really agree with, mm -hmm. whether he wins or doesn't win. And you add layer that on top of that, the Trump case goes our way. Wait a minute, then we go to all the other states and go, you gotta put me on the ballot. Mm -hmm. And now we've got 30 more states where I'm on the ballot where I can get even more delegates. So look, when I started this, Anna, as you know, I was under no delusion. Uh, again, if he has any sort of success, they are going to utterly destroy him, and uh, he will deserve it. It's like, you know, evil people eating evil people. That this is like, oh, it's going to be nip and tuck between me and Biden. 
mean, yeah. It was a very long shot, very low probability. But what we're trying to do is create any way, get caught trying, any way to find power and leverage for progressives and for peace and to use it and to find opportunities. And that's exactly what we're in the middle of doing, finding these opportunities and taking advantage. So anyone who's involved, we, we love it. We, you know, one of the things that we ask for now, info at jankforamerica.com and share in all the ways that you can through my social medias. Send us memes. I, I suck at memes, to be honest with you, okay? <laughs> like graphics, video, pictures, whatever you got. Anything that'll help us go viral with these ideas, with the ad, etc. You're seeing all that there. And by the way, anybody gives over $100 to the campaign, I call them. They're usually shocked when I call them, but I call them in person. And if you, and we now are calling people, a certain number of random people who give under 100 to also at jankforamerica.com. I bought a whole bunch of Trump URLs to. to oh, no. All right. <laughs> okay. Donordon.com, trumpzar.com. I got a lot more where that came from. We'll save that for another day. Mm -hmm. But here I am getting caught in the middle of trying. All right. Cool. All right, everyone. So check out uh, Jenk's social media and also the town hall tonight. <laughs> she was like, cool. <laughs> uh, after the show, after our special uh, at 9 p.m. Eastern time, 6 p.m. Pacific. Uh, go to which which website do you want to? Uh, I don't know. I'm thinking uh, Cenk Uger is in the running for anti-Semite of the year. Apparently one of these lunatic, lunatic uh Accounts on Twitter gives out that award, and I think Cenk Uger m might be in the running. Republicans impeach. Oh, this is David Pakman pretending to not understand why Mayorkas was impeached. Well, Republicans have done it. They've wasted American taxpayer time, money, yes, and resources. It's a waste of money to try to hold one of the key criminals involved in the border invasion accountable. That's a waste of money, according to David. Impeaching Joe Biden's Secretary of Homeland Security, Alejandro Mayorkas, and for no reason whatsoever. Guys, for no reason at all. Other than attempting to yeah. virtue signal, I guess. Yes, yeah. we don't even know what's going on. What even is the border? Nothing's happening at the border. It's a gift from our parents what's happening at the border. Because it is completely and totally dead on arrival in the United States Senate. Let's start with what happened. Increasingly, Republicans out of reflexive desperation to impeach somebody unable to find even a hypothetical path yeah, to impeaching nothing, Joe Biden, yeah, nothing. And at least for now, started to focus their ire and anger on the Secretary of Homeland Security. Why him? Well, the reason they say is they believe that what they describe as a particular failure on the U.S.-Mexico border, yeah, what they describe, rises to the level of a high crime and misdemeanor not only to Joe Biden, who they're going to get to, they're going to get to, but specifically for Alejandro Mayorkas, the Secretary of Homeland Security. Now, is the fact that Mayorkas has a Hispanic sounding name part of why oh, they are- Oh, of course, of course, they're racist too. Particularly focused on impeaching him. I'll uh, ask the question and leave it for you to answer that. But they figured out a way to do it. Uh, NBC News reports. The vote was 214 to 213, with three Republicans again opposing the impeachment. Mayorkas is just the second cabinet secretary in American history to be impeached and the first in 150 years. Mike Johnson, the history, the uh, um, speaker of the House said from his first day in office, Secretary Mayorkas has willfully and consistently refused to comply with 
immigration, federal immigration laws, fueling the worst border catastrophe in American history. He has undermined public trust through multiple false statements to Congress, obstructed lawful oversight of the Department of Homeland Security and violated his oath of office. Since this secretary refuses to do to do the job that the Senate confirmed him to do, the House must act. Joe Biden says that history will not look kindly at this. Here's the big moment in the House. It you know, when I sit there and I think, OK, let's see, how can we help the American people? What can we do economically? How can we improve education? How can we get more people health care? And then you see Republicans wasting time on this and then cheering. It's hard to feel like they actually have the best interests of their constituents in mind. On this vote, the yeas are 214 and the nays are 213. The resolution is adopted. How dare you cheer? We'll now go to the Senate, I guess. You know, that the, I want to remind everybody when we talk about impeachment, impeachment is not the removal of an individual. Trump was impeached twice, but he was acquitted twice in the subsequent Senate trials. The House of Representatives impeaches, then they present a case to the Senate. The Senate votes as to whether to convict or acquit that individual who has been impeached. This is by all estimations completely and totally dead on arrival in the United States Senate. That's just it, it's it's going to go nowhere. Democrats and well, that was OK for you guys when you impeached Trump twice. Republicans alike in the Senate have no interest in impeaching Mayorkas. It's not clear that there's anything impeachment worthy here. But yeah, Republicans are treating this like it is just the biggest victory. Here is video from the House of Representatives and you see Speaker Johnson coming over. People are shaking hands and hugging him like they did a great thing. Fist pumping. Their pump. Was that a terrorist fist pump? As Fox News once asked about Barack Obama, they are acting like this is an incredible and worthy achievement. It is not. It is very much not. And uh, you have to understand that this is a Republican Party controlling the House of Representatives that can't pass a budget. They demand their own border bill, but then oppose the bill because it wouldn't be good for Trump. Bullshit. They are constantly fighting with each other. They're fighting with each other over who should be RNC chair and what type of RNC chair has their party's interest in mind. They removed their own Republican speaker and replaced him with a MAGA loyalist. They lost a lying representative in George Santos after standing aside and looking the other way for years until it finally got to be too much. And they said, I guess we've got to get rid of him. And now they have impeached a cabinet official, the second ever and the first in 150 years over the fact that people come over the U.S.-Mexico border illegally, just like they did when Donald Trump was president. Yeah, guys, it's just like when Trump was in office. The United States. Oh, but we're apprehending more people. That shows that they're not doing their job. Isn't their job to apprehend more people? Oh, yeah. Isn't that evidence that they are doing their job? Yeah, they're doing their job. I'm being a little bit tongue in cheek. Obviously, there are problems both with our immigration system and specifically pointedly at the U.S.-Mexico border. But the idea that now all of a sudden it's impeachment worthy is laughable and it's pathetic. And this is going absolutely nowhere in the Senate. Will voters reward or punish Republicans in November for spending time and resources doing stuff like this? So when there's no chance of conviction, it's a waste of time, unless, of course, they do it to Trump, then that was fine. 
Now David is faggily pretending that Trump's brain fails again at sick rally. The coverage about Trump's apparent cognitive decline relative to Biden's has been absolutely pathetic. Media Matters has a good right. Right. So Biden is totally fine. Trump's the one with dementia, according to David, just like the economy is great and there's nothing going on at the border and points out that Trump's verbal confusions get very, very. And now we have a chart coverage occasionally on MSNBC, almost or in many cases, zero coverage on Fox News and a little bit of a sliver on CNN. Now, I want to remind people this stuff is happening all the time. Here is Trump again saying that Viktor Orban is the leader of Turkey. He's not. He's the leader of Hungary. Trump says it again and the right wingers don't care. Victor Orban, did ever, anyone ever hear of him? He's probably like one of the strongest leaders anywhere in the world. And he uh, he's the leader of right. He's the leader of Turkey fronts on both Russia fronts on both Russia. Yeah. yeah. And of course, Orban is not the leader of Turkey. He's the leader of Hungary. Okay. And now do Biden, but he's not going to do Biden. Hungary also doesn't have the borders that Trump claims it has. This is happening every day. Every day. Here is Trump the following day in Vegas saying, hey, you know what happened last night? Referring to the prior primary. The prior primary was days earlier, oh, days earlier. There you go. And last night, you know what happened last night, right? None no. of the above. So I'd like to congratulate none of the above. I was one of those none of ever above. I was one of them. No, I saw I watched that last night and they won by 44 points. And of course, that wasn't last night. That was much earlier in the week. It was on Tuesday night. And oh, so he was off by a day or two. Uh, That's the end of the world over the weekend that Trump said it. So extraordinarily confused and disoriented corporate media barely willing to cover it. They'll hop yes, off. They're helping Donald Trump. The media is helping Trump all over Biden. And again, the, the real critical part of this is it's less about an adjudication of which one of these guys is more slowed down cognitively. It's the realization that a cognitively declining Trump is dangerous, mm. whereas a supposedly cognitive supposedly cognitively declining Biden, a supposedly declining Biden has dozens of major accomplishments to his name. Oh, has, he I know so many accomplishments. This economy is so wonderful, David, to put reasonable people around him mm. and has done a pretty damn good job. Yeah, Biden has done a pretty damn good job. Demented president. So if you say to me, David, it's demented. Trump or demented Biden? Who are you voting for? I know what the answer is. The question is, do you do these people on the right? It's not clear to me that they do. What a lying fag. All right. After Putin humiliation, Tucker says Moscow's better than any uh, U.S. city. Tucker Carlson in a bizarre moment. Bizarre. Coming back from the Putin humiliation during his two hour interview Be back in, a minute, in Russia. Whoa, uh, that clip started a little early. Uh, going to Dubai for the World Government Summit and kissing the ring, seemingly saying Moscow, Moscow, depending on your preference, is a better and nicer city 
than any city in the United States of America. Wow. Putin really is now in full control of Tucker Carlson. Putin humiliates Tucker, makes him sit through an hour history lesson, ridicules him for not having a serious program, for having applied to the CIA. And what does Tucker do? He says that Moscow is better than any American city. You've got to see this. What was radicalizing, very shocking and very disturbing for me was the city of Moscow, where I'd never been, the biggest city in Europe, 13 million people. And it is so much nicer than any city in my country. I had no idea. My father spent a lot of time there in the 80s when he worked for the US government and barely had electricity. And now it is so much cleaner and safer and prettier aesthetically. It's architecture, it's food, it's service than any country in city in the United States that you have to, and this is not ideological. How did that happen? How did that happen? And at a certain point, I don't think the average person cares as much about abstractions as about the concrete reality of his life. And if you can't use your subway, for example, as many people are afraid to in New York City because it's too dangerous, you have to sort of wonder, like, isn't that the ultimate measure of leadership? And that's true. By the way, it's radicalizing for an American to go to Moscow. I didn't know that. I've learned it this week to Singapore, to Tokyo, to Dubai and Abu Dhabi, because these cities, no matter how we're told they're run and on what principles they're run, are wonderful places to live that don't have rampant inflation. We are not going to get raped. And so what is that now? There's a lot here. I will be the first to tell you that there are fantastic cities all over the world. The American centric view that the vast majority of the non US world is relegated to some dark ages where there's barely plumbing and electricity and you can't get good medical care that it, that should be debunked. Obviously, completely untrue world class cities all over the world. It is also true that uh, Tokyo and Singapore and Moscow I mean, all of these places have great things, but it's laughable the degree to which Tucker, I don't know if knowingly or as a useful idiot, plays into the Putin narrative, which is, hey, even Americans come here and say Moscow is better than any city that they've got. Now, Moscow is a great city. It, it, it is not untrue that it has fantastic things. And also the average income in Russia is 14,000 US dollars and the standard of living is much lower than in the United States. And the idea that, hey, you know, we've got democracy here in the, the United States and our cities suck and Russia has this authoritarian strongman and it's just so great. It's a better city than than, than anywhere in the US. And also when Tucker mentions the, the, the nicest city in Europe or whatever, uh, that's also playing into a political controversy. And what I mean by that is certainly uh, Moscow is geographically in Europe, and I would argue it is politically in Europe. But this is also part of Putin's desire to uh, see Russian culture and Moscow as a cosmopolitan center as equivalent to London or Paris or whatever. And we can debate whether it is or it is not. I think it falls a little bit short of that. But Tucker just hand feeds Putin everything that he wants. So I am not here to allege that Tucker is a Russian puppet or, or, or anything along those, those lines. It's just been fascinating to watch that for a while now, since the Russian invasion of Ukraine, 
Tucker has played very coy with the entire thing and kind of ignoring the basics that Russia has illegally invaded Ukraine and is trying to steal it. That's a basic element of this that Tucker isn't super interested in. How how does that have anything to do with Moscow being cleaner than Democrat cities? you about goes to Moscow, interviews Putin for two hours. Putin plays him like a yo yo. Uh, Tucker comes away saying it was a fascinating interview when the reality is it was barely even a journalistic endeavor. I would argue it wasn't even uh, a, David, the arbiter of journalistic endeavors, journalistic endeavor. And then he leaves and says, Moscow is the best city I've seen. It's so much better than anything that we have in the United How States. How dare you like clean cities? He's certainly doing all the things that if you were Putin and you said, who can we get from the United States media elite? to just do exactly what we would want them to do. Well, it seems like they got Tucker and Tucker is doing all of those things. So I don't know if it's all beyond Tucker to even realize the role he's being put in. I don't really know what to make of it. And far be it for me to say that Tucker is in the pocket of Putin. I don't think that it's sort of like the RT thing. The people that were hired by RT were hired because they already knew the things that they were going to say. The entire selection of Tucker now we see beyond any uh, uh, doubt whatsoever was very strategic and specific. And Tucker's doing everything they want him to do. Uh, let me know your thoughts. Let me know. What uh, OK, so here is David Pakman in uh, Rwanda radio like fashion uh, saying Trump supporters. We interviewed Trump supporters. It got dangerous. Oh, man. Let's see how dangerous it got. All right. Let me start with a warning. If you do not want to see the worst of the United States of America, if you don't want to hear from the people. This is the worst of the United States of America. So, you know, you might think worse than, you know, uh, uh, criminal joggers killing people, um, rapists, no, no, apparently worse there. It's the worst of our society. So let's see. It's got to be pretty bad. Who endanger the very continuation of American democracy. They are endangering, excuse me, endangering the continuation of democracy. This is why I say this is like Rwanda radio. Then you it's like a gayer version instead of Cantano Habimaga, Habimana. I guess it's Fagtano Habimana. Should for turn to something else right now. Our correspondent, Luke Beasley, who, by the way, is getting really good at this, went to the Donald Trump rally in Conway, South Carolina over the weekend. This may be some of Luke's best stuff. It gets dangerous, dangerous interviews. He spoke to Trump supporters. We are going to go through these one by one. There's just a handful of clips. Really prepare yourself Mm. to be terrified about what may be in America's future. Here's the first interviewee, Luke, speaking to um, a woman at the Trump rally in South Carolina. Would you rather four years of dictator Trump or four years of democratically elected Joe Biden? Dictator Trump. There it is. Dictator Trump. These people are dangerous. Guys, they're dangerous. They're 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 the worst people in the country. These people are dangerous. They need to be treated as such. And they need to be treated. So so again, I am not in any way being hyperbolic when I compare this shit 
to Rwanda Radio. David Pakman is the same thing as Cantano Habimana. He is doing the same exact thing. It, the style is different. He's much faggier. Uh, they're not using the word cockroaches, but it is the exact same thing to incite violence against Trump supporters, or at minimum, if you think that's too hyperbolic, at minimum, manufacture consent for horrible things to be done to Trump supporters. That's what David is doing. And, and that's, a, that's a lie. You're a liar. It's the first day he said, I'll be a, a dictator for one day to put in the border and uh, one other thing. You're drill, a, drill, baby, drill. You're part. You're part of. You're part of the the media, a baby media turkey. Yes. Oh well, there you go. Now she called him a baby media turkey, and so obviously that makes her uh, w- the worst of society, according to David. He's a baby media turkey. You are right there. Wow, that was explosive. In training, in training. Good job. Apply to CNN, MSNBC. You're great. There. So she correctly calls him out for his trickery and bullshit. Was a time where we would have gone to such a rally and found policy disagreements, but we wouldn't have found people who would say, I'd rather a dictator over a Democrat. Well, Joe Biden is a dictator. He's acting like a dictator. Was a time where that was not the nature of the disagreement. Uh, The woman then takes Luke's microphone and I guess interviews him. Oh, how dangerous. Oh, yes. This will be fun. So she asks him if she can interview him. How dangerous. Ready. Hi there. Hello. (laughs) What's one bad thing about Biden? The question is, what's a bad thing about Biden? Now we're going to get into policy. He's a crook. He is. He he is. Like the guy who's been indicted four times? Come come on. Not convicted. Uh, uh, Okay, he's a crook. He stole money from country. He stole it. He's left and right and made business deals to get. Okay, he said. Understand that this is mush mouth nonsense. Yeah, there was no business deals. None of that happened. These are all confused. Yeah, guys, she's just confused. That's all. She's confused. Word salads yeah. of stuff you hear on Fox News. Uh-huh. Donald Trump received millions from foreign governments while he was president. He doesn't take money. He doesn't take, he doesn't take the salad. That's not true. LGBTQ. So again, I want to be clear. David Pakman has said this woman and everyone at this rally are the worst of society and dangerous. LGBTQ. Hey, LGBTQ people. Do you believe? Do you believe? Well, of course you do. You're one of them. Law, do you believe in the uh, transgender library story hours for children? I think they're called drag queen story hours. Right. Which is different than transgender. And they dress up demonically. So and- would you say you're you're motivated uh, to protect the kids? Absolutely. And so are you concerned with the leading cause of death for children being firearms and Trump doesn't want to do anything about that? That's a uh, made up lie. That is complete bullshit. Your leading cause of, of uh, death for children is abortion. Do your homework. <sighs> if, we, if we only talk about people who have been born, the leading cause of death for children is firearms. Again, total lie. Absolute bullshit lie. And this guy just spoke yesterday at the NRA convention. We could do common sense gun reforms that could protect lives. Bullshit. Save those beautiful children you're talking about. But instead, we're all focused on being distracted by drag queen story hour. Really? We need to. Yeah, guys, just let them fuck the kids. Come on. 
Come on, let's just let them fuck the kids, guys. Come on. To do away with the false notion that if we just sit these folks down, we can talk them out of their delusions. Some right. of them. So David is saying we're gonna they're they're gonna have to hurt us. That's ultimately what David is saying. They're gonna have to hurt us. We can't. But at scale, that's not how we're going to win. Right. We need to so we need to be persecuted. We need to be killed or jailed. Win by going around these people and making them politically irrelevant. Might not be nice. Oh, but they deserve, they, they get to vote. I'm not saying you don't let them vote. I'm saying we make their vote irrelevant by turning out in such large numbers. Here's another guy that uh, Luke interviewed, shows him Trump's post to Truth Social about suspending the Constitution. The guy insists that it's fake. Someone is making it look like that's Trump posting. So he posted it, uh, they take it out of context. But Trump would never post that. Luke shows it to him. This is, again, evidence that you show them the proof. They just don't accept it. They, they just won't obey. They just won't obey. Say it's fake. And would you support somebody if they called for the termination of the Constitution? No. Can no. I show you something? Because I'm shocked that so many people don't know about this. On True Social, this is from Trump's True Social, because of his belief that the election was stolen, he said a massive fraud of this type of magnitude allows for the termination of all rules, regulations, and articles. You don't believe that? No, I don't believe that right there. Even though he sent it out that's on True Social? That's not true, though. Still up on his account? No, that's not true. That somebody made a fake thing. Okay. Somebody made a fake thing. That's Trump's Truth Social account. Truth Central. It's not even disputed. No, it's real. You're just taking it out of context like a fag. It's been defended by some MAGA. <clears throat> some people see that and they go, well, listen, when the left goes so crazy, You've got to potentially suspend the Constitution. I've not seen anyone make that argument. No one's suspending the Constitution. Trump didn't argue to suspend the Constitution. Trump made the point. What was he talking about? The indictments? Oh, no, I think the election, the, the election theft. And he was saying that if you're going to allow this, you might as well suspend the Constitution. That's what he meant. That's what he said. But then you have people like that guy who go, it's, it's not really Trump. Well, uh, retarded faggot, he does have the option and the freedom to decide that he wants to believe that that's not real. So, you know, no one owes you or your homosexual gimp anything. And if the guy wants to walk away from your homosexual gimp, he's allowed to do that. People are allowed to believe what they want. Evidence doesn't sway them. That, that is the proof of what we've been saying. They are impervious to evidence. Here's another guy Luke interviews in some sort of uh, biker group uh, vest with a Trump hat. Um, it's uh, it's depressing, guys. Was not an insurrection. What was it? Uh, it was an overthrow of the government. It wasn't an insurrection. It was an overthrow of the government. Now, I dare you. So I would disagree with him on that. But if he wants to think that he's allowed to to try to parse the syntax in the next 45 seconds of video. I dare you to figure out what this guy is saying. I know English is my second language, so maybe that's why I can't do it. But maybe you can help me. What is this guy talking about? In my opinion. By Trump supporters? Absolutely not. Who was overthrowing the government? Well, they were in there trying to uh, make a, 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 a fake, uh, I don't know, I'm trying to think of the word. The election was was they were trying to make it certified. Oh, he's saying that Biden was overthrowing the government. Yeah, I'll buy that. Buying it. Yes. Okay. 
And he didn't win. They, they were trying to falsify it, get it all through before anybody did anything. My opinion. So then, who who stormed the Capitol? Huh? Who stormed the Capitol? Well, there are some CIA agents in there, from what I understand. So then the CIA... I think FBI informants, but whatever. Agents were storming the Capitol to stop the certification of Biden's election? No, to make it look like Biden's people did it. Trump's people did it. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. He's off. I, I don't think... Well, I mean, the CIA, maybe. I, I don't know. Uh, but it, definite FBI informants... So that's fine. He he's off by a little bit, but again, he's allowed to be. He's free to be. He he. There's no obligation for him to obey David or his homosexual gimp. <laughs> that is quite a yarn that that guy is spinning. He doesn't even understand the conspiracy theories. Uh, when I appeared on the Jesse Lee Peterson, well, he doesn't have to. He he can do what he wants. And show a few years ago. It was evident that Jesse didn't understand his own conspiracy theories. This is another example. What, that you're a homosexual? It's, that's obvious. Example of that. Um, here's another interview. And each one scarier and more dangerous than the last. So each one of these, David is claiming that the people in it are dangerous. And by the way, really great job by Luke here. Everything that the media has said over the years has been proven wrong. Pretty much. Every time somebody starts a legal case against Donald Trump, eventually they lose. Donald Trump repeats that. Oh, sir, sir. Tell me something. $83.3 million he's going to have to pay to E. Jean Carroll. Also, no, you win. So now uh, the homosexual gimp, uh, I guess, thinks that that money's coming right out of Trump's account and there's going to be no appeals or anything? It's just amazing. Wait a minute. Listen, why, why are you supporting a civilly liable rapist? By the way, congratulations to Luke for adopting civilly liable rapist. I don't claim to have come up with it. And I'm not saying he got it from me, but I love that he is now- But it's completely inaccurate. You love that your homosexual gimp is lying like you using that term with Trump supporters. Because you're a moron for even saying that. You truly are. You That's have IQ quite literally the point. facts. Amazing. They literally said he didn't rape her, and you're going to just say that he did. It's, a, it's incredible. A judge said... A jury found him no, liable for judge, sexual abuse. No, a judge said he is guilty, and we're going to go ahead and move to the... A, are you, it's going to be overturned, trust sir. Me, trust me. Save this, sir. When it's over. Yeah, well, it, it's possible uh, on appeal. Turn, you all look back and go. Oh, they won't acknowledge anything. Make no mistake. They want you dead, sir. They they don't care if they're right or wrong about this. Been more aware. I shouldn't have believed the bullshit narrative. All right, have a good one. You know, the, all the pedophiles up at D.C. They all need to go to Gitmo. The guy's back, by the way. Um, Does Trump's close relationship with Epstein bother you at all? Trump and Epstein, here's the deal. Trump has had his picture taken with everybody. The only relationship they had was Trump got his picture taken with Epstein. Trump has been photobombed. He said, oh, Epstein likes him young. Well, yeah, that's, you know, the whole thing. He's a great friend of mine. No, he's not. No. (laughs) The whole COVID thing was a scam. It's funny when they say it's a scam, like who scammed who? And Luke does a good job of getting this guy on the record on this, and it goes nowhere. Ivermectin. Most. By the way, ivermectin. I started taking ivermectin immediately. I hope not. 
Yeah, absolutely. It was proven to be not effective for Proven COVID. to be not effective. It's the dumbest thing that I ever heard in my life. Ever? What? Dumbest thing I ever heard in my life. Well, we got to focus in on this then, if it's the dumbest. So what was COVID then, if it was fake? COVID was a bioweapon. They actually used HIV and they s stitched it into a coronavirus. Stitched it, like cross-stitching. Why? Like, what's the goal there? The reason for the HIV, well, the whole thing was to lock down the country. To... For the leftards to try to take over the country. Leftards? Yes, the leftard. So why can't you guys just accept that COVID was fake, but a real bioweapon stitched from HIV, uh, crocheted even, you could say, in order for the leftards to take over the country to do what? We don't know. It. I don't know. I don't know why they would in, or, in order to achieve what? All right. Here's the last one. And uh, it, it's so depressing that we're going to have to move on from this because we need to save this country that's getting thrown away. What is making it thrown away? Democrats doing what? Everything they don't. The Inflation Reduction Act, lowering prescription drug costs. Oh, yeah. yeah. The Inflation Reduction Act. Well, inflation goes back up. Take care. Oh. Nah, take care. The guy just bailing out. When Good, he Bill. You don't know this homosexual anything. Fuck this guy. He wasn't going to steamroll Luke. So simultaneously, a fantastic job by Luke Beasley. And you can find his channel at davidpackmancom slash Luke. And the worst of the worst of the worst of America. So and it's the worst possible people of America, according to David. And I want to be super tactical with this stuff. When I see this, I say to myself, how do we win elections despite these people? And the way is not to spend hours trying to convince them. Many of these folks are delusional in the clinical sense. The way to do it is maybe by showing this stuff to people who say, I might stay home. You say, really? If you stay home, this guy, right? The pick whichever one of those people you like, this guy's vote, he now has more of an influence over how the country is run than you do. You feel good about that? I certainly would not. And so when I see these videos, I get extremely motivated to vote. Scary stuff. These people are dangerous. Very nice job by Luke. So there's David inciting violence against Trump supporters, calling for violence. Or if you don't like that, uh, uh, not categorization. If you don't like that description, at least uh, manufacturing consent for bad things to happen to Trump supporters. What a sick fucker. Um, conservative bigots double down on losing strategy. It's tranny talk on the Sam but, Cedar um, show. In the wake of the 2022 election, particularly how poorly uh, things went for the Republicans in Michigan, where they dumped about $50 million into uh, various sort of anti-trans messaging as a way of an election strategy, and they got they got obliterated in Michigan. Um, my uh, assumption at that time was like, okay, this is they're done. There's no more efficacy for them in this, and 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 certainly there's a sense like within the uh, national Republican media enterprise it's not as sort of lucrative for them as it was, but it's still happening in these states because you get these, these right-wing politicians and their constituency are amenable and want this stuff. And so we're still seeing this, these, this legislation continue, yes? 
Yes, and I think that this is because once you fan the flames of moral panic, it's hard to put those fires out. And these fires still burn in places where we have majority Republican legislatures. Uh, in Missouri, for instance, I was covering a hearing just last week where you know they had nine anti-trans bills heard in a single day. It was by far the most common kind of bill that they were hearing the most time dedicated to this issue. And Missouri Representative Mann said in that hearing, he said that I am a student of history. I know where this ends. You'll never be satisfied. You'll always be coming back for more. And I think that that's the best explanation for what's going on. I mean, we saw 73% of Moms for Liberty candidates lose their races in this last election. They ran on trans issues. We saw Virginia got swept by Democrats who ran against anti-trans policies. Yes, we saw everyone loves the trannies. People swear in on banned books in school board races in Loudoun County and mm. Bucks County. And so. Oh, yeah. Loudoun County. That wasn't rigged. This is they, they've lost their rational compass on this issue. And instead, they've just turned into this. The people who don't want you to fuck the kids have lost their rational compass. Massive moral panic. And and it, it's going to be like it's going to it feels like it's going to get even more extreme in the reddest of areas. Uh, and um, create sort of, uh, I mean, th it's going to become that much more of an outlier, it feels like. Yes, um, and, in fact, and in fact, just yesterday we saw in Iowa, um, the governor, Kim Reynolds, submitted a bill that would end all legal recognition for trans people and require trans people to have special markers on their birth certificates that identify them as trans. And in this bill, it actually redefines their birth the certificates or on their uh, licenses. It was going to be on their birth certificates and driver's licenses. Right now, it's only on birth certificates. They've amended out the driver's license portion, but they have kept the birth certificate portion. Meaning um, amending someone's birth certificate uh, with a little special marker. With a, with a marker that identifies them as trans. They'll have like both gender markers on there. It's, it's something that, you know, a lot of people compared to the sort of pink triangle laws back in uh, the 1940s where LGBTQ people were forced to identify themselves. I need to I need people to be to, to, to sit with this for one second that this legislation forces a like a basically a scarlet letter of transness onto a birth certificate to amend someone's birth certificate. Bullshit. So that employers potentially if you're giving documentation or if you're giving it to a bank, they get to say they get to determine like be like, oh, I, I know what your genitals are. That is the purpose of this legislation. And that is, I mean, genital legislation should, shouldn't be astounding. Anti-trans genital legislation. But like that, that is very disturbing in, in, in what it's trying to do. Absolutely. And not only that, there's another aspect of this legislation that didn't get much coverage until yesterday, and that the legislation actually redefines the word equal. It says the equal no longer means same or identical when it comes to trans people. And then it goes on to say separate does not always imply uh, equality. So uh, if I understand what you're saying is that this is their, um, they're changing the definition of what essentially discrimination would be. Uh, to say that you can do these things based upon this information that you glean from the uh, the birth certificate. What what ostensibly is the purpose? Like when they when there when when there is a rationale uh, that if if I'm a trans person, I'm in Iowa, I got to go back and uh, change my birth certificate to reflect this new sort of like um, uh, this new I guess you know marker, as it were. 
what is their rationale for why this needs to happen? Like, what That's is the, the problem question. that ostensibly they're trying to fix? Absolutely. And that question was directly posed to the representative. And one of the representatives who was sponsoring the bill stated that, well, it's your birth record and we need to have an accurate record of that. But then whenever you look into adoption, for instance, we allow people to go back and change their birth certificates whenever it comes to adoption. So that rationale does not hold up whenever it comes to trans people. They don't have a rationale for it, not one that makes sense. For instance, when asked about changing the word equal, the person was asked, what does the word equal even mean now? And she responded, equal would mean, I would assume it would mean, um, I don't know exactly what it means in this context. That is specifically what she said. Where are they getting these ideas from? Like, is this an, like an ALEC type of situation or is there some sort of, um, I don't know, uh, uh, more um, a conservative cultural uh, version of ALEC these days? Of course. So the Alliance Spending Freedom and Heritage Foundation are the two major players right now. We know that the Heritage Foundation released a report called Project 2025, where they intend to make transgender and LGBTQ people obscene uh, and apply obscenity laws towards them, as well as, um, you know, ban LGBTQ people online as pornographic and uh, a number of other things, uh, visions for the future of America, such as making the presidency absolute in power. And so th this is what they are trying to do with these laws. This model legislation gets shotgunned everywhere. It was called out in Iowa for being from outside of Iowa. And in fact, 300 people showed up against the bill. Only three or four showed up in favor. Amazing. It's amazing, though, like the 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 durability of this as a as a issue within these groups, despite the fact that it is there doesn't seem to be a significant constituency that is actually genuinely uh, interested in it. Um, I mean, I get like, you know, I, I think for a while it was it was probably uh, providing some clicks for, uh, you know, some podcasters, uh, you know, across uh, the spectrums. Uh, but it, it, in terms of like just real people, I think mostly people are just sort of baffled by this. I mean, you, you had a piece, uh, I guess it was a week ago. Um, there was uh, audio from a, like a Twitter, um, Twitter, whatever they do on uh, spaces. The, the spaces type of thing. And where Michigan Republicans, along with Ohio Republicans, uh, said their end game is to ban trans care for everyone. And it's like, as a Michigan Republican, Aren't you like, well, hey, guys, maybe we should work on something else. And but no, it, it's it's fascinating to me. Absolutely. And this is Representative Gary Click out of Ohio, the person who wrote the anti-trans ban in Ohio that was vetoed by Governor DeWine. It blew up into national news whenever DeWine vetoed it. He had a meeting with a bunch of Michigan Republicans where they stated that the end game and that's this is the words that they used. The end game is to ban this for everyone, whereupon Representative Click came back and said, yeah, but you got to do it in small bits and incrementally. That way we can get there. And so they're, they're talking about this openly. They're talking about what they want to do openly, and they don't intend to stop, regardless of how popular it is, because at this point, they've got the they've got the dollars, the, the advertising dollars from the Alliance Defending Freedom and the Heritage Foundation. They've got the lobbyist money. They've got you know, the very far Christian right that has attempted to take hold of the country through the extreme wing of the Republican Party. Um, uh, let's just uh, end uh, with 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 Florida. Um, there's there's two stories coming out of Florida in the past couple of weeks. Um, one is that the uh, that the Florida Democratic Congressional Caucus has uh, appealed to uh, President Biden to 
essentially uh, block the uh, license ban for trans people in Florida with uh, the Real ID Act. Explain to us what that means. Yes, of course. Um, so in Florida, the... All right, that's enough of that. Let's go to... Um, now, Kyle Kalinske defends uh, mostly everything his side does. Let's see if he defends a lunatic calling for not a $20 minimum wage, not a $30 minimum wage, a $50 minimum wage. Let's see what he says about Karen Bass. All right, y'all. So, uh, no, Barbara, Lee, Karen ba Barbara Lee, who's Barbara. running for the U.S. Senate seat in California, you know, Diane Feinstein's old seat, um, she made some news because she had quite a policy proposal. This went uh, kind of viral. Quite? Here, I'm going to play it for you. I guess this is in one of the debates, and then we'll react to it. You're calling for a $50 an hour federal minimum wage. That's seven times the current national minimum wage of $7.25 an hour. Can you explain how that would be economically sustainable for small businesses? You have 60 seconds. First, let me say, I um, owned and ran a small business for um, 11 years. I created hundreds of jobs, benefits, retirement benefits, also health care benefits. I know what worker productivity means, and that means that you have to make sure that your employees are taken care of and have a living wage. In the Bay Area, I, I believe it was the United Way, came out with a report that uh, very recently, $127,000 for a family of four is just barely enough to get by. Another survey very recently, 104000 for a family of one, barely enough to get by low income because of the affordability crisis. And so just do the math. Just do the math. Of course, we have national uh, minimum wages that we need to raise to a living wage. You're talking about $20, $25, fine. But I have got to be focused on what California needs and what the affordability factor is when we calculate this. So wage. you're going to, I guess you would have, what are we looking at? $75 Big Mac uh, extra value meals in this scenario $50 Big Mac extra value meals uh, it, it, like they're so insane these people are so out of their minds wait alright so there's a few things $100 for a large pizza uh, to say about this is that it, okay the, the response most people will have immediately when they see this is like okay is that really possible like, is that, is that possible to have that high of a minimum wage? Well, look, coming from somebody who is solidly on the left, I will say, no, I don't think it's possible. For this very simple reason. People make the claim, oh, if you raise the minimum wage, that's going to lead to an increase in unemployment. Because if uh, business owners have to pay their workers more, um, if they can't afford it, they're going to have to lay off some of the workers, basically. That's they do. And then in places like Walmart, they go to the automation. The argument. Self-checkout. All of the studies that I've seen to this point. Also, I think it was, there was a, res, was it in, was it in Colorado? There was like a ski town. I forget where this was. I think it was in America. They had the first fully automated McDonald's. So there's not, there's no one there. And you go in and the, and the robots cook the food. It's ridiculous. It's crazy. Um, that's that's you're just going to guarantee that that happens faster with this insanity. Uh, when they look into this, is that there actually hasn't been an increase in unemployment when you have an increase in the minimum wage? Okay, so if it's you know let's for argument's sake let's let's make up some numbers here. Um, the federal minimum wage is seven dollars and twenty five cents. 
let's say a place has a $10 an hour minimum wage in a certain state and they, they decide we're going to raise it to 15, but we're going to do it in uh, different increments. So every year we're going to increase it by a dollar until we get to 15. So if it's 10 now, the next year it'll be 11, year after that will be 12, year after that will be 13, year after that will be 14, then 15, and then it stays at 15. Okay. In a scenario like that. So you're changing her argument, though. Uh, she said 50. It hasn't led to an increase in unemployment. Why? Because you're, you're making, um, you're making advancements in the minimum wage, and you're doing it at a pace and a clip that is possible for even the small businesses to be able to afford. Look, are, are there some giant corporations that can afford to pay colossally higher minimum wage? Absolutely. But there's also a lot of small businesses that genuinely can't afford it. So here, here's the point I'm trying to make. Because of small businesses, I actually don't think it'd be possible to do minimum wage that high without a massive increase in uh, unemployment. Because every small business, let's say they have five employees, if you raise the minimum wage to $50 an hour, They'll, you know what? I'll get by with two, right? I'm gonna, I'm gonna lay off three of them because I just can't afford. I'll get by with one other, and I'll have to pick up more of this. I can do more of the work myself if I'm a business owner, right? I, I definitely think that would happen in a scenario where you raise it that much. Now, again, to be clear, the studies show if you raise it in a reasonable manner to a reasonable number, that that doesn't happen. There isn't an increase in unemployment because you're raising it to a level that businesses can afford. But now, let me go a step further. So I don't actually agree with her on this. Um, in my opinion, you'd be paying McDonald's workers full time, like ten grand a month. <laughs> what you could do is Holy either do you know, fifteen dollars an hour, uh, the, you know, five for fifteen, like everybody says, national minimum wage, fifteen dollars an hour. Or, uh, I actually, I think a better idea is what's called sectoral bargaining, which is basically you, everybody's unionized, and you do it by sector of the economy and what we've seen for example is that like fast food workers in California are now uh, they now do sectoral bargaining so you kind of set a wage across an entire industry and in a scenario like that you tend to get the best possible number without having other negative economic consequences associated with it so I think sectoral bargaining is better I'm actually okay with the idea of raising the minimum wage to a higher number than 15, let's say like $20 an hour, oh, yeah. as That's long as you have programs in place that can subsidize small businesses that can't afford to pay that higher number. So you can subsidize them so they can keep those workers on. So there's a, a number of different ways to do this that I would support. I also like the idea of doing a living wage instead of doing it at the, you know, at the federal level, like, oh, the whole country is $15 an hour. You could do a living wage by county or region or state where it's literally a different number depending on where you live. So if you live in New York City, it might be $26 an hour because that's what you need to literally afford to live there. In, in Wyoming, it might be $11.57 because that's you know what a living wage is over there. So there's a bunch of different ways to do this. I, I think her policy is too ambitious. Now, having said all that, having said all that, my biggest issue with what was said here is actually not what Barbara Lee said. It's not. My biggest issue is everybody's reaction to what she said. Yeah, how dare people react to a fucking retard saying retarded shit? Because, you know, pretty much across the board, ha, 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 what an idiot, what a dumbass, pay workers a lot more, ha, 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 impossible, stupid. And it's like, hold on now. 
what's more egregious and more stupid and more idiotic and more absurd is what we're doing right now, where the minimum wage is $7.25 an hour federally. We are nowhere near a living wage. So people work for Well, it's time. not the living wage. It's the minimum wage. I'm... And they don't make enough money to survive. They can't afford the basics, even though they work full time. So this is not an issue of like. Yeah, Trump but this policies that you advocate for make the situation worse for them. Try harder. And then you claim you're the ones helping them. Hilarious. No, they're trying, and the system just doesn't allow them to live. Yeah, and your policies fuck them even more. He's upset with Jordan Peterson because he called Joe Biden demonic. Yeah, not dem- I'll, so I'm sure I'll, by I'll now demonic. you guys fine. are familiar with the. Uh, Republican conspiracy theory regarding the Super Bowl. I think it was Vivek Ramaswamy who was the first one to come out and say this, but he pointed out, I think they're going to rig the Super Bowl uh, so that the Kansas City Chiefs win. And when that happens, Travis Kelsey's going to propose to Taylor Swift, and they're going to come out and endorse Joe Biden. And in his mind, this is like, you know, the big... Well, the endorsement, if there was going to be one, the fact that people caught on to this made it more difficult for them. So so it's possible that's what they had planned, but they uh, didn't do it. And it's certainly possible there was not any sort of gay op involved. But what's bullshit is the argument that it's crazy to think there was because uh, Mike Benz uh, shared a, uh, a clip from a, a, a NATO person at a conference talking about uh, psyops and using psyops against the American people. And one of her examples was using Taylor Swift. Ace up the sleeve for Democrats. um, And it's scaring Republicans. You know, Charlie Kirk has flipped out over Taylor Swift recently. Jack Posobiec was uh, talking about this as well. They have Taylor Swift. We have John Voight and Kid Rock. It's like, all right, dude, (laughs) good luck with that. But uh, I'm not kidding when I say Republicans negatively polarize themselves against the number one pop star on the planet and football. They're just criticizing you. So, I mean, this past um, Super Bowl was like the most political one in a while. They're all political. All the conservatives were rooting for San Francisco, ironically, right? They hate San Francisco. They think it's a liberal wasteland. All the conservatives were rooting for San Francisco? You're just making up bullshit homelessness and drug abuse and all but they were all rooting for san francisco because san francisco they were not all rooting for san francisco just making a bullshit not you know the kansas city chiefs which have travis kelsey who they hate because he has a deal he was did ads for pfizer and for bud light and you know whatever and uh and he's dating taylor swift who is a liberal and endorsed endorsed biden in 2020 anyway so the whole conspiracy theory is like you know joe biden's gonna rig the super bowl the democrats are gonna rig the super bowl so that they can get this big endorsement from Taylor Swift and, and uh, Travis Kelsey. Okay. So when the Super Bowl ended in overtime with a comeback win by the Kansas City Chiefs, Biden comes out there and tweets the following. Just like we drew it up with the, the dark Brandon eyes. So this is obviously him kind of mocking the Vivek Ramaswamis of the world, the people who unironically thought there was some conspiracy where Joe Biden can ring the Super Bowl. By the way, think about how bipolar Republicans are in how they talk about Biden. On the one hand, it's like he's this doddering old fool who doesn't know how to tie his shoes and his brain is melting. Well, you agree with that because you that was your position yesterday. Now you're changing. And on the other hand, he's this 
this evil genius mastermind who's behind anything yeah, and everything. No one's arguing that. You're making that up. Thing everywhere. Total strong. You kind of got to pick one or the other. Yeah. Well, you, one of them's made up, so you know I don't know what to tell you. Can't have it both ways. Now, of course, I'm of the opinion that Joe Biden is much closer to the former than the latter. He's really old and he's struggling and he's not the guy he was even five years ago. Right. But anyway, so he comes out and mocks this. Is it a good tweet? Honestly, yeah, I think it's a good tweet. I think it plays into the goofiness. Um, I think this tweet probably created a couple thousand paranoid schizophrenics, Republicans who saw this and thought it was like serious and he actually did rig it and they had like mental breakdowns. I think it's a good tweet. Now, having said that, there was one response to it which I found uh, compelling, and it's, of course, the left-wing response to it, which is like, you're tweeting this at the exact same time that Israel is bombing Rafah and killing at least 100 civilians and, uh, you know, ramping up the genocide. And so to tweet just like we drew it up with these laser eyes at the same time that the Israeli government is doing bombing with U.S. weapons and U.S. money and killing kids... Very dystopian. So I saw some good left-wing criticisms of Biden over this. And look, on that point, I don't. Know, I think it's fair, right? I mean, obviously, this was intended to respond to the Vivek Ramaswamy-type conspiracy theories out there that he rigged the Super Bowl. Um, like that's the purpose of it. But it is, you know, if you look at it through that lens, the fact that he's tweeting this at the same time that U.S. weapons are bombing babies in Gaza, it's dark, man. It's All right, so then you agree with Jordan Peterson? Like, what do you, this is like the tactic TYT uses. They're making similar arguments that conservatives are making while simultaneously condemning the conservatives for making the same argument and then pretending the conservatives are wrong. It's insane. But they're right, even though they're saying the same thing. It's dark. That's really dark. So anyway, um, that was the criticism I thought was legitimate of this tweet. It came from the left. I think they're, they're correct. But if you remove that angle of it, I do think it's clever that he's sort of poking fun at the people who think he's some sort of evil mastermind who's behind everything. Well, um, Jordan Peterson saw this, and let's just say he had, he had a criticism of his own. So he uh, jumps off the top rope here and says, Seriously? Who the hell thinks this faux shadow integration idiocy is appropriate? It's as bad as or worse than the Philadelphia speech. It's damn near demonic. Demonic. Well, you just said it was dark. What's the difference? Jordan. Jordan. But, faggot, you just made his point. What am I going to do with this guy, man? So he... what, You're going to do nothing, faggot. That's the answer to that. You're not going to do a fucking thing. He's not making the lefty critique of like, hey, you're tweeting this as U.S. bombs are landing on children's heads in Gaza. I don't even know exactly what his criticism is. I don't think I don't think he even You don't knows. understand what the criticism is? That's amazing. What his criticism is. He brings it, up the Philadelphia the, it's speech. It's dark and disturbing like the Philadelphia speech. You guys know which one he's talking about? Yes. It was the one where Biden where he had, demonized half the country. Had the red lights behind him. Yeah, demonized the Repu- half the country as the enemy. Republicans freaked out and claimed that Biden was going after all Republicans. Yes, and, he he was. And 50% of the country and saying, oh my God, he's generalizing about us and he's smearing us and he's saying we're beyond the pale. And meanwhile, if you go listen to the speech, nothing has ever been more clear in human history. Right. See, he loves it. He likes the incitement to violence. He wants bad things to happen to us. He loves it when his leader demonizes the political opponents. That he says, 
I'm not talking about all Republicans. There's many great Republicans who I've worked with on many issues. You know, I'm only talking about the extremists. That does not make it any better. He's still inciting violence or, again, if you don't, if you think that's too far, manufacturing consent for horrible things to happen to the disfavored group. This is sick shit, genocidal shit. Yes, I'm only talking about the MAGA Republicans who are the main problem. So in the speech that he made the distinction everybody wanted him to make, they pretend like he didn't make it. That doesn't make it better. They just pretend like, like he said something totally different. This is my problem with- Right, so Kyle is okay if you're demonizing the people that he doesn't like. People, right? Look, I'm all, I'm all, it's all fine and dandy to have criticisms, by all means. Have criticisms. But at least make them accurate. At least make them reasonable. Like, if you tell them, name what's wrong with that Philadelphia speech, they will all bring up the thing that I said. They'll all. I mean, again, to, to argue the Philadelphia speech was okay because he didn't demonize the entire side, he just demonized the Trump supporters. That's sick. You're a sick fucker. Say, oh, he was uh, generalizing and smearing all Republicans, 50% of the country, when he was very clear not to do that in the speech. So it's like, well, then what is your real criticism? They don't have a real criticism. So what's your criticism here? What he's doing is demonic? Why? Because he has red laser eyes? Who are we kidding? Like, you, okay. Jordan Peterson has a bigger problem with this. Biden trolling in response to a bunch of idiots who think he controls everything. He's more angry at this than he was- The children being killed! That, for example, Donald Trump saying, I want to suspend the Constitution and get- Well, he didn't actually say that. So now you're getting, you're, you're taking issue with Jordan Peterson not taking issue with something that's completely made up. That tweet is taken totally out of context. He did not call for the suspension of the Constitution. He made the point that if you allow a stolen election to stand, you might as well suspend the Constitution. Those are two completely different things. I asked back in power. He didn't say, you dumb fucking asshole. He didn't say we have to suspend the constitution to get my ass back in power you're a moron a lying moron jordan that doesn't make any sense well it's made up well it's that's not jordan peterson's fault that what you just fucking said didn't make sense that's your fault you should talk to yourself in your head whoever whatever's in your head making up the bullshit that is what you need to take issue with it's not really a person but whatever you need to figure that out yourself amazing to blame jordan peterson for your own bullshit. Incredible. Jordan, that's dumb. What you just said is dumb. Jordan didn't say it. You said it. If you're more angry at this than at Trump saying, I want to suspend the But again, it's made up. It's made up. And you just, this is the perfect projection video. You fucking homosexual. You just said that they're, they're always making stuff up. If you have a criticism, have it be real. Well, yours isn't real. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. Institution, I think you need to check your... All that's left for you to do in this video is to talk about cock. And we, we have a few minutes left. We'll see if he does. Or maybe it's one of the rare videos in which he doesn't talk about cock and he doesn't demonstrate various cock-sucking techniques. Priorities. But more importantly... It's check your partisanship.
Oh, what, Jesus like, Christ. Fuck you. What's become of Jordan Peterson? What's become of Jordan Peterson is he's a Daily Wire guy now. So to sum up his worldview, Republicans good, Democrats bad. That's like, what you do all the time? Like, that's it. More it's projection. No, it, there's More no, total projection. Nothing deeper than that. It's, you know, Republicans good, let's play defense for them. Democrats bad, let's go on the offense against them. I'm going to call a goofy trolling picture. Demonic! You said it was dark? Faux shadow integration idiocy. Faux shadow integration idiocy. You know, look, I want to compare this Biden post. Hold on one second here. I'm going to compare this Biden post to one that I just saw Trump made. All right, so we're comparing that Biden post, his trolling joke post that, you know, Jordan Peterson is so offended by. Let's compare that to a Trump post that just came out. Uh, Trump tweeted this on Truth Social. Trump was right about everything. Trump was right about everything. Now, look, to me, that's just funny, right? Like, it's funny because Trump is a joke of a person. It's just funny. Like, he's a hilarious guy. I, I have no doubt he actually believes he's right about everything, too, right? But, like, imagine Biden tweeted, uh, Biden was right about everything. How would Jordan Peterson react? How? So now we're holding Jordan Peterson accountable for things that, are, that could happen in a made-up scenario. Dare you! It's absurd. It's, in, it's incredibly narcissistic of you to, to say that when we all know that that's not accurate. But when Trump does it, here, let's check. Let's be fair. Let's check to see if Jordan, let's see if he said anything about that. So now he has to comment on the things that you say. No, doesn't look like it. Doesn't look like he said anything. So, you know, comparing a Trump post, or excuse me, comparing a, a Biden post to... And way more ridiculous Trump post. And where's his anger? Well, how do you know he even saw the Trump post? I mean, he's made it very clear, right? It's demonic. It, like, when I look, I'm sorry, but when I look at this, what I see is I'm going to just go after a Democrat for anything and everything they do because they're Democrats. And, you know, the extension of that is I'm going to defend Republicans for anything. Well, that's what you do with Trump. And everything they do because they're Republicans. Right? And it's like, I don't know. It just strikes me as so deeply anti-intellectual, even though this guy... Oh, yeah, you're a real in intellectual. ...of the world's, like, leading intellectual. This, this, does, this isn't a serious response. This is like a... This is like, I'm gonna go after you no matter what response. And, you know, it drives me crazy, because... Guys, we talk about this all the time, right? Do you have any idea how many legitimate criticisms there are of Joe Biden? We bring him up on this show all the time. The Not biggest really. criticism you can and should have of him... ...is what he's doing in Gaza arming and funding the genocide of Gaza. That's the biggest criticism. There's other legitimate criticisms too, letting all the uh, pandemic social safety net expansions go away. Which yeah, Kyle wants higher inflation. Drastically hurt people economically, which then led to a massive uh, downturn in his poll numbers. There's so many legitimate criticisms. The number of legitimate criticisms the right has made against him Zero. Yes, the right has no legitimate criticism. Donut. Nothing. All, all the good criticisms come from the left. Oh, yeah. This is just such uh -huh. a great example of it right here. Hey, y'all, do me a... F so he didn't actually talk about cock? I'm stunned. He didn't talk about cock in that video. That's uh, it's unusual. Trump lawyer tells Judge Cannon he's... Oh, so this is... Okay. Bald fuck face. They're going to do this with any of Trump's defenses. They're either going to say it's illegal for him to use the defense, or this is the stupidest defense ever. In a closed-door meeting this week with Judge Eileen Cannon, Donald Trump and his lawyers 
outlined their legal strategy for their defense in the documents case. And this defense is just about as dumb as it gets. You see, according to what is being reported, Donald Trump's lawyers went in front of judge Cannon and they said, Hey judge, here's what we're going to say in court. We're going to argue that those documents, right? You know, the ones that, uh, this guy has, um, totally didn't matter, right? Like there was nothing important in any of those documents. Most of the stuff was outdated. So, you know, I mean, it's really not even that big of a deal and certainly doesn't fall under the purview of the espionage act, which he's being charged with. So nah, you get rid of all that because those documents were basically worthless here is what's being reported. Trump's attorneys prevented their defense theory, uh, presented their defense theory, which holds that classified documents he was charged with illegally retaining were not actually quote national defense information or quote closely held by the time he left office as defined in the espionage act. And they asked Cannon to limit the redactions or substitutions to those documents sought by the prosecutors quote, for instance, the Bedminster document understood to be a military map of Afghanistan would have been out, uh, out of date. By I the thought it was of Iran. I thought it was of Iran time he was waving it around in summer of am i wrong about that i thought it was they were talking about iran so he waved an afghanistan map around while he was talking about iran i swear they were talking about iran 2021 trump legal wants a document like that unredacted so they can argue that it was all old intelligence old intelligence now just because the document is old intelligence, right? Maybe things have changed in that country to where what's on that map is no longer on that map, but that doesn't mean that the information contained on that map is not still useful and could be useful to our allies or our enemies. So this is a very, very dumb legal argument. And the funny thing is it Fake only left. covers about I'd say a fraction of the charges against him because it's not just that the documents contained sensitive information that is part of it, but it's, it's a smaller part of it. I mean, the biggest thing is that he stole the documents to begin with a uh, blatant lie, ridiculous, blatant lie. It, it doesn't matter if they're old and outdated. It doesn't matter if the information contained in them is no longer relevant or they feel it's no longer relevant. The fact that he had them at all is in, in and of itself a crime. Total lie. And y'all are sitting there telling the judge like, Oh, yeah, I mean, he totally did it. Yeah. He had it. And he did in fact, wave it around during that meeting. We've all heard the audio where you can hear the paper doing that. And they're like, yeah, but <laughs> Nobody cared about that stuff. It was probably old. So redact that they said, or unredact that. So everybody can see, like, we want more people to see the stuff that he had taken from the white house. Now this actually sets up a perfect trap for judge cannon, by the way, because Jack Smith, he has his private meeting as well. It's not just cannon meeting with Trump's lawyers, although that wouldn't surprise me at this point. So Smith gets to go in there and he gets to make his requests for redactions and make his arguments for things that should not be redacted. And if Cannon 
allows fewer redactions or unredactions uh, than Jack Smith requests, it is at that point, according to legal experts, that he legal can experts then take his case to the appellate court to try to get Cannon kicked off the case. So by Trump's team going in and saying, yeah, redact this, redact this, redact this, unredact that, that gives Smith the opportunity to counter that whatever canon rules, he can then take it to the higher court and argue that she is trying to basically help them out and screw over the prosecution. So Trump's lawyers, even as stupid as their arguments were, according to the legal experts, lay a perfect trap oh, that Judge Cannon. You fell into my trap. Trump whines to SCOTUS that he can't campaign. Oh. Donald Trump's lawyers made an argument in front of the Supreme Court, well, to the Supreme Court, I guess I should say, on Monday, arguing that they should reverse the appellate court's decision to immediately allow the prosecution in the January 6th trial to continue, and of course, asking the court to take up the overall issue of presidential immunity. And in their filing, they made not a legal argument, they made a political argument because these lawyers clearly have no idea what the hell yep. they're doing. They're all dumb. They either it's going to be, oh, the, that's a stupid argument or he's not allowed to make that argument. There's no argument that Trump's allowed to make in court. His lawyers, probably at his request, told the Supreme Court that, gee whiz, you can't allow him to be prosecuted because he's got to go out there on the campaign trail. And it's just too darn difficult for voters to hear from him if, you know, he's stuck in a courtroom somewhere. That's their argument. That, that's not a legal argument. Like, there's, there's no case precedent to cite in that. There's no, um, hey, no, this law doesn't apply here. They're just saying, like, hey, you can't prosecute him because the guy's got things to do. He's a very busy man. Let me read this. This is from their filing. The DC circuit's extraordinary decision to return the mandate to the district court to proceed to trial imposes another grave species of irreparable injury. The threat to the first amendment rights of President Trump, his supporters and volunteers and all American voters who are entitled to hear from the leading candidate for president at the height of the presidential campaign. The special counsel seeks urgently to force President Trump into a months-long criminal trial at the height of campaign season, effectively sidelining him and preventing him from... That's true. They love election interference. Now they are boasting about their election interference. Campaigning the lovers of democracy are boasting about, laughing about election interference the current president to whom the special counsel ultimately reports, President Biden. This would impose grave First Amendment injuries on President Trump and all American voters, whether they support him or not, and threatens to tarnish the federal courts with the appearance of partisanship. Again, not a legal argument. Your job as lawyers was to so go- now bald fuckface, the human testicle, is going to tell the lawyers how they need to argue. Oh in a filing to the Supreme Court, because Monday was your deadline, that's when you filed it, and tell them the legal reasons why well, they- Well, again, you're cherry picking one part of the filing. Should put a stay- And you're pretending their whole case rests on this. Nice place. Try. 
to not allow the trial to continue as they wait for the Supreme Court to even decide whether or not to take up the issue of immunity. Instead, you said, well, he can't talk. He loses his First Amendment if he if he has to go to court. So I'm, I'm not going to lower myself to using a baby voice. Uh, I, I can't I don't have the stomach for it. It's total cringe. I'm not going to do it. But when it's time to put Farron Cousins after a fair trial into the Sun Eater, I'm going to have someone talk to him in a baby voice before he presses the button. Which is also not even true. So the one legal thing you actually tried to argue is not true. No, I don't think that's the one legal thing they tried to argue. Nobody is taking away Donald Trump's ability to speak. Yeah, guys. Stopping a person from speaking and campaigning, that's not taking away their ability to speak. He is still allowed to say whatever the hell he wants to say. He just may not be able to hop on an airplane anytime he chooses to go somewhere different and say it. But that is not actually restricting his freedom of speech because he's still allowed to say what he wants to say. It's restricting his ability to travel to say it and technically not even restricting it that much because he has his own airplane he owns it, so even after the trial finishes for that day, he could hop on the plane, he could fly to a different part of the country, do his little speech, hop back on the plane, get back to D.C., and continue the trial the next day, and so on and so forth. So, your one legal argument you tried to make... Not the one legal argument. ...is easily refuted by a guy that didn't even go to law school. I can only imagine <clears throat> yeah. what Jack Smith mm. and his team are going to oh, say in I'm response sure. to that, because yeah. they're actually good real lawyers yeah not. jack smith is a good lawyer according to farron cousins i'm just a guy who talking to a camera right now and even i destroyed your argument no you didn't you cherry picked and lied as you usually do so if this is the best you've got i would expect the supreme court not necessarily to rule against trump but probably to stay out of the matter altogether mm. by saying that the appellate court they made their decision we're just not going to take up the case that's the way for the Supreme Court to keep their hands clean in the matter and, of course, allow the trial to continue. Hopefully they displease you. Um, Republicans get humiliated by a, another witness. Wait, what, what is this? Hold on a second. Well. Oh, this is him celebrating that they arrested uh, a, an impeachment witness. Another week has gone by, which means another witness for the Republican Party's investigations into both Hunter Biden and Joseph Biden has once again undermined. Oh, no, no, no. I think this is, is this about Bobolinsky? He's going to say Bobolinsky is not credible? <laughs> Their entire case. Yeah, I think this was before the arrest of the whistleblower. It is now effectively happening like clockwork, where every week Republicans have another little closed-door hearing. They bring in an alleged star witness who tells them the same thing that the other star witnesses had previously said, which is that we don't know of any involvement of President Biden bullshit. in his son Hunter's business. Bullshit. At all. Total bullshit. Ever. For any reason. So you're going to now make that argument about what Tony Bobulinski said? That's incredible. All of the things that you want me to say, I cannot say because those yeah. would be lies. Oh, that's what they said? Can you show me in any of the transcripts where any of these motherfuckers said that, you fucking lying testicle? That is effectively what every... That is effectively. That's how you know you're talking to a weasel, a person using weasel words. They don't actually quote the person. They make up a quote and they say, well, that's essentially what they're saying. Single 
witness has now told them, including Karen uh, Tremontano. Oh, it's Tremontano. not. Oh, it's not. Uh, he's not going to do Bobolinsky. I figured. Who is the CEO? Of- he's probably never going to cover Bobolinsky. Bobolinsky's gotten zero coverage, as far as I'm aware. From corporate media. He's the one uh, witness that says uh, Joe Biden is the big guy. Blue Star Strategies, who actually did work for Burisma, where Hunter Biden was, you know, on the board, made all that money. Republicans pissed off he made all that money. Yeah, totally fine. It's totally normal. And, you know, Trump's sons makes money. That's the end of the world. But this is fine. Republicans in this hearing on Monday, again, closed door, so we only have snippets from reports. They were trying to get Miss uh, Trey Montero to tell them that not only did President Biden, then Vice President Biden, get involved with the son's business deals, but that Burisma bribed President Biden to actually change U.S. policy to benefit the company. And here's what she said to that. Neither Hunter Biden nor then Vice President Joe Biden had any financial or other involvement in my firm's work with Burisma. I am also not aware of any financial arrangements or compensation to then Vice President Biden related to his son's business dealings with Burisma or otherwise. She also denied anything about any kind of bribe. Cool. Now do Burisma. Well, no, the bribe, the guy that uh, alleged the bribe, they've arrested the DOJ arrested him today. Risma and he will celebrate and he will love it. Had offered to President Biden. So again, like clockwork, Republicans, led of course by Jim Jordan and Well, this why don't you do Bobolinsky next? Particular one, James Comer and the other House Oversight uh, investigations, get humiliated. Mm, mm-hmm. Which is why all of this, by the way, is taking place behind closed doors. It's like when they didn't want Hunter Biden to testify publicly. Of course you don't, because he's going to make you guys all look like idiots. Oh, yeah. I'm sure Hunter Biden would have been fantastic. Not difficult to do. But if you are so hell-bent on convincing the public that President Biden was doing something illegal, wouldn't you want the public to see it? If you actually had what you call star witnesses, wouldn't you want the public to hear what these people have to say? No, you wouldn't, because you know that none of your witnesses are going to come up and, and v- validate any of your idiotic lies. Yeah, especially Bob Alinsky. About what actually he loves t- Joe Biden. Took place. He was like Joe Biden's wonderful boy. Hunter Biden's fantastic. And you know how we know that, folks? I was unaware of this. We know. Or at least it had escaped my memory, I mm. guess. Back in 2020, Republicans, who then controlled the Senate actually conducted an investigation into President Biden and Burisma. In fact, Mrs. Uh, uh, Trey Montero here had already testified in front of the Senate. So this is actually her second time having to testify in an identical investigation, even though the first investigation concluded, yeah, we got no evidence. Yeah, Let's no say. evidence with anything with Burisma. End it. Yep. But they were really trying because it was a presidential election year. Oh, we're going to take down the Democrat guy. And then, oops, we couldn't because there's no evidence to back any of this yep, up. No evidence. So at all. all of this stuff happening now with this investigation is just a rehash mm. of what had already been concluded mm-hmm. many years ago. But these Republicans aren't going to stop. They're going to keep doing this and it's going to keep biting them 
on the behind. Oh, yeah. Every time their Every witnesses time. tell the public, uh-huh. Biden didn't do anything wrong. Yeah, that's well, what the fun. witnesses are saying, especially Bobulinski. Here's the border deal. So a poll Donald came out Trump's this week fault. that uh, the media kind of misconstrued to the American public because they really only wanted everybody to focus on one part of the poll. Now, this poll was conducted by ABC News and Ipsos. And so when ABC News published the poll, they did it with the headline, Overwhelming Majority of Americans Think Biden is Too Old for Another Term. Poll. How dare they? So based on their headline alone, which is how they announced the results of this poll, you would think a majority of Americans only think Biden is too old to be president. But the poll also found that a vast majority of American voters also think Donald Trump is too old to be president. But ABC News committed journalistic malpractice. Right, they're helping Trump. ABC is helping Trump, according to bald fuckface. By making you think that the poll only found voters think Biden is too old. They also committed a bit of journalistic malpractice by burying the lead. Because we get it. Polls have already shown us that voters think both people are too old. That's not uncommon, and it sure as hell isn't news. What is news, and I'll tell you the reason why ABC News didn't want to highlight this part, is a little noticed part of this poll. Americans find there is blame to go around on Congress's failure to pass legislation intended to decrease the number of illegal crossings at the U.S.-Mexico border, with about the same number blaming the Republicans in Congress, 53%, the Democrats, 51%, and Biden, 49%. Fewer, 39%, blame Trump. 39% say Trump is to blame for that border deal, that bipartisan immigration deal that was killed last week by Republicans. Yeah, because it was bullshit. 51% blame the Democrats, 49% blame Biden. Only 39% blame Trump. (laughs) Trump has actively gone out there and taken credit for doing this. Republicans in Congress have said Trump wants us to kill it, so we will kill it. the, The public is not being obedient. Republicans in Congress have gone out there and taken credit for killing this bill. It should be 100% of the public blames the Republicans and 100% of the public blames Donald Trump. But instead, most people blame it on the Democrats and Biden combined. (laughs) That is a failure of the United States media, starting with ABC News, and that's why that wasn't their headline. He's very angry. He does that. He wants you to be sucking Biden's dick nonstop. If the media were honest, instead of always doing their both sidesism, ooh, Democrats and Republicans are virtually indistinguishable. So this is delusional, pretending that they're not nonstop anti-Republican. I want to smack y'all across the oh, face. Oh, get speak. angry, bitch! Get angry. You're an angry, weak little man. Say shit like that. They're not indistinguishable. This particular piece of... Well, they don't make that argument. So again, you, you, you have to take issue with the person that made that argument, and that's you just now. Legislation was 100% dead because of 100% of Republicans. They're the ones who did this. <laughs> They're the ones who allowed Trump to bully them They're into doing the it. And if the media is not reporting <laughs> not that, fair. then of course the public's going to think the Democrats are to blame. By the way, the media reported nonstop that it was Donald Trump's fault. What are you talking about? There is no excuse. 
No excuse. You know, I hate the media, and I don't care if he wants to blame the media for something they didn't do, but they didn't do what he's blaming them for, which is hilarious. Use it all for those numbers not being 100% blame Republicans. That's not even possible to get the numbers to 100%. Other than You're a media, moron. including ABC News, is not telling the full story, and they're not <laughs> even caring that people don't know the truth. There was a time in this country, long before my time, by the way, when the media actually cared about telling the real story. Oh, I don't know about that. I think that's, uh, that's uh, wish, uh, wishful thinking. When you had real journalists. Mm. And the anchors of these news programs yeah. were actual journalists. Probably not. Probably not. Now it's people who go into broadcasting. Oh, I don't need to know how to research my own stories. All I need to know is how to read off a teleprompter. And I've got somebody smarter than me behind the stage typing in what goes on the teleprompter. Well, all you do is read the headlines verbatim from your propaganda outlets. And those people have agendas, but I don't care. I won't even catch it as I read off my teleprompter. This, as we've said for ever since the beginning of Ring of Fire, 20 years ago now, the media, the corporate controlled media has made us all dumber. The media is dead. There's no journalists. Yeah, but you're the media. Uh, as far as the corporate media, you're, you're no different. And they don't even care about giving you the truth. You don't either. You're a nonstop liar. These numbers in this poll represent a failure of the American media. And that's why ABC News chose to bury the lead on this story. Well, it's pretty funny. All right, real quick, uh, thank you to April Colony, uh, Connolly, uh, SciGuy33, and user number F9. D6F295 all for signing up for Subscribestar. Appreciate that on the bottom left of the screen. I will update it. Um, I have to do it manually. Uh, but on the bottom left of the screen uh, is where we are. I think we're at, I think we're at 30. I think it says 29 now. I think we're at 30 out of 50. Um, and so, again, that was because YouTube banned the Soft Gentleman's channel, and with that, the Soft Gentleman's Bathhouse, which was the membership thing over there. So that was like 25% of our income, so we're trying to get back uh, uh, the bathhouse. So we're, we're what, 20, 20 away. I think we're about 20 away now. So if you want to help with that, you can go to Subscribestar, subscribestar.com slash hard-bastard, or you can click the red subscribe button uh, on Rumble. All right, let me uh, read here. This is uh, Streamlabs. One moment. Let's see. Um, Bazinski says, As a dev in training for coding, I'm going to make a game called The Hard Bastard Fucker with Big Tits from Behind Simulator 2024. <laughs> it will be representative of HB... Wops and Women, Hella Progressive, DLC for the game will include a tuck suit and a top hat. That would be fucking hilarious. <laughs> yeah, well, there you go. That's uh, <laughs> Good luck getting that on Steam. Although, although I do think they, they allow, like, pornographic games. So in case you're wondering, again, the, the name is the Hard Bastard Fucker with Big Tits from Behind Simulator. <laughs> Silky Johnson says, speaking of games, HB, the hit pieces on Stellar Blade are starting to come out. Good, that makes me more likely to buy it. One of them basically attacked South Korea for having a history of anti-feminism. Oh, based, based South Korea. 
because how dare you not put a tranny in the game? The mouth foaming on Reddit is hilarious too. I hope it becomes very controversial and it pisses a lot of people off and I hope the developers deliver a good game. Um, but uh, yeah, I saw, it was like, a, I don't know, a week or so ago. I don't even remember. I think I just saw that someone tweeted about it and I was like, wow, look at that ass. That's a great ass. And it was part of this game they're releasing in April. And it, what's unique is uh, the, it's like a woman with a nice ass and the developers don't give a fuck what the trannies think and they're not going to make the main character a tranny and now the feminists and trannies are pissed off and and hopefully they deliver a good game. It looks interesting. Um, Soki also says, I'm also curious how Ass Willis's testimony goes since she would be the first chimp to take the stand in a court of law. I mean, how do you get an answer out of her? Is it like horse clops? Uh, uh, one clop for no, two for yes. Can shit throwing be entered into the record? Uh, she was close to throwing her shit today. She picked up both documents. So she had these stacks of documents. She picked them both up and she was like, that's a lie. That's a lie. <laughs> it's fucking hilarious. I'm telling you, the, the, we didn't even cover, because most of it happened like right before I went live. So um, I, if you want, like Viva Fry, I was watching Viva Fry cover it. I, I, I like Viva. Uh, he's earnest. Um, I think that uh, so, like, if you if you want to see it, check that out. Uh, but there's going to be all sorts of propaganda and articles written about this. This was like a major thing right after Wade went. I mean, it was. Uh, oh my God, she's. It's got to be one of the worst testimonies of all time. I mean, it was really bad. It was really yeah. That that was my favorite part when she picked up the document. She says, "That's a lie." That's a lot. <laughs> um, Soki says, You hear about France passing a law making it punishable by jail and fines if you don't suck the cock of the mRNA vaccine? You know it'll be used to jail people for not wanting to fuck or mutilate kids or if a doctor tells you to get rest and drink water. No, I've not heard of that, but I'm not surprised. that I guess they're going to jail you if you don't take the COVID vaccine. And there's going to be other mRNA vaccines that they come out with. And uh, it's just, uh, that's crazy. Soki says, did you hear about those HB? I bet Biden has already made a deal. We'll make it one to sell all of that to the chinks or BlackRock or just give it away. Yeah, rare earth uh, minerals. I wouldn't be surprised. I would not be surprised. Cobra says, this homosexual is high. If anyone wants to experience the coolest and most beautiful city in the world, go visit Moscow. I've been to London and Paris. Moscow smokes them both. Yeah, I haven't been to, to any of them. My understanding, though, is Paris and, uh, and London, but particularly Paris, is really shitty right now. The, uh, Paris is, like, similar to a Democrat city. Um, a lot of migrants, um, a, a lot of graffiti, shit, and trash on the ground. And my understanding is Moscow is not like that. My understanding is Moscow is clean. The only thing that I've really seen of Moscow that I was like, holy shit, is I believe it's Moscow. Um, they have a train and there's this train station that looks like the fucking 16th chapel. It's just, it's in, the, the architecture's insane. And uh, that that's like wild, completely wild. So 
uh, yeah, no, I, I do think it's true. Moscow's cleaner than the Democrat cities. I think that's absolutely true. Or, or like Paris and, and London. Um, so, yeah. Um, Dave says, Pacman's analysis of the Putin-Tucker interview wasn't actually too inaccurate. I've read some of Alexander Dugan's books, and he tailors his work to be friendly to those that are uh, paleoconservative or right libertarian. Putin did the same in the interview. Yeah, I, I wonder if there's going to be a follow-up. Uh, and I also am wondering if th that journalist is not going to get released within, you know, I don't know, maybe the next two to three weeks. We'll see. I would think that would be a move where he knows, I think Putin knows Tucker's relationship with our media. And he, I think he knows that if he released the guy, Tucker would get some credit and the media would, would flip and it would put the media in an awkward position. I don't know. That'll be interesting. Basinski says, one problem I see with raising the minimum wage to insane levels is you would destroy the middle class that has savings. If everything becomes expensive overnight, you'll destroy accumulated wealth and it could lead to hyperinflation, which is a nigger. <clears throat> that is true. Hyperinflation is a nigger. That's, uh, you know... Uh, might not necessarily hear it referred to that way, but I think that's accurate. Um, yeah, so I, that's probably the goal. I would guess that's probably the goal, but they're crazy. He can't even re re denounce one of his own people bringing up something insane. That I mean, really, like how, how, how insane could you possibly get? It's like ridiculous. All right, let me just uh, check here one second. Oh, I forgot to uh, forgot to uh, get rid of the spammers. Shang A Fong says, "How much to ban Trannybot?" Yeah, I totally. I I I had said I would go and um, do that. I totally forgot. My apologies. Next stream, I will definitely be on top of the uh, the bots. Unfortunately, the bots have returned. They were gone for a while. And, uh, yeah, that sucks. Is this is that the one? Yeah, yeah there's a bunch of them. Uh, that's a shame. Yeah, look at how often. Oh, it's just uh, it's disgraceful. Red Cap Goblin says, I hate this lying shithead. That could be anyone. Let's see. Could be anyone. I'm going to guess it was uh, Bald Fuckface, but it could be any of them. Cooper sees the truth, says, so Trump's lawyer argued ir irreparable damage from the state prosecuting him during the campaign, which is literally a legal argument. And the bald testicle claims they didn't make a legal argument. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, that's about right. Yes, that's about right. And that they're stupid. <laughs> Amazing. All right. Very good. That is the end of the stream. Next stream is Saturday, 6.30 p.m. Eastern. Thank you for all the people that sent Super Chats and Streamlabs. Appreciate your support. Thank you for all the people signing up for uh, Subscribestar uh, to help return the soft gentleman's bathhouse. Again, we're 20 away. Uh, we're at 30, and I will update the, uh, the ticker. Before the next stream, you can get an archive on Rumble, rumble.com slash user slash hardnewsnetwork, or on Podbean, hardnewsnetwork.podbean.com. You can also find uh, the archive of the new show, The Hard R Hour, which is uh, on BitChute, bitchute.com slash hardbastard. Uh, also uh, on um, Twitter, at LiveHNN, and uh, Rumble as well. Um, 
wherever you're watching on the stream or on the archive, I appreciate it. I'll see you guys Saturday. I am the Heart Bastard. Thank you for watching.